MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. MRN, the Motor Racing Network, presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Today, the Atlanta Journal 500. Sponsored by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated. Don't just reach for a beer. Head for the mountains of the smooth taste of Bush beer. By Piedmont Airlines, the only airline in America that flies everywhere these cars fly. Piedmont, the official airline of NASCAR. By Pontiac, we build excitement. So get on your Pontiac and ride. By True Value Hardware Stores. For quality, selection, and personal attention, make True Value Hardware your store of first choice. By Unical, the winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. By Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant. Winston Cup winners know it. Peak beats the heat. By the STP Corporation. STP products help your car run right longer. By Armor Star Canned Meats. America's number one choice for the great outdoors. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By Van Camp's Pork and Beans. Plum tender beans and a rich tomato sauce make Van Camp's America's favorite. By Ford Trucks. America's truck built Ford Tough. And by Underalls. Pantyhose and panties all in one. We're back at the Atlanta International Raceway. The cars are now on the speedway. They'll give them three laps here before they cut them loose this afternoon. Sunshine continues to beam down. It's turned out to be an absolutely gorgeous day. As they work off into turn number one, let's pause ten seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. As the field gets down in the banking in turns one and two, let's familiarize you with the voices who will cover the action out on those corners this afternoon. From Hampton, Virginia, let's go to turns one and two and Joe Moore. Thank you, Barney, and good afternoon, everyone. As you guys mentioned a little while ago at the beginning of the broadcast, it's amazing that a day that started off so awful has turned out to be so beautiful. The sun continues to shine. It's heating up even more, and the wind's continuing to blow out here, which is a good idea because even though the racetrack is completely dried off, the inside grassy apron of the racetrack is still wet. There's still water standing in some areas here, and so of course, run off into that area. That could get to be a kind of a messy problem. But again, the wind and the sunshine are combining to kind of clean that mess up. We're at the end of turn number two with a great view back over towards turn one and two. 24 degrees of banking here. And of course, if we've mentioned this new asphalt here, it looks like there's plenty of room to do racing up here. And a lot of answers will be, uh, a lot of questions will be answered here today at this end of the speedway. We also have a great view down the back straightaway where a lot of moves are usually made here in Atlanta. Right now, the field in front of turns three and four as they work towards the one-to-go signal from Harold Kinder atop the flag stand. And covering the action in turns three and four for Motor Racing Network this afternoon is the host of Motor Week Illustrated from right here in Atlanta, Georgia, Dave Despain. You know, the fascinating thing about Atlanta is that you're turning all the time here. It's uh, a mile-and-a-half racetrack with a mile of corner, and now the corners are all different because of the new paving job. The only guy who's figured out the racetrack is Rusty Wallace, who's two miles an hour faster than the guy next to him in the front row. He's going to be like a rabbit out of here. We're going to be keeping an eye on him to define this turn three and four area for everybody else during the early running. The rain has done nothing to dampen the enthusiasm of the crowd here at what is about the fourth or fifth largest city in Georgia this weekend. It didn't put out the campfires. The barbecue is doing very well, thank you. Nor has it dampened the enthusiasm of this essentially pro Bill Elliott crowd. They have come here for a coronation today. They want to see the championship back in Georgia. And frankly, it doesn't seem to bother them a bit that their man is five miles an hour off the pace. And how about Bill Elliott? Kind of like other sports figures, do you picture yourself in victory lane celebrating before the race even starts? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. 
Well, Oral Hershiser said he saw the victory celebration before the World Series when he was practicing and getting ready for that final championship game. Bill Elliott says not quite that way. If you're just joining us, you're tuned to Motor Racing Network's live coverage of the Atlanta Journal 500. I'm Eli Gold alongside Barney Hall. Again on Pit Road, Mike Joy and Dick Brooks. Jim Phillips will be covering the action in the garage area. And Barney, this is what it's all about right here. Two guys going head-to-head to settle the championship, not to mention other point battles all the way back through the pack and a lot of money up for grabs here this afternoon not just for the front two spots there'll be a lot of things to talk about for the fifth and sixth position could easily change here this afternoon that's worth a difference of 15 to twenty thousand dollars in some cases and the point money for a lot of these teams at the end of the season can make the difference between showing a profit and not showing a profit pace car is behind the pit wall field comes out of turn number four harold kinder indicates let's hold it down guys they're running about 80 miles an hour they're 300 feet away from the start finish line and we are underway in the Atlanta Journal 500 the final race of the season taking down into turn number one Earnhardt breaks free of everyone goes out single file tucking in right behind him Rusty Wallace Wallace holds the second spot while Mike Alexander is right behind him the front three in single file while there's a battle side by side for fourth on the inside Brent Bodine and Jeff Bodine on the outside and that brother battle as they head down the backstretch will be challenged from behind by Ricky Rudd and Kenny Schrader who are side by side then comes Sterling Marlin running post to post with the 25 car of Kenny Schrader Wallace ducks to the inside takes the lead everybody up here just kind of looking at one another as Rusty Wallace just dives to the low side of the racetrack gets around Dale Earnhardt and pulls away by a three car length advantage already back in turn one. Now Mike Alexander's on the move. He goes to the inside of Earnhardt also and gets by down low. So Earn, rather Alexander picks up the second spot. Earnhardt is third. Jeff Bodine is fourth. They're side by side for fifth. Not much change in Bill Elliott's situation back in the back. His primary concern starting 30th. Watch out for the traffic. Keep out of trouble as Wallace sets the pace up front. Ellis is just sitting tight right behind Larry Pearson. And right now he is running back in 30th position exactly where he started. Here he comes out of turn number four talking about Bill Elliott. He moves alongside Larry Pearson. He's going to move up one spot on the field as they head back to turn number one. They're single file among the top ten. They're back in two. Still, it's Rusty Wallace showing the way as Mike Alexander checks him out for room to get by. That's not going to work here. Earnhardt is with the flat two now as they sit about a five-car link lead over the rest of the field. Lead trio breaking away. Rudd comes up the inside to challenge Jeff Bodine for the fourth spot and should make that move as they hit turn three. Wallace taking the Alexander Earnhardt freight train away from turn four. Tommy Ellis on pit road was called in for jumping the start. He had a stop and go penalty assessed to him, but now now the car is not refiring, and there seems to be more of a problem on Tommy Ellis car. We'll update that shortly. The front three pull away in front of Joe Moore. Good battle for the fifth position here. Sterling Marlin working down on the inside of Jeff Bodine, but he gets by. Now picking his spot on the inside of Bodine. Once again, is Brett Bodine. There are 20 cars in that second pack of traffic. They're racing for fourth on back. Down to the inside goes Marlin. Takes fourth spot away from Ricky Rudd, and Jeff Bodine will fall back to sixth. Brett Bodine is very strong as he comes out of the corner in turn number four. Again, a heated battle with his brother, Jeff Bodine. Down to the inside is Brett. Outside is Jeff. They work back into turn number one. That's a battle for the seventh position. Now looks like Jeff has broken away from his brother, Brett. Brett is left there to battle with another car as they come off turn number two. That's the Terry Levati car. They're side by side off turn two. Earnhardt is having his difficulties hanging on to the pace that Rusty Wallace and Mike Alexander are setting up front. He's dropped back perhaps eight to ten car length. And then at the 20-car length, yeah, back to the fourth-place man, Sterling Marlin. A stop-and-go penalty assessed to H.B. Bailey. He has rejoined the action. Bill Elliott running in the 29th spot as Mike Alexander.
Alexander flexes the muscle of the Miller High Life Buick to move around Rusty Wallace entering one. Smooth move by Mike Alexander dropping down to the inside of the racetrack. He's already picked up some four spots over Wallace. It's Earnhardt in third, Sterling Marlin fourth, fifth now is the Ricky Rudd car. Alexander, one trouble in turn number one. It's Dale Jarrett up against the outside retaining wall. He scrubs the wall, keeps it up the banking while another car drops down to the inside of the racetrack. Still rolling. We're trying to identify that car as he rolls down in the wet apron area here off uh, turn number two. It's the uh, Fab Buick. Rodney Combs involved. He's the one that drops down to the inside of the racetrack. Dale Jarrett's car again hit the wall first, scrubbed along the outside retaining wall from the entrance of turn one all the way around to the exit of turn number two. A lot of smoke out of Jarrett's right, car as he way. sits up against the outside retaining wall. Combs has pre-fired his car and driven away. It'll put us under caution. It comes out on lap number six for an incident down in turns one and two as Dale Jarrett got up against the wall over there for just a moment and rode it along there for a couple of hundred feet. Let's go back to Joe Moore for a quick update. Dale's car has come to a rest here, the port loop Buick, right here in front of our position at the exit of turn number two. He's moving around in the car. He's okay, taking his helmet and goggles off now. A lot of smoke from the right side of the car. And again, it's sitting right against the outside retaining wall, so we can't tell if there's a tire cut down or what the problem is. We'll be back at Atlanta in a moment. We're back at Atlanta. Davey Allison is on pit road, and the hood is up on his machine down there as they continue to work on it. Greg Sachs brought his car to pit road also. We're working the first caution of the day. It came out just a moment ago when Dale Jarrett hit the wall over there, and apparently there is some liquid on the racetrack. He might have lost an engine on it. We'll get the word there in just a moment. NASCAR officials checking that over. Davey Allison all set with his racing team again for the next number of years. That, of course, will be a Robert Yates-owned operation. That announcement made officially here in Atlanta just a few days ago. Well, we saw Bill Elliott really taking his time, showing some patience. He moved up around Larry Pearson from 30th into the 29th spot, but really was not pressing it any. I asked Bill if you're just going to have to basically bide your time and ride around for a while. Well, it ain't necessarily ride around because you've still got to run reasonably hard because because of, of the competition this day and time. You know, you've seen races early or, or in the latter part of the year. You know, you have cars three or four laps down that that are even in the 20 positions, you know, like Wilkesboro. You know, I know the last place a car three laps down was like 19th or 20th. So, you know, you get in a situation like that, you've still got to run reasonably hard due to all the competition. But there again, you look on the other hand, of all the good cars in here, and as, as good as equipment's got nowadays, you can trust it a lot better than you could two or three years ago also. So the Bill Elliott theory as we are early, just eight laps into the Atlanta Journal 500 here at the Atlanta International Raceway. Davey Allison is back in the pits. Let's see if we can get the word there. Their hood is up on his car. For One of our pit reporters will check out and see if they can determine what the problem is. But this is the second stop, and the hood has gone up both times. Not a good sign in the early going for Davey Allison. Eight laps are complete. We're under caution for the first time. Dale Jarrett hit the wall over in turns one and two a moment ago. Rodney Combs looped his car around also in that incident. And whether either one will be able to continue, we'll find out here in just a moment. We talk- uh, Rodney Combs came in and, and had not hit anything. They just changed the tires on a car. He had flat spot in them. He's back in the race. Barney, it looks like uh, Dale Jarrett's problem is terminal here. He walked, climbed out of the car, walked over to the NASCAR fire truck, then the ambulance came by, and he got in under his own power. He was limping a bit, but again, it looks like the car is done for the day. But what they are doing now is putting down some speedy drives, so evidently the problem was a bit more severe than we thought originally, and Dale Jarrett driving this afternoon for Haas Ellington. Of course, he goes full-time to the K.O. Yarborough Hardy's operation in 1989. We are at the Atlanta International Raceway Motor Racing Network with live coverage, and our coverage does continue. In just a moment from Atlanta, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 
Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021, at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. Today's broadcast of the Atlanta Journal 500 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by the Atlanta International Raceway to Motor Racing Network solely for the private non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the description and accounts of this race without the expressed written consent of NASCAR and Motor Racing Network is prohibited. Hope you can join us Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. NASCAR Live will be back on the air with our toll-free phone number, and the Winston Cup champion will be our guest, whether it be Bill Elliott or Rusty Wallace. That gentlemen to join us on the broadcast here Tuesday night. Dick Brooks has made his way to the Davy Allison pit area. He's been in twice as we've told you with the hood up. Dick, what have you found out? Well, I haven't found anything yet. I'm talking, I'm trying to talk to uh, the, the crew chief here, Robert. Uh, Robert, what uh, what happened to Davy's car? You've had the hood up on it twice. Well, we had a spark plug wear off and the, you know, there should be, it should not happen, but we did make a change in the diameter of the plugs, and we did make a change in the wire itself, and uh, it's something we plan to run next season, and we're getting a race on it. Boy, this is a hard way to, to check out that deal, but uh, if it stays, it may stay on okay. If it doesn't, we'll have to you know, make, get some kind of method to try to uh, fix to make it hang on the rest of the day. All right, that's Robert Yates, and uh, seemed a little disappointment there, but that's what racing's all about, test and trial and error. There's quite a few teams that will test some things in this final race of the season uh, and get a little jump on the 1989 season. We're still under caution, and while we are, we'll have a quick minute to chat with Jimmy Mosteller of the Have a Tampa Cigar Corporation. You folks have been with us all season long. Jim, I know a lot of race fans are very familiar with your voice. You've been coming here to Atlanta longer than I have. You're a little bit older than I am, I guess, but we won't get into that. But nevertheless, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to come back to this place, and the business just keeps changing. The crowds get bigger, and the, and the race season gets better, seems like. Barton, there's no question about it, and certainly I enjoy always coming to any racetrack, but especially to the Atlanta International Raceway. And I just want to thank all these wonderful racing fans that do smoke our Tampa Nugget, have a Tampa Jewels, the Tampa Sweet Perfecto, the Tampa Sweet Cheroots. But it's always good to be with you guys. I know you have mixed emotions about watching Cale Yarbrough run his last race. He's given you and I a lot of thrills here at this track over the years. Well, you take Kale, you take Benny Parson, take all of them. If there's anything that kind of breaks your heart, it's kind of like me when I got out of announcing racing. Really, you come down to the end of the line in one respect, but you never forget the sport you love so much. Jim, it's nice to see you, and we'll continue to smoke those Havatampas, and have a good one. Thank you, Barney. Good being with you. 
Jimmy Mosteller, who used to be the PA announcer here at Atlanta some years ago, way back in the early 60s when I started. Jimmy was working here, and I came down and kind of backed him up a few times. We go back a long ways, and he is, you talk about a race fan. Now, he is race fans right down to his toenails. One of those have a good one. Are those a new product they're coming out with? It will be, yes. <laughs> We're getting ready to go back to green here. The 11 laps are complete in the Atlanta Journal 500. Field is forming up for a restart over in the back stretch right now as they work down to Dave Despain to set the field for us. Well, if there's a surprise here, it's probably Mike Alexander who's moved up to challenge Rusty Wallace. We all knew Wallace was strong with his 179 mile an hour qualifying run and he's been at or near the point all day but it is Alexander who has moved ahead of Wallace and uh, we'll start, uh, we'll take the green first with Wallace behind him, then comes Dale Earnhardt, lining up fourth is Sterling Marlin, then Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, Terry Labonte, Brett Bodine, and Mark Martin. And Darrell Waltrip rides right behind that single-file restart. Only one car is a lap down at the bottom of the racetrack, and that is H.B. Bailey's machine. Pace car is behind pit wall. Mike Alexander brings him out of turn number four, getting ready to go back to green flag on lap number 12 here at Atlanta. They stack them three wide. Earnhardt tries to wedge in between Rusty Wallace and the lap car of H.B. Bailey. He makes the move. There's a good battle going on for second spot in turn one. Earnhardt is battling alongside Rusty Wallace and going into the corner. Earnhardt wins that particular war. Now he's going to step up and try to challenge Mike Alexander for the lead. As they power down the backstretch, Earnhardt on the move. We saw him dominate here the last couple of appearances, and he wants the lead for the first time today. He's got it as they peel off into three, and Earnhardt gets a little loose right inside Alexander, managed to contain the car and keep everybody out of trouble. Further back, Bill Elliott still running comfortably in the middle of the pack. He's behind Derek Cope and ahead of Benny Parsons. The scramble, though, for third place. Three cars going back into the corner for third. Dropping down on the inside, Brett Bodine trying to grab a position. Now Ricky Rudd gets down on the inside of Rusty Wallace. Wallace got loose a bit going into the corner, but gathered control. Rudd, picks up the spot here on the backstretch. We wonder if Wallace may have lost something here as he almost got it into the fence in that altercation with Rudd. He has slipped back to fourth, and there is a gap between the third-place man, Sterling Marlin, and fourth-place Rusty Wallace as Rusty tries to hunt him back down. They get together coming out of turn number four. Mike Alexander and Dale Earnhardt touched a little bit and making it three wide going for the lead. Sterling Marlin at the bottom of the racetrack tries to take it away in turn one. And he does at least take it away from Mike Alexander, grabs that second spot, and he's challenging for the lead right alongside Dale Earnhardt their door handle the door handle off turn two that could get to be an interesting battle Earnhardt and Marlin side by side going into turn three at Atlanta and right on their rear deck they'll have the uh, number 12 car of Alexander waiting to see if anything happens Earnhardt goes high gets loose and Marlin is able to squirt away and at the same time Marlin and Alexander now side by side for the lead as Earnhardt tries to get back in line and at the same point shuffle Wallace back to fourth spot double file for the lead every time they come by our position. It's a different person up front. This time it'll be Sterling Marlin there with Mike Alexander challenging him. Right behind him is Earnhardt and Rusty Otters. Pretty good little uh, country stock car race there. 16 cars in the lead pack. They're three wide down the backstretch. Earnhardt slips to the inside, takes the advantage, moves Marlin up high. Alexander comes low. Wallace is in fourth, watching it with the best seat in the house. I think they made Earnhardt mad that last time around when they came through three and four, they just muscled him up in the high groove. He comes bouncing right back and moves Sterling Marlin and Mike Alexander out of the way and goes back into the lead. He heads to turn two. Good battle back for the fifth position. Jeff Bodine breaks away. He drops down to the inside of Ricky Rudd. They're going side by side. Right behind them, three wide, is Darrell Waltrip, Terry Labonte, and Brett Bodine. That's a real traffic jam back there with Labonte sandwiched between Brett Bodine on the inside and recent winner Alan Kowicki on the outside. And they're trying to climb over the top of the 25 of Kenny Schrader. That's the battle for eighth on back. 
The speeds here at Atlanta, breathtaking now at 180 miles an hour on the pole. It wasn't that long ago when 162 would have won you the pole here at Atlanta. Single file among the top ten. Earnhardt leads the way. Sterling Marlin runs in the second spot, but Marlin goes a bit high here in turn number two. Grabbing the spot. Down underneath him now. On the move is Mike Alexander. Alexander dipping to the bottom of the racetrack, battled side by side for the second spot with Sterling Marlin. Meanwhile, Davey Allison has all eight cylinders firing and is coming through the back of this field like a hot knife through butter. He's still way downfield, but he's definitely hitting on all eight. Morgan Shepard is dropping back. He is off the pace a little bit. There could be a problem on his car as the lead pack flash by at lap number 18 with Dale Earnhardt pacing the Atlanta Journal 500. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, this is Pat Summerall for True Value Heart. We're back at the Atlanta International Raceway. 20 laps are complete. Not much change in the running order up front. It is still Dale Earnhardt, Mike Alexander, Sterling Marlin, and Rusty Wallace. Let's go to Dick Brooks. Well, Tommy Ellis came in. He got black flagged, and he had to come in and make a stop. Tommy, what happened to your car? Uh, we, they, they say we jumped the start, which, uh, you know, that was a matter of opinion. I, Bill couldn't get going, and I just pulled down. I never passed him before we got to the line. So they gave us a stop-and-go penalty, and when I came in, when I got ready to leave, we lost the gill. They about got it repaired now. Uh, he couldn't hear me. They just about got it repaired. They're going to put him back in the race. Bobby Jones, the crew chief, was a little hot about it, but uh, that's racing. On pit road, Morgan Shepard comes down. He was off the pace, goes straight on through the pits, and will go back onto the speedway right now. Single file back through the top three. The battle's for fourth position. Ricky Rudd just takes that away. Rusty Wallace is back in fifth. Back in sixth position now is Mike Alexander. And he's got some problems, Barney. He slowed dramatically off turn two. And Dave, in front of you, he nearly lost the automobile. He's just about crashed himself right out of the place twice in a lap. But apparently it's a handling problem. Alexander is heading for the back at a rather dramatic pace. And he was completely sideways here in three. Bill Elliott is 32nd in line right now. He has been bypassed by a number of drivers. Still taking his time. We are early in what is normally a four-hour race here at the Atlanta International Raceway. The battle for the lead, a good one, as Sterling Marlin, Dale Earnhardt, and Jeff Bodine continue to mix it up here at the Atlanta International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021, at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. 24 laps are on the board. Harold Kinder with the caution flag in hand. He waves it as the leaders come across the stripe. Jeff Bodine takes it. Mike Alexander leaves pit road, and so does Morgan Shepard, first to the Shepard pit. He came in thinking he'd flatten the right side tire. Bob Rahilly came across the wall, took a look, wiped a lot of oil off the windshield, and sent him back out. The engine did not sound all that healthy, but Shepard's back out there. Well, one of the thing, one of the worst things that can happen to a race driver is pit just as the caution comes out, especially early in a race. And that happened to Mike Alexander, and they pulled the right rear tire off and pulled the right side tires off, and the right rear was flat. It's got a little hole in it. Caution is on the speedway, and we understand it is for a check on the tire situation. There was a little concern with the, all the rubber being washed off the speedway last night and early this morning from the heavy rains that came down for several hours here at Atlanta. So they will. This will be a caution flag, and everyone will come onto pit road. They'll have a chance to check the tire wear and make sure that everything is safe before they go back onto the racetrack. 25 laps are complete. Fill you in a little bit. This will be the second caution flag. We just explained it. The first one came out when Dale Jarrett hit the wall in turns one and two down there. Rodney Combs spun out trying 
to kind of get underneath Jarrett, and those are the only cars that have had any problems on the racetrack per se. Dale Jarrett is out of the race. Tommy Ellis spent several laps behind the wall. Now they have repaired his car, and he's back on the speedway. Pit stops are occurring all up and down. As they said, they'll check the tires. First, let's go back down to Mike Joy. Barnham in the pits of the pole sitter, Rusty Wallace. He's got one pretty good tire mark on the left side of his Kodiak Pontiac. All four tires, Goodyear's coming off his car, all look to be in pretty good shape. So it'll be a routine four-tire change for almost every team at this end of pit road. Jim Phillips. We finally caught up with uh, Dale Jarrett, who crashed over there in turn one. What happened, Dale? Well, the right front tire blew out going into turn one, and uh, we're running so fast here now, you just don't have time to do anything. You just hold on and hope that, you know, nothing bad happens. And uh, I, I assume we ran over something, no more laps than we'd run. I can't imagine anything else happening. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of it. You know, you're going in the corner so far into the gas, and you don't stay out long that you, when something does happen, you don't have enough time to, to do anything. And, How about the leg? Uh, I'm going to be okay. I bruised my knee up hitting on the steering column, but I uh, feel fortunate to hit the wall that hard, and that's how safe these NASCAR race cars are. Dale Jarrett out of the Atlanta Journal Fall Turner here this afternoon. Check in with Dick Brooks on pit road. Morning, I was standing in Davey Allen's, Allison's pits when he came in, and, uh, and he didn't have any tire problems at all. He changed all four tires on the car. Jeff Bodine, just in front of him, did the same. The tires look very, very well. The tire wear is good. There's no chips or nothing in them. And, uh, of course, uh, we just talked about Mike Alexander that had to, came in, had to come in just a lap earlier, and he came back and changed left side tires on his car. Didn't have any problems with them either. So I don't think there's going to be any tire problems. These guys are just going to have to get used to, have to, get used to the new surface, and uh, uh, some of the guys' chassis are going to slip and slide a little bit more than they thought they would. That's good. There will, there will be no tire wear, apparently, at least in the early going here. And look who's out there staying out there leading that five-point bonus lap. Dave Marcus stayed on the racetrack. He, along with Jimmy Means, picking up, uh, deciding to stay on the track. Dave gets the five-point bonus for leading a lap. You talk about sportsmanship in the sport. A bit of a miscue with the left side lug nuts on the Eddie Beers wall car. He realized the problem, and he stopped in the Davey Allison pit area. And a couple of members of the Haviland Star crew quickly went to work to assist Eddie Beers wall's car and he has continued on his way. Now, Dave Marcus stayed on the racetrack to get those five bonus points. Did Bill Elliott, going into this race, consider doing the same, staying out there and not pitting immediately to try and pick up five bonus points? No, I don't think you do anything any different because I've got enough point lead that, you know, to finish 18th or worse, you know, I've got to have a, a good bit of problem there. And if I can just stay out of that problem, that's our main element. You know, if we were... You know, 25 points difference or something like that, it'd be a different situation. But there again, you've got a little more breathing room there, but still you've got to protect it the best way you can. But the thing of it is, you don't need to do anything crazy. And that's what we've got to realize, you know, and look at the situations as they go through the race. 27 laps are now showing on the board. We're still working this caution here, and it looks like it will be going on for another lap or so. The leader, as we said, would be Dave Marcus, and now Marcus peels off and goes on to pit road, so that will give Dale Earnhardt the lead. Jeff Bodine will move up to second, Ricky Rudd third, Rusty Wallace fourth, and Darrell Waltrip round out the top five, and we'll be back. Excuse me, I'm down in the Elliott pit, uh, standing with Ernie as the field comes past under caution. Ernie, is he comfortable? Is everything okay with the race car? Yeah, everything seems to be okay. You know, we're just, right now, just trying to be careful. I mean, it's no sense taking any chances, and uh, looks like everybody's battling it out pretty good up there at the front. That's the truth. So Elliot just biding his own, and Barney had a look at the tires that came off his car. Uh, they show normal wear, nothing excessive. Everything looks uh, looks pretty good down at this end. Well, we're going to have some great racing. It's been almost like it's the last lap since they put them under green this afternoon. We'll be right back. 
We're, We're back under green here at the Atlanta International Raceway as they drop the green. Earnhardt takes them to turn two. Earnhardt leads by two car lengths over Jeff Bodine. Next in line, the lap car of Mike Alexander. Then comes Ricky Rudd on the back stretch. Alexander ought to be a spoiler in this. He's got a car capable of running with the leaders. Lost that lap due to a flat tire. He'll be scrambling to unlap himself while Rusty Wallace has fallen back to fifth spot. Bill Elliott running 28th in line right now on the restart as the field comes off turn number four. They have announced the retirement of the Tommy Ellis car for the day. They thought they'd be able to get it back going again. They couldn't, so Tommy is done for the day, as is Dale Jarrett. The leaders are in two. Earnhardt still shows the way as Jeff Bodine stays right on his rear deck trying to make a move here. Further back in the field, Ricky Rudd there is battling with Morgan Shepard. Shepard right alongside here as they exit turn two. Down the back straightaway, the leaders, everybody chasing Dale Earnhardt. We are early, just 30 laps complete as we pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. With Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. The rest of the Motor Racing Network crew on hand for the season finale in the Winston Cup division. The battle now back at the sixth spot as Rusty Wallace is on the move, heading to the turn three area. Wallace is not uh, dominating as we expected he might here. He is, in fact, struggling a little bit to uh, get around Rusty, or Ricky Rudd, rather, and hang on to that fifth spot. He really took off in the early going. Looked like he was just going to pull away from everybody. But now he's settled back there in about fifth position and is not running as well as he was a little earlier here this afternoon. Dale Earnhardt is the leader. Jeff Bodine rides second. The lap car of Mike Alexander is up there trying to get his lap back as he dives under the second-place car. Jeff Bodine in the back straightaway and puts his sights on the leader. Alexander with a good race car needs to get back in front of Earnhardt. Then with a caution, he'll be back on the lead lap. He races Bodine door post to door post and sneaks in front of him as they hit the middle of turn four. Also working well on the low side of the racetrack, Sterling Marlin. That car really glued as low on the track as one can go. Further back, Bill Elliott still running by his lonesome between Greg Sachs and A.J. Foyt. The leaders are in one. Good battle for the sixth spot here. Darrell Walter and Ricky Rudd. Ricky's been the target of several drivers here this afternoon as far as side-by-side duels. This time it'll be Walter picking up the spot. Now moving up the battle alongside Rudd is the Terry Labonte car, and Rick Wilson makes it three wide. Wilson got in uh, inside and bumped Labonte just a little bit. Labonte couldn't move up because Rudd was there. That three wide race ends with Wilson taking the spot as they hit turn three. That scrambles back there for eighth position. Wilson has it as they come out of turn number four and move into the straightaway. Right behind him, they get three wide again coming down. Ricky Rudd is in that. So is Lake Speed, and so is Terry Labonte. Meanwhile, the leader's over in turn two. It's still Earnhardt showing the way by a car link over the lap car of Mike Alexander. Alexander doing all he can to try to track down the leader and get back on the lead lap. Guess I can't blame Bill Elliott for not wanting to be up there in the midst of all this, but he's sure making it interesting. If Wallace wins the race, Elliott's got to finish 18th to win the championship. He's sitting back there in 30th and not making any moves at all. Right now, four cars get stacked in behind Ricky Rudd and all have to yield to cars on the low side of the racetrack, so Ricky will lose some valuable positions coming off the corner, as will Kenny Schrader, Mark Martin, and Brett Bodine. His Ford remired in the middle of the field. The front two trying to pull away. Earnhardt gets the lead coming off turn number two, holding off Mike Alexander. He sees him sneaking up on his rear deck, though, and so far, Alexander's not able to make the move. We've seen Earnhardt just dominate at Atlanta. We've seen him run away and win races by a lap here. Don't be surprised if he'll try to do that again today. Alexander, remember, is a lap down. Mike Alexander's trying to get his lap back. Here he comes out of turn number four, puts the heat on Earnhardt, gets exactly dead even with him at the start-finish line. They'll go into the corner side-by-side. Something's got to give. Give the edge here to Mike Alexander. He pulls out in front now from the bottom side of the racetrack, makes a clean move around Earnhardt, so he is back on the the tail end of the lead lap. 
Earnhardt will try to get him a lap back down. I mean, Earnhardt knows how good a race car that is. Alexander's been strong from the get-go. But right now, as they peel into three, Earnhardt is not able to do anything with Mike Alexander. Problems for Benny Parson. He's way off the pace here on the back straightaway and has dropped down to the inside of the track. A heartbreaker in Benny's final race in his Winston Cup driving career before moving full-time to the broadcast booth. With Mike Alexander having unlapped himself, only Morgan Shepard and H.B. Bailey are laps down. Everybody else remains on the lead lap, and they're all chasing Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Bodine. They're the front two, and Dave Despain, it seems particularly in front of you, as though many of the cars are hooked up far better than at the other end of the racetrack. Yeah, they seem to be getting through here real well. We expected a lot of problems in three and four, and the, really the lane isn't a whole lot different from what it was before. The one thing we've not seen is guys running up close to the wall. There's an overlap in the in the two uh, lanes of pavement here. In other words, where the paving machine went around the second time, it's left about a one-inch ridge, and the drivers really don't want to hit that ridge. It upsets the car, and it kind of prevents them from taking that whole line. So they're all wedged into two lanes of the racetrack, but they're able to use every bit of that. Benny Parsons' car is on pit road. The crew is working on it. Let's see if we can get the story there. One of our pit reporters will be in that area in just a moment and let us know what's going on. But they are inside Benny Parsons' car, whatever it is. He is losing valuable time. He's about to go a lap down as they work down to the start-finish line. Earnhardt brings them back by as they continue to work on Benny Parsons' car. And as soon as we can, we'll give you some information there. Earnhardt goes back into turn number one. Mike Alexander again is a lap behind, trying to get back on the lead lap as he works out of turn number two. Jeff Bodine has fallen back some seven or eight car lengths. Let's go to pit road. Junie Donlevy just stepped over the wall. Junie, uh, what happened to Benny's car? It had a, a short inside the car on the battery cable. Had a short on the battery cable. Well, they'll get that fixed, I expect. So Benny Parsons' crew continuing to work on the pit lane. Bill Elliott further back in the field. He has allowed A.J. Foyt to go by him without much of a tussle whatsoever. Bill still biding his time, as we heard from Ernie Elliott just a short while ago. H.P. Bailey nearly nicking the wall here on the front straightaway. He straightens it out in a hurry as the lead cars work the back straightaway, and Earnhardt's got company. Boy, that's a good race. Alexander is there spoiling with him. They'll trade a little sheet metal, and right behind Earnhardt is Jeff Bodine. Wallace has come back to life and runs the top of the racetrack as Alexander kicks up a little smoke from the tires. You may have seen the best piece of driving of the day over in turn number two in front of Joe Moore. Mike Alexander had it all but turned around backwards there for a second dueling with Earnhardt. Finally got it back in a straight line and now finds himself leading everyone although he's not the leader. He's in front of Joe Moore. Alexander had to be sending up one serious prayer when he came through here last time because you're right Barney. He had the car sideways. He dropped down to the inside of Earnhardt. Was challenging to get by and almost turned it around but got out of the throttle. Went up the racetrack a little bit and brought it back under control. He did one heck of a job of driving. They're in turn three. Fair amount of that kind of driving going on here in three and four. Earnhardt is back out in front. So as the field comes back to the stripe, the leader is still Dale Earnhardt. He's put Alexander a lap down. Rusty Wallace trying to find an opening inside of Mike Alexander. It also allows Sterling Marlin and now Darrell Waltrip to close. Waltrip's up in the fourth position. He's going to have to worry about Alan Kowicki, who is in fifth. Kowicki is eyeballing the inside of the racetrack underneath Waltrip. Both those guys have kind of come to life here. Waltrip started 13th on the field, but he's within 10 car lengths of the leader, Earnhardt, here, as uh, he brings Kowicki right with him. They're on the rear deck of Sterling Marlin. On a given time, Earnhardt can fly around this racetrack. He's been a couple of segments in this race this afternoon. He's been the class of the field able to pull away from everyone, although Mike Alexander gave him a handful for two or three laps around here, trying to get his lap back and did on a couple of times, and Earnhardt's dashed him back there and put him a lap down again, but right now Earnhardt's got her hooked up, he's able to run the groove he wants to, Rusty Wallace rides second, Sterling Marlin is third, fourth is Darrell Waltrip, fifth is Alan Kulwicki as they work over to Dave Despain. And now Earnhardt begins to open up the advantage he is driving away from Alexander and thus from Wallace who is stuck behind Alexander, the last car. 
Bill Elliott, meanwhile, running back in the 26th position, still biding his time. We are 44 laps complete. 328 laps make up the total distance in today's Atlanta Journal 500. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021 at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. While Bill Elliott runs back in 26th spot, 15 seconds behind the race leader, Dale Earnhardt. Rusty Wallace is really mixing it up. He and Davey Allison, Dave Despain, and now Darrell Waltrip in a spirited battle for third. Waltrip's going to try the inside of the racetrack. They can't go into the corner three wide. He has to let Rusty Wallace take that line and that spot. 48 laps are on the board. 328 will make up the Atlanta Journal 500 this afternoon. And Earnhardt, the leader, goes back into turn number one. You take a look at that right front, and there's a little sheet metal caved in there. He's already uh, been doing some tight, close racing here in the early going this afternoon. The quickest car on the racetrack right now has to be Davey Allison. He's come from way back in the pack and picked his way up to the number two position. They're back in three. Well, Davey was struggling early because the motor wouldn't run uh, with that spark plug missing, but once they got it hitting on all eight again, he just romped and stomped through the traffic, and it's been impressive Indeed, he's fast enough to run Earnhardt down here. Ernie Irvin is on pit road, and Eddie Beerswall is in the garage area with Jim Phillips. Eddie Beerswall's in here along with Neil Bonnet, who has the overheating product. Eddie, what puts you out of the race? Well, it's either a clutch or transmission. I think we busted a clutch. I smoked something come down the back stretch. I settled on about on front stretch, keep an eye on me. Coming off turn four, bust. It's like the motor blew up, but it's clutch. What do you think about the new Atlanta racetrack? I really liked it. We were really running good. You know, we had a bad fist stop that dropped the jack a little too quick. We left with some loose nuts and had to come back. They put us in the back of the line, but we were really running good. Had a bad start. Started working our way back up. I really liked it. Eddie Beers rolls out of the Atlanta Journal 500 here this afternoon. Neil Bonnet is still on the racetrack running. Now, the other car that we mistook for Neil Bonnet in the garage, of course, is Morgan Shepard. They're both Valvoline team cars here this afternoon, but he is the car that is in the garage. Bonnet is still out there getting on with the program. Allison heads off into turn number three, and there's a battle for the lead. And he drives right by Dale Earnhardt and will now challenge the lap car of Mike Alexander, who's been a front runner since this green flag. And there's something wrong with Rusty Wallace's car. He's slowing on the racetrack. The Kodiak Pontiac comes off the banking on lap number 52. Barry Dodson and the crew standing out. The signboard held high in the air. Let's go to the Kodiak pits. Wallace is there. Rusty Wallace on his way in. Very unexpected at this juncture in the race. They're pushed in at lap number 24. They're going to the right side and putting tires on for Wallace. A tough thing to do without losing a lap. They're going to try to accomplish it, but I don't think they'll be able to. They're going around to the left side and sending him away. Two tires. They drop the jack. He heads back into turn number one as the battle for the lead has still been a good one. Here it comes back to the line. Allison is the leader as they work back into turn number one, and he is going to put, looks like, Rusty Wallace a lap down in turn two. Going to the high side of the race track is Davey Allison as Rusty Wallace is trying to come back up to speed. Looks like he may be able to hang on to his spot on the tail end of the lead lap, but it's going to be close as they head for three. As they come down the backstretch, Allison will have the momentum swings to the inside. He is around Rusty Wallace. Wallace, the championship rival, comes right back around the outside, refuses to give up the lap. Great race. 
And here they come back to the stripe. Davy Allison and Rusty Wallace battling. The caution is in the hand of Harold Kinder. To the stripe they come. Davy Allison and Rusty Wallace as caution flies. It looked from our angle as though Davy did keep Rusty Wallace back. We'll have to, of course, wait for the exact word on the uh, part of NASCAR. They'll check the videotape cameras as caution is on the speedway here in Atlanta. If he did indeed put him back, it was just by inches, that's for sure. Let's get an update again from Rusty Wallace's pit and find out what the problem was there. Barney Harold Elliott says that they believe the right front tire equalized. That's when the, the outer tire and the Goodyear safety inner liner both go to the same pressure. It creates a, a tremendous vibration and imbalance. So they had to come in, change those right sides, and send it back out. Morgan Shepard has left the garage area and gone back onto the speedway, so he'll rejoin the competition here at Atlanta. 54 laps are on the board, and here comes almost the entire field. Onto pit road, leader Davey Allison, Dale Earnhardt, Sen, Sterling Marlin, Alan Kowicki, uh, Terry Labonte. Let's cover some of those pit stops. First down to Mike Joy. Sterling Marlin is in. Jake Elder and crew going to the right side. They've left plenty of room between the car and the pit wall for left side tires as well. Everyone was in during the caution of lap 25, so with just another 25 laps of green on these tires, that's enough. They want to get all four of them off, and the, the way the competition's been, get back out there with four fresh ones. Dick Brooks. Well, Davey Ellis is in there putting four tires on his car. They had a little problem with the left front. Has handed, handed the those putting it on the wrong tire. Jeff Bodine just squeaked his tires and went out uh, after four tire change. Not everybody's making an even four tire change. Uh, uh, car Kyle Petty pulled out in front of a couple of the other cars and just about smacked the wall, but they got through it. 55 laps are being posted on the scoreboard here at the Atlanta International Raceway this afternoon. We're showing only a couple of cars that are out of it, Dale Jarrett and Tommy Ellis's machine. Uh, in the early going here this afternoon, now we're seeing some of the back markers make pit stops here as they kind of give the pits a little chance to clear out there just a moment ago. Moving down the uh, pit lane now, Brad Teague after service. Eddie Beerswall's car is still in the garage area, although Morgan Shepard has just returned from his stay in the garage, so he is still... Here comes Rusty Wallace yet again. Mike Joy still standing by in the Kodiak pit area. And the pace car not far behind him as they bring him in. Going to have a look at the left side tires, see if they can get them changed. As Wallace is in here. Left sides look pretty good after that run of 30 laps. As we say, a, a tank full of gas will be considerably more than that that they may have to run here today if this race goes green for any extended length of time. The right sides that they just put on two laps ago will stay on the car, and with left sides only, Rusty goes back out. 56 laps are complete. Most of the pit stops have occurred, and a field has gone back onto the racetrack, and we'll set that field for you when we come back in a minute. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021, at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. Back with you at the Atlanta International Raceway. We are working the third caution flag of the afternoon. Lap 57 is currently on the board. 328 make up the total of the Atlanta Journal 500. The video replays Barney indicating that Davey Allison did just beat Rusty Wallace to the stripe by that much. And uh, if I didn't have pudgy fingers, I'd be barely touching one another here. It was, it was not very, very significant at all. But he did, according to the videotape replay, beat Rusty back to the line. Well, it was a matter of inches or no question. Harold Kinder will indicate they'll go back to green next time by. Now the leader is Darrell Waltrip. Alan Kowicki should be posted second. Third is Sterling Marlin. Fourth will be Dale Earnhardt. In fifth position is Terry Labonte. Sixth right now 
is Jeff Bodine. Seventh is Rick Wilson. Eighth is Brett Bodine. Ninth would be Kyle Petty. And tenth should be Davey Allison. And it looks like that's the way they'll line up here on this restart in just a moment. It is an interesting day here at Atlanta. I am really surprised. That, of course, I guess Elliott's doing what he feels like is his best maneuver here as far as staying where he has been. Way back in the pack, anywhere from 28th to 30th position this afternoon. He has not run that close to anybody at a given time, and he really can't afford to take a chance. A lot of the fans and everybody else are probably saying, along with myself, saying, why doesn't he move on up there? Why doesn't he pick up spots? Because it's obvious the car is working good and handling. But if you can cut your odds and cut your percentages or make them a little bit more in your favor by doing what he's doing, then he's crazy not to do it. And again, it is still very early in this race. It is normally a four-hour show in and around that area. We're just 58 laps into a 328-lap event. You've got numbers of, of caution periods, one would assume, and certainly regularly scheduled pit stops, if nothing else. So it's still very early, and Bill Elliott is not going to play that trump card before he needs to. Average speed at this point, 123.796 miles an hour. As we can include the third caution of the afternoon. They're forming up in front of Dave Despain for the restart. Well, I think that uh, Bill Elliott is a strategic genius here because look at Rusty Wallace who started on the pole. He's on the front of the inside row. He's a lap down. Remember, Bill's got to be 18th if Rusty wins the race. Rusty's a long way from winning the race right now. Pace car is behind the pit wall. Here they come down to the line. Still yet to get the green. Harold Kinder puts it out now. They'll come up through that gearbox, and we'll see them go three deep as we do at the start-finish line. Mike Alexander's the three-wide car down at the bottom of the racetrack trying to get underneath Rusty Wallace. He won't be able to do it, and that's going to allow Darrell Waltrip to get out in front all by himself with clear sailing. Waltrip scoots away by some five car lengths while Rusty Wallace keeps his car right at the bottom of the racetrack, trying to track him down, but he's not able to do it. Waltrip's strong. How about old Darrell? He came out of there like he was shot out of a cannon. Started 13th on the field. Cole Wickey, who followed him through the traffic, is now second with Sterling Marlow to race with. Earnhardt will be the spoiler. He's in the midst of the lap traffic. Rusty Wallace goes low. He'll get around the Darrell Waltrip car, picking himself back up onto the lead lap. The man who's really on the move is the Phil Parsons car. He picked up eight or nine spots on the start and now challenges into turn number one. He'll try to look down to the inside of the Terry Labonte car, but can't make that move while we do have a challenge for the lead. Alan Kowicki drops down to the inside and challenges Waltrip. Kowicki is there. Remember, they are on the same lap. Wallace, a lap down, is just running away from them. Alexander, also a lap down, is there to stir the soup with Waltrip and Kowicki, who goes to the bottom. Brant Teague may have just uncorked an engine on that restart as they work back into turn number one. He is off the pace, a lot of smoke out of the car, but apparently the racetrack is still in a green condition as no caution is on the speedway. They take it back into turn number one, and Wallace is flying. He has already pulled away from the leader, Darrell Waltrip, by two or three seconds. Walter's got his hands full, though. Mike Alexander is there with him. Also, Alan Kowicki and Sterling Marlin. Rusty needs that yellow real bad right now to get back on the tail end of the lead lap. Likewise, Alexander has unlapped himself for the moment as Waltrip stacks him up behind him. There goes Kowicki to the inside and into the lead. Darrell's car drifts up the banking just a bit and open the inside for Alan Kowicki. Brad Teague takes his car to the garage area. And we told you about Phil Parsons with that outstanding jump on the restart. It was a bit too outstanding. NASCAR has brought him in for a stop-and-go penalty, and Phil is back. Back in line, but a goodly distance behind the race leaders. The leader is now Alan Kowicki on the heels of his win at Phoenix two weeks ago. He's hotter than a $2 pistol pulling away from Darrell Waltrip. Interval now about three to four car lengths. Remember, Alexander and Wallace both in front of them back on the lead lap. 
The way they've been racing in the early going here this afternoon, it's hard to keep your eyes on the front of the field because it's interesting to see who's going to be leading the next time by. They're about to get three wide back there for second spot. Earnhardt had thoughts of stacking them three deep. Now backs out of it a little bit in turn one. Darrell Waltrip's having a lot of problems in the corners at each end of the speedway. His car is pushing way up higher than everyone else. This time in turn number two, three cars get by him. About two seconds behind that pack, there is another huge gaggle of cars that must be racing for about 18th, 19th, 20th, somewhere in that range. Bill Elliott backed away from that bunch like they were on fire. Got himself out of traffic and out of trouble. Bill right now rides behind Harry Gant and just ahead of the Larry Pearson car. Larry moving into the Winston Cup division full-time next year. Let's go to pit road. And we've got Brad Teague who was driving the Tri-Me Tiger Sauce Chevrolet. Brad looked like a lot of smoke out of it, the Chevrolet in turn one. Yeah, well, I think we dropped a valve. Uh, it acted like it run on seven cylinders on the last, and then I, I think it just finally blowed up. So Brad Teague's out of the Atlanta Journal 500 here this afternoon. The interval between first and second, Alan Kowicki is the leader, is 1.4 seconds. Back in that number two spot is Sterling Marlin. Right behind him rides Dale Earnhardt. The battle's for fourth position right now. As it works across the start-finish line, Jeff Bodine and Brett Bodine continue to ride. Those two brothers have been having quite a battle all afternoon. They're over in front of Joe Moore. Once again, side-by-side coming into the corner along with the lap car of Ernie Irvin. Right behind them, another side-by-side battle. Terry Labonte and Darrell Walton. Quite a gaggle of cars here off turn two. That's about an eight-car pack. Behind them comes the number six of Mark Martin and then Davey Allison, who's been hot and cold all day. Kyle Petty, Ricky Rudd, and Mike Waltrip round out that ten-car pack. Right behind Michael Waltrip, who is running in the tenth spot, you've got Kenny Schrader now showing in eleventh. Twelfth will belong to Neil Bonnet unofficially. Thirteenth is Greg Sachs, then Bobby Hill in fourteenth. Fifteenth is Derek Cope. Sixteenth is now the Kale Yarborough car in his final race. Seventeenth is A.J. Foyt. Richard Petty runs 18th, Harry Gant 19th, 20th is Jim Sauter, 21st now is Bill Elliott, and 22nd is Larry Pearson, ahead of the 23rd place runner, that is Dave Marcus. We are in Atlanta, Georgia, for the running of the Atlanta Journal 500. We are at the Atlanta International Raceway for the final Winston Cup race of the year, the Atlanta Journal 500. If you're just joining us, Bill Elliott is currently running 24th. Rusty Wallace currently in the 30th spot. There are 31 cars on the lead lap. Others retiring just moments ago include, as Barney mentioned, Lake Speed and Jimmy Means. Morgan Shepard is out. So too Brad Teague, Eddie Beerswald, Tommy Ellis, and Dale Jarrett. One of those recent retirees is with Jim Phillips. And we've got Lake Speed and the wins Kmart Oldsmobile. Win. Lake, what put you out of the race today? I'm not sure. It seems like something went, went amiss with the engine and the wins Kmart Delco battery holes. But boy, she was sure running pretty. We were coming right back to the front. We'd had a little problem with a throttle sticking wide open. I was running out early with the front cars there with a the throttle sticking wide open on me every now and then. So we had to come in and fix that. We got back. We were coming right back to the front again when the motor just turned loose. So Lake Speed's out of the Atlanta Journal 500 this afternoon. The battle for the lead's been a good one for the last seven or eight circuits around this racetrack. Alan Kowicki has it. Sterling Marlin would like to take it away. Looks underneath him out of turn number two, and right behind him rides Dale Earnhardt. Here goes the battle for lead up to turn three. And as they come down the backstretch, Rusty Wallace is about two seconds in front of them, wondering where the yellow went. He needs a yellow flag to get back on the tail end of the lead lap. Give it to Marlin, then Earnhardt. They both pass Kowicki. Had a great picture on the back straightaway. Cale Yarborough alongside Richard Petty. Cale in his final Winston Cup race as a driver, riding alongside one of the standouts of the sport, the King Richard Petty. Meanwhile, back up front, still a three-way battle for the lead. Sterling Marlin leads the parade this time by. Earnhardt sits in the second spot. Then it's Alan Kowicki further back in the fourth position. The Brett Bodine car, Davey Allison, and then side-by-side, Jeff Bodine and Mark Martin. 
Earnhardt looking at the tail end of the 44 of Sterling Marlin, debating whether to make his move here. Elects not to. He drops to the low lane, but will let Sterling lead it off four. Those couple of Fords look like they're going to link up and chase down the front three, those Fords being Brett Bodine and Davey Allison. They tuck in nose to tail, a couple of car lengths between them. They're riding fourth and fifth as the battle for the lead swings back to turn two. Single file this time, but Earnhardt does look out on the inside of the racetrack, trying to pull up alongside the Sterling Marlin car. Won't have the power to do it this time. He'll fall back into single file. Allison, the meanwhile, tucks his nose right under Brett Bodine. They're about three seconds, make it about two seconds behind the lead battle, and Alan Kowicki has now fallen 10, 12 car lengths off Earnhardt's face. Earnhardt's real squirrely up here. This was not a good qualifying week for the Forge. Only three in the top 20 positions, but now the Forge beginning to make their move towards the point, as they habitually do here in Atlanta. Let's pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. The Atlanta Journal 500 rolls on here at the Atlanta International Raceway. You're tuned to Motor Racing Network. Alongside Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold with Joe Moore, Dave Despain, Mike Joy, Dick Brooks, and Jim Phillips in the garage area, Jim. And we have Jimmy Means, who's parked the Eureka Factory Cleaner Pontiac. Jimmy, what put you out of the race this afternoon? Well, we're still trying to find a problem. It sounded like we dropped the cylinder. We either broke a push rod or broke a rock arm or, or a valve or something, but... Uh, yeah, we're, we're sorry we're out this early. The Rico vacuum cleaner, Alcazar Pontiac, was still in the lead lap. We're looking for a good run. Okay, Jimmy Means is out of it this afternoon here at Atlanta. Sterling Marlin told us for the last five or six races that he has really been surprised that that team has not been in victory lane this year. They've been so close on several occasions, but right now he's doing a great job of hanging on to the lead in the Atlanta Journal 500. He's two car lengths ahead of Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt hasn't been able to do anything with him for the last 10 or 12 laps. And Kulwicki tightens back up just a little bit, Joe Moore, but not all that much. Kulwicki's trying to track down those two, but he's going to have to worry about a fast-closing Davey Allison who's behind him. Allison dives down to the inside of Brent Bodine. They're racing side-by-side for the fifth position. Davey apparently feels he can do better in front of Bodine than trailing him. They're trying to get those three T-Birds hooked up and do something with Marlon and Earnhardt out front. Meanwhile, through the corner of three and four, Terry Labonte working inside of Jeff Bodine. Some tight point battles all the way back through the top 20 here as the season winds down at the Atlanta International Raceway. Back to turn one, the leaders go. Joe Moore watching in particular Kyle Petty, who's not getting through the corner nearly as well now as he was before. Kyle's one of the drivers who earlier was having some pushing problems. We were seeing a lot of right side smoke from his car as he came through the center of the speedway. It's settled down a little bit now, but it's not because anything's gotten any better for his car. It's that he's slowed down. He's keeping the car down at the bottom of the racetrack. He definitely still has problems. 80 laps are on the scoreboard. 328 make up the Atlanta Journal 500. If you just joined our broadcast and wondering how the battle's going for the Winston Cup Championship, well, for a while, it looked like Rusty Wallace was going to do everything he predicted, including lead the most laps and win the race. But Wallace got a lap down, now has got himself back on the lead lap, but currently will be riding in about 30th position. And Bill Elliott, meanwhile, has worked up to 24th position. So if they should continue to run that way, Elliott certainly won't have any problem in clinching the championship this afternoon. But as you pointed out a moment ago, we've got a lot of racing left here in Atlanta. A lot of folks talking about whether one can over-prepare for this weekend, and the Elliott said, no, you can't. You just want to make sure things are ready to get the job done. Here's Davey Allison back into turn number one. He and Kulwicki trying to mix it up. Nice move there as Davey went down on the inside and grabbed the spot several laps ago. Looked like Kulwicki was trying to make a similar move, but it didn't work for him. So once again, back into single file, Kulwicki behind Davey Allison. Been watching Earnhardt in front of them work on the 44 car of Sterling Marlin. Looks like the handle's right there for Dale. A couple of laps ago, he got real sideways in three four. I think he was just in there hot. He appears to be in good shape. Well, all he needs to do right now is just ride along in the wake there behind Sterling Marlin. 83 laps are on the scoreboard. We'll be back at Atlanta in a minute. Let's cover pit stops in Atlanta. First to the Rusty Wallace pit. They were one of the last 
cars in, running on the tail end of the lead lap, so they're still here putting on the left side tires to make it a complete four-tire change. Good, quick pit stop right next door by Jake Elder and the uh, Piedmont Airlines Olds trying to get Sterling Marlin back out to the front. Dale Inman, cousin and crew chief for Richard Petty, uh, uh, confirms the King is okay. He cut down a tire, and that's what launched the car into the wall up in turn two. Let's go down to Dick Brooks. Well, Kenny Schrader came in. I seen him make a couple strange moves there a while ago. I didn't know if the car was getting loose on him or he was just driving it hard. He's having a little trouble keeping up, but they had a good fast pit stop. Got a new crew chief and stuff going there. They had uh, Brett Bodine come in. Bud Moore's team uh, changed four tires on his car, got him going. Mike Alexander was late coming in also because he had to make up the lap, as did Rusty Wallace. They got his car uh, service, got him out. Davey Allison, uh, Jeff Bodine, they all put on four tires. They went on out. Uh, Benny Parsons is in in the bullseye number 90 car right now. They're changing uh, left side tires on his car, and uh, he's getting ready to go. These are just routine pit stops, and they have the luxury of making it under the caution. A good stop for Jake Elder and that team a moment ago to get Sterling Marlin back out ahead of everyone, although he is not the leader right now. They're showing the Jim Sauter car as being in front because he is still out there, but uh, nevertheless, a good quick stop for Jake Elder and the guys. Dick Brooks mentioned, of course, the changes on the Folgers Coffee Chevrolet. Harry Hyde leaving just this last week as the team manager for that operation. Richard Broom stepping in. He'll assume the control of that racing team, along with the existing crew members and so on. Kenny Schrader said, as a matter of fact, for this weekend's race, there are a few changes already under car 25. Well, it's not uh, radically set up. It's just it's uh, considerably different than, than the way, say, we were here in, in March. Uh, uh, it's, it's some different ideas, some stuff that I wanted to try. Uh, Dennis Connor wanted to try and Richard Broom wanted to try. So uh, we all pretty much agreed on, on how we thought we ought to take the car there. So, uh, you know, we're going to find out if we're all dummies or what, I guess. Well, right now, things are shaping up a pretty good finish for Schrader as we work still, obviously, early in the race. And with this caution being brought out about uh, involving Richard Petty, do you see the story this week about Richard Petty's 1967 championship ring, Barney? I talked to Richard about it. He thought he'd lost the ring, and he picks up the story in the garage area. Yeah, there was a little girl over around Morganton uh, and found the ring. What happened? The governor had a uh, train ride deal he was, when he was campaigning. We went from Asheville to Charlotte. Went through all the little towns, Morganton and Hickory and all that. But it was coming down the mountain there, and I, I was standing on the back of the train. I guess I was waving at people. There wasn't nobody there. I don't know what happened. Anyhow, the, the, ring, the ring come off, and it, and it landed between the tracks up there. And I said, we're running 50 mile an hour. So I said, ain't no need me stopping. No way we'd ever find it. And uh, so I forgot all about it. Didn't even tell my wife or nothing. And then when we was in Phoenix, uh, the little girl had called, and... Uh, told the secretary and then we was talking to the secretary and they they worked the deal together and they came last tuesday i think and uh, you know she brought the ring back and i got to talk to her she, she lives at a home up there that uh, uh you know children live in and i think she's got some parents but they didn't look after some kind of situation and uh she was out walking on the track just happened to find it and then she brought it back to the den mother or whatever and then they uh, they contacted and brought it back and i you know, it's just one of the deals where I never figured I'd see the ring. If anybody found it, I figured they'd just keep it and I wouldn't see it. But it worked out real good. So Richard got a 67 championship ring back, and he said it was a, it was a sick feeling. He said he didn't wear the ring that often. He's had other rings that he will wear on a rotating basis. He said the thing just flew off his hand, and he kind of kissed it goodbye. He said, no way you're going to dig that up, and all of a sudden the ring came back. Well, that's a miracle situation. Really that really happened one time in a million. Alan Kowicki peels off the banking up in turn number four and will bring his Z-Rex forward onto pit road. He's had a great run here this afternoon, getting his first win at Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. As they come down, we're looking at Harold Kinder, and he gives no indication 
indication that they're getting ready to go back to green. Let's cover Klawicki's stop down toward turn one. Barney will stay under caution for at least a lap here, and uh, they're going around Paul Andrews, the crew chief, crank a little wedge in the right rear of the car. Not uncommon. This team made a couple extra stops at Phoenix to do just that in the early going. Uh, he and Allen talked quite a bit on the radio uh, back and forth between the Xerox Ford and the crew on pit road. And Allen kind of engineers things from there, and they work out what changes they want to make, what will improve the car. And uh, so not surprising to see him in mid-caution give up field position to get a better running race car. 89 laps are on the scoreboard here. Another lap of caution at least before they put him back to green. Again, if you join us, Richard Petty hit the wall over in turn number two, apparently cutting down a tire. He is all right. And whether they'll be able to get back out there and keep running, we'll kind of keep our eye on the situation here in a moment and find out as they're working around here single file. The weather still looks good here. Some clouds moving back in to the east of us, but to the west of us, nothing but beautiful blue skies back there. And if you were in this area this morning in Atlanta and stuck your head out the door somewhere between 7, 8, or 9 o'clock, you would have certainly said there's no way we're going to race at Atlanta today. But we've said that before. We have, I remember one day at uh, Dover, Delaware, it was raining cats and dogs at 10 o'clock, and that race went off on schedule at 12 noon. So a stranger thing. Things have happened. That's why uh, I guess we're not in the weather predicting business. We just sit up here. One of the stories we want to explore and expound upon a bit today, the champion Sears Rookie of the Year battle, also coming down to its final race this afternoon and making that even more exciting is the fact that one of the rookies, the man who leads the chase, Kenny Bouchard, was unable to qualify for this Atlanta Journal 500. He had just a five-point advantage over Ernie Irvin going into the race and Ernie is running here today. He did lose a lap on a pitch stop earlier, but he has a chance to make up those five points, and it's been a good second half of the season for Ernie Irvin. Why the turnaround? Well, a lot of it is that, you know, um, halfway through the second half, you know, we got Bob Johnson along with us, and, you know, since Bob's been with us, uh, it took a lot of load off me. I was, you know, basically setting the cars up and, you know, running everything with along with DK, so, you know, as soon as Bob got there, it took a big pressure off me, and since then, you know, I think we've really performed well. We did have a real good run at Phoenix. You know, I think we'll run good here, but you know, I think a lot of it just took pressure off me where I can concentrate more on driving. From the Atlanta International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. We were going to go back to racing on this time around, but the caution is again displayed by Harold Kinder, the cleanup crew, spotting another piece of debris between turns one and two. A cleanup crew a member right now climbing the banking of turn number two to bring the piece of debris up off the outer groove, and that means we'll be getting the one-to-go signal this time, and we'll be back to racing. Uh, congratulations to Mr. W.B. Jackson of Clinton, Mississippi, who's tuned in to Motor Racing Network this afternoon on WJDX Radio in Jackson, Mississippi, Lake Speed's old hometown. Mr. Mr. Jackson is the winner of the Goodies Daytona 500 Dream Vacation for 1989. He wins that trip to Speed Weeks in February, including tickets to both the Goodies 300 and the Daytona 500, the escorted tour of the NASCAR garage area, the accommodations for two people for four nights at the Treasure Island Inn in Daytona Beach Shores, $1,000 in cash, and of course, airfare for two people provided by Piedmont Airlines. So again, our congratulations to Mr. W.B. Jackson of Clinton, Mississippi. We'll be seeing you and a guest in Daytona. And that is not going to be very far off. You know, there's many of the teams are leaving here and going right to testing. Uh, some will be there tired testing and making preparations as early as Tuesday of this coming week. Barney getting set for 89. Just about everybody we've talked to says this winter will be the busiest one they've had probably in the last 15 years as far as the teams testing new equipment and whatever. Getting ready to go back to green with 91 laps of the 328 complete here. Set the field for you very quickly. Jim Sauter is the leader. Sterling Marlin rides second. Alan Kowicki was being posted third. He made a late pit stop and now will go all the way back toward the table. 
tail end of the field, so that will move Darrell Waltrip up to third. Fourth right now should be Earnhardt. Fifth, Davey Allison. Sixth, Terry Labonte. Back in seventh, Ricky Rudd. Eighth, looks like uh, Brett Bodine. And ninth will be Kyle Petty. Pace cars behind the pit wall. Double file restart. There's about a half a dozen cars that are being posted a lap down, down to the inside as they wave the green flag. And Sauter tries to break free of traffic and take them back to turn number one. Hanging right with him are Sterling Marlin and Daryl Walter. They're over in turn two. Salter can't shake the lapped car of Ernie Irvin down on the inside of the racetrack. That's preventing him from dropping down and using that lower groove. Sterling Marlin now gets down to the inside of the racetrack, but he too has to deal with Irvin's car. Marlin will dive to the bottom and try to take the lead. Meanwhile, all the talk all week about Bill Elliott needing to finish 18th. On that restart, Bill Elliott was 18th. Now as they work, the leaders do through turns three and four. Sterling Marlin and Darrell Waltrip both work their way around Jim Sauter, the veteran from Nesita, Wisconsin. H.B. Bailey is the lap car running along with the race leaders. Then Davey Allison is next in line along with Earnhardt. Single file except for Allison and Earnhardt. They'll go side by side battling for position here in turn number two. Now it looks like Allison will grab the spot. Oh, here comes Earnhardt again on the outside. Davey's kind of been the romper and stomper in this race. Remember, engine problems early dropped him back. He's played catch up all day. Now he dives in behind Earnhardt as they do battle with H.B. Bailey's lap car. Davey is really coming up through traffic. A quick update on Richard Petty again. He has gone to the Enfield Care Center, apparently just shaken up a little bit. We hope to get a word with him as soon as they release him down there, but he will not continue. His car has been pulled back to the garage area, hooked to the wrecker. The leader's over in turn two. Let's give a call once again to Ernie Irvin. He's able to keep his car out in front of the field on the tail end of the lead lap. And boy, he's got some pursuers coming on to him. Sterling Marlin right behind him and Darrell Waltrip sitting in the second spot. Rusty Wallace was 25th on the restart. Got back onto the lead lap. Has a lot of catching up to do as Sterling Marlin leads Darrell Waltrip into three and four. Jim Sauter gamely hanging with the race leaders. Though now he's being bypassed by four and five drivers off the number four corner. The leader is Marlin. Then Waltrip, Earnhardt, Davey Allison, and Mark Martin beginning to run now his Ford is closing in on the lead five. Martin's riding in the fifth position now behind him, the Terry Labonte car. He's in sixth. Seventh is Ricky Rudd. Eighth is Brett Bodine. In the ninth position is the Jim Sauter car. Tenth now is Kyle Petty. And as they come hammering down the backstretch, we're going to be treated for the first time today to the championship contenders racing on the racetrack as Rusty Wallace is in fact reeling in Bill Elliott. Elliott, for the first time today, also, Dave Despain, finds himself caught up in some pretty heavy traffic. For the most part of the day, he's tried to run by himself, give himself a little leeway of 50 or 60 feet front and behind. Right now, he's caught up in a big pack of traffic, and he's going to have to do some racing to hold his own down there. Meanwhile, the battle for the lead gets a little bit tighter out of turn number two as diving down to the inside goes Terry Labonte, and Waltrip took a shot at him, but there was a lapped car there. Meanwhile, Earnhardt says, hey, this is my kind of stuff. I'll go all the way to the bottom, and I'll get around Darrell, but he can't quite get around the 44 of Sterling Marlin. It's Earnhardt now second. Ernie Irvin getting rooted out of the way there. He's now back in the fourth spot going again the lap down as Sterling Marlin has the lead, but he's got Darrell Waltrip challenging second place Earnhardt behind him. Earnhardt's right behind the Sterling Marlin car, but Waltrip tried to look out on the inside and make it three wide coming through the corner. Thinks better of it now. He falls back a bit, but Davey Allison pulls up on him. Tail end of that pack, Rusty Wallace has caught Bill Elliott. Meanwhile, just in the middle of that pack, we saw for just a moment Benny Parsons balk, and it looked like the whole world was going to go upside down back there for the championship contenders. They're all through and okay. Just a little less than eight seconds separating the top ten cars from first back to tenth. That's how tight they're running here this afternoon. 
Working back into turn number one, Sterling Marlin trying to pull out his first win ever in Winston Cup competition. Earnhardt has other ideas as he looks underneath him in turn two. Earnhardt dives to the inside of the racetrack, tries to pull up alongside Marlin, but Marlin gets a good bite off the corner, hangs on to the lead here for now. Davey Allison dives to the inside of Darrell Waltrip, wants that third spot, doesn't want to let the two leaders get away. Mark Martin is wedged into fifth, then Terry Labonte sixth there on the bottom of the racetrack. Darrell Waltrip goes a bit higher and opens the inside for Davey Allison. Davey's cleanly got third. The battle for the lead, though, is side by side here at the stripe. Marlin leads by half a car length, but Earnhardt battles for the lead. Marlin went too high coming off turn four. It gave that inside groove to Dale Earnhardt. He grabbed it and used it to get around to take the lead. Now it's Marlin moving around down on the inside, and again they're side by side with Davey Allison making it three wide. What a move. Davey Allison just cut the car hard to the inside, passed them both on the bottom of the racetrack. Davey Allison leads it for the first time today. Great move. Davey Allison made a breathtaking move going into turn number three. We may see another one coming out of turn number four. They stack them three deep for that second spot. Mark Martin at the bottom of the racetrack. Sterling Marlin again gets the meat and the sandwich in there as Darrell Waltrip swings around him back in turn one. It's Davey Allison leading the way this time with a three-car length advantage over Earnhardt. Then behind him about three car lengths back is Waltrip. That's where all the traffic is. Sterling Marlin, Mark Martin, and Terry Labonte. Rusty Wallace has just driven around Bill Elliott. That's the race for something like 16th, 17th spot on the racetrack. Not terribly significant, but still worth keeping an eye on the title contenders here today. Both of those men using the innermost groove, Rusty Wallace and Bill Elliott. Now Rusty goes to the high side around towards Jeff Bodine while Bill Elliott stays low. And as Dave Despain said, they're back in the middle of the pack. In a single file, though, among the race leaders and trying to pull it away now is Davey Allison. Allison picks up about a five-car link lead on Earnhardt. Earnhardt's trying to get away from the field as well. He's picked up some six-car links on the third-place machine of Darrell Walter. And as they single file for the moment, it's kind of interesting to watch that next pack because the pack in which Elliott and Wallace are racing are just all over the top of each other, going two and three wide. Jeff Bodine is in there, along with Mike Alexander, a couple of the early front runners. Then comes Wallace, and he's racing with Bill Elliott. That's been a good battle back in the pack back there, but it's just as interesting up front. Now they string out a little bit at the front of the pack and get single file out of turn number two with Davey Allison, the leader. Allison shows the way again. Five car lengths back is Earnhardt. He has no one around here, but Walter's in third. Sterling Marlin's all over Walter. Trying to make a pass. Boy, Davey looks strong as he comes down the backstretch. He's just driving away from Earnhardt, then Waltrip, and then, of course, Sterling Marlin, who's probably the most frustrated man out here, not having won one yet this year. At single file, further back, we're watching Rusty Wallace still with Bill Elliott there, nose to tail, picking their way up through race traffic, still back in roughly 15th or 16th spot at the moment. 103 laps are on the board, 328 make up the total distance in the Atlanta Journal 500. Everyone chasing Davey Allison. He's the race leader. Dale Earnhardt is second. Third is Darrell Waltrip. Sterling Marlin fourth and Mark Martin fifth. Sixth is Terry Labonte. Ricky Rudd goes seventh. Brett Bodine is eighth. Ninth place belongs to Rick Wilson. And tenth unofficially is Ken Schrader. We are under caution here in Atlanta, Georgia for the fifth time this afternoon. For the reason, let's go to Joe Moore. It was Houston, Texas driver H.B. Bailey coming into turn number one. All of a sudden a big puff of smoke from the rear of his car. He dropped it down to the inside of the racetrack and looks like he's done for the day. Three drivers dive on the pit road in a hurry. Ricky Rudd, Phil Parsons, and Dale Earnhardt were in the pits. Let's go down to Mike Joy. Barney, both those cars were battling in that second or third pack back, so when the caution flag came out, they had plenty of time. Let the field get a line to get in there. Rudd's crew, Larry McReynolds and crew, made a real quick pit stop to get him back out there. We're down next to the Junior Johnson and Darrell Walter pits waiting the field to come on to pit road. Walter had worked right up there among the leaders, but as you mentioned during commercial, he'd just about run out of racetrack up toward the wall. So here comes the Tide Chevrolet to the attention of Jeff Hammond and the crew. Like all these teams, they'll go all the way around and put four fresh tires on, and we'll take a look at the tire wear and report back to you. Let's go down to Dick Brown. 
Well, Jeff Bodine just came in. He's got uh, the four tires on his car. And they also made a chassis adjustment on the on the left rear. They got tires and stuff smoking on that car pretty bad. I don't know sure if it's uh, got something rubbing or just uh, just his brakes. Davy Allison's pulling back out. He's got a bad, badly broken windshield. It hit right in front of one of the straps that holds the windshield up. So it shouldn't be a problem except. Uh, uh, just for him seeing through. Mike Alexander goes out. They're all putting on four tires. And Harry Gant, Kenny Schrader goes by. Just normal stops. They're posting A.J. Foyt as a leader. Now, Foyt did not come onto pit road. He just fell in behind the pace car. They picked him up over there. So A.J. will lead a lap here in the Atlanta Journal 500. Richard Petty is out of it. Let's see if there's any word from uh, the situation on Richard. Let's go down to the garage area and Jim Phillips. Richard is still in changing clothes in the care center, Barney, and the word is that we have you from Dale Inman, that he is all right, and we're going to try to get a word with him when he comes out. So we'll wait and find out uh, the uh, further word on Richard Petty as we continue. MRN, of course, bringing you complete coverage of the Atlanta Journal 500, but we want to remind you that our complete coverage of Winston Cup Racing, again, set for 1989, and right now is the time that the radio station you're listening to is making their plans for sports broadcasting coverage for next year. Why not take a moment, if you would, to drop a note or make a quick phone call to the radio station program director or general manager and thank them for their coverage of racing throughout the 1988 season. We'd love to have you on board with us again in 1989. And to let you know to what station you're listening, we pause 10 seconds on Motor Racing Network for station identification. 109 laps around the board as the crews continue to work this caution flag. It was brought out again by the HB Bailey engine problem on lap number 106. Let's go back downstairs. Tire wear after this run of green flag racing looks to be pretty good and pretty even among most of the teams pitted down toward turn number one. A little tough getting up and down pit road today as everybody has stacks of extra tires. The Junior Johnson's team has eight sets of Goodyear's uh, mounted up there. Daryl Waltrip has 11 and Rusty Wallace's Kodiak Pontiac has 16 sets of tires mounted. Nine sets scuffed in and six sets of brand new sticker type tires. All Noticeably all but absent are the Hoosier tires. There are several teams that have one set and perhaps two mounted up as backups but otherwise Goodyear has pretty much a monopoly on the starting field and that's what most of the teams are running throughout the day as evidenced by what's lined up behind the pit wall. They're showing 109 laps complete here in the Atlanta Journal 500. A.J. Foyt being posted as the leader. Dale Earnhardt now moves into the number two position, riding in the second spot is Phil Parsons, third is Ricky Rudd, and fourth right now will be Mark Martin. A little bit further back is Rick Wilson and Darrell Waltrip and Davey Allison and Terry Labonte, along with Brett Bodine. Eddie Beerswall returns to the race now after spending a good hour or so in the garage area, but the repairs complete on the Wayne Paging Oldsmobile. But to the garage, of course, H.B. Bailey with the engine failure and Rodney Combs just taking his car, the fab detergent machine, to the garage as the field gets the one-to-go signal from official starter Harold Kinder. Look who's at the point. A.J. Foyt is up there. Well, he always comes to Atlanta. He likes to run this racetrack. We are talking a minute ago about Rusty Wallace and how he planned to run this race and everything else and he told uh, our pit reporters in the pre-race activity this afternoon the only thing he could do is go out there and run as hard as he can, hope to win and lead every lap and whatever. But regardless of how it comes out, Rusty admits he's had one heck of a year. Well, a lot of people say ought to be. I am. But, you know, when you win five races and you, you got more second place, more top five, more top ten, more money won, I'm in the Winston, I'm in the Bush Clash, and, you, and you, we've done that good and we're that close to winning the championship, and if you don't do win it, it is a little bit of a letdown. But... Uh, I've, if I don't win it, I'll ha- I've had one whale a year. You're right. 
Well, he could yet pull it out. It's far from being over, that's for sure. And he's doing everything he can. 110 laps are complete as they work in the back straightaway, forming up for a double-file restart, heading down to Dave Despain. Well, what, what Rusty's got to do is win the race, and I think he's got to be a little frustrated. He out-qualified the field by two mile an hour. He got a lap down early because of a tire problem, but the thing that impresses me, I guess, uh, is the fact that he has not been able, Barney, to, uh, to drive around this field and get back to the front. Kind of neat to see A.J. Foyt leading it up front. That won't last long. He's got Earnhardt, the very much inspired young Parsons, right on his rear deck, and Ricky Rudd to contend with as they move down looking for green. They are still showing 29 cars on the lead lap. Bill Elliott currently is running in 12th position. Rusty Wallace is now being posted 25th, and that'll be the running order as the pace car pulls in behind the pit wall. Harold Kinder waves a green flag, and they come up through that gearbox in a hurry. Good restart for A.J. Foyt. Man, he is gone. He pulls away from Earnhardt by a full second before they hit turn number one and head to two. A.J. gets a real good jump there, but he can't quite get away from Ernie Irvin. Irvin once again a lap down, but he gets in front of A.J. Foyt and picks up the position. Next, the lap car of Benny Parsons. Then Dale Earnhardt. Ernie, Ernie is just tickled to death to uh, unlap himself and will try to run away from Foyt, who is equally tickled to be leading the race with Benny Parsons to uh, cover his rear as Earnhardt, the second-place man, goes after the leader. PP, of course, not being shown on the lead lap. Benny Parsons spent some time on the pit road earlier, so Dale Earnhardt is technically second on the scoreboard, but A.J., you can almost see him smiling, Joe, as he works his way through the corner. I'll tell you what, he must be a happy man here with about a five-car-length lead over Dale Earnhardt. Now, Earnhardt just got around the Benny Parsons car, so all of a sudden he starts reeling in, A.J. He's not going to be happy for very long because Earnhardt is coming after him like Buster's gang. Question, of course, where is Davey Allison? Because he's been the man showing the ability to get to the front all day. He's back there about eighth behind Waltrip. He's trying to get underneath Waltrip, coming through three and four, comes down to the apron of the racetrack. He won't be able to do it this time as he hits the front straightaway. Brad Nofsinger's having a pretty good run here this afternoon. He's the last car being posted on the lead lap, currently riding in about 29th position. Let's go to pit road. And we've caught up with Richard Petty as he takes a look at his Pontiac. And Richard, tough lick over there. Yeah, it was a pretty hard lick. Uh, I was a little fortunate because we then started running a little bit high over there on the corner. And, uh, you know, that, that made the – didn't have to get such a running start at the at the uh, bank. and that, But it's still pretty daggum hard, I'll tell you. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Just a little uh, disappointed in the whole situation. Well, you really had a fast car today. Really had a fast car today. Yeah, the car run good. We never did run hard because we afraid we didn't want to find out about the tires. Going to let everybody else settle down, get the track in shape, and go racing. You know, as long as you never got but half a lap behind, we weren't going to worry about. It. We were going to race, but we never did get that far enough to do no racing. So we'll have to come back next time. Richard Petty out of the Atlanta Journal 500 here this afternoon. Well, he'll have a little time to recuperate and get over the soreness of the the uh, beats and bangs he's had in 1988. Earnhardt is now the leader, trying to put. Ernie Irvin, a lap down again, dropping back into the number two spot now is A.J. Foyt. Third is Ricky Rudd, and that's where the battle will be, back there for second spot in front of Joe Moore. Rudd's going to try to go down on the inside of A.J. Foyt and grab a position, but again, Foyt's pretty happy to be up there at the front of the pack. He holds him off as long as he can. Now on the attack is Rudd. He tries to go down low. All that talk about the guys retiring today, K.O. Yarborough hanging it up, Manny Parsons. A.J. Foyt certainly has no intention of hanging it up. He's running second place. Meanwhile, Mark Martin turning up the wick a bit on the Strolite Ford. He begins to work his way through race traffic quickly. Earnhardt continues to lead. Then A.J. Foyt followed by Ricky Rudd. Rudd's going to be awfully tough in 1989 with a new engine program of Lula Rosa. They're confident already working turn two. 
Rudd holds on to the third spot. Once again, tries to get around the A.J. Foyt car. Further back, Mark Martin and Davey Allison go at it. They're battling side by side for fourth. Allison once again trying to make his way to the front as Earnhardt begins to consolidate his lead. And let's mark the progress of Alan Kowicki, who is the length of a straightaway behind the leaders and about uh, perhaps 15th on the racetrack. They'll complete 117 laps this time by, and we'll be right back in a moment. Here at Atlanta International Raceway, over the course of the last couple of minutes, Dale Earnhardt now is pulled away by two full seconds, now more so over Ricky Rudd, who is second, Davey Allison third, and A.J. Foyt running in the fourth spot. 29 cars still showing on the lead lap, but if you're wondering why we might not have mentioned your favorite driver, Dale Jarrett is out for the day, so too Tommy Ellis, Brad Teague retiring his car, Morgan Shepard, Jimmy Means, Lake Speed, Richard Petty, H.B. Bailey, and I see they're still working Jim Phillips on that Rodney Combs car in the garage. Yes, they are working toward the car, and we're going to wait and see if he gets it back in there. They have the hood up, and how the hood goes down on the Fab Oldsmobile, so Rodney Combs will be coming back into the race right now. Battle for second spot in turn three. As they move out into three on the bottom, it's Davey Allison. He is around Ricky Rudd. Allison, determined to not let Earnhardt get any further away, goes into second spot, sets his sights on the leader. Davey Allison takes away the number two position from Ricky Rudd, tucks right in behind him now. The front three work away. A.J. Foyt back to fourth. Fifth is Sterling Marlin. Sixth, Darrell Waltrip. Seventh right now. That's Mark Martin, and for the most practical purposes, Joe Moore, the field's beginning to string out single file again. Stringing out quite a bit. We're watching most of the cars, Barney, at the center of the speedway. Handling pretty well in the center of the racetrack, about the middle way up groove there. Still Darrell Waltrip, who since the beginning of the race today has been riding a little bit higher at this end of the track. He's still doing that. Doesn't seem to be able to bring the car down. And we're still seeing a couple of cars pushing pretty hard up here. Derek Cope is one. We see tire smoke on the right side of that car every time he goes by this end of the track. 1.9 1.9 seconds. That's the advantage enjoyed by Dale Earnhardt over Davey Allison. Now Rusty Wallace going side by side with Bill Elliott battling for the championship and for position in turn two. And Wallace will get the spot going to the inside. Made his move by. Picked him about a car length already on Elliott as they make their way off turn two. Bill had gotten himself up to the tail end of the top ten and looked like he might be ready to go ahead and race the guys a little bit. But now has backed off and is running back there just in front of Kyle Petty, a more conservative 13th and giving up a spot to to Rusty Wallace. Rusty Wallace is doing exactly what he said. He's really smoking the tires, hanging that car out every lap, dirt tracking it around here. And he said yesterday he planned to throw everything in the book at Bill Elliott today. And uh, and that's what I got to have on my side going into this last race. I want to sit on a pole. I want to lead the most laps. I want to get all the bonus points I possibly can. I want to kick Elliott all day long and just throw everything at him. Throw balls, cannonballs, wheels, blow tires, everything, and just, and just give him everything I'm worth. And then if I don't win it, well, I can go home saying I gave him everything I had and it was everything available. I think that pretty well sums it up. I and that's exactly the way the boy is driving the race here this afternoon. 126 laps are on the scoreboard. Let's go to pit road. Marty, I just went down and talked to Raymond Beadle, the car owner for uh, Rusty Wallace. I thought they might have been having a little bit of a problem because he uh, could lead the thing so well a while ago, but then he wasn't going back to the front so quick. He said the car was just a little bit loose with him, and uh, for that reason he was taking a little bit extra care. And what happens when you're in, in traffic or in a bunch of cars and the car's a little bit loose, especially in a place like Atlanta, uh, same thing as Daytona or Talladega, but it has a tendency to make the car a little bit looser for you when you're in traffic and it does when you're leading the thing yourself. So I guess... Uh, they're not doing anything other than what they're having to do. 
He's just driving as hard as he can and, uh, and being as careful as possible. One of the quickest cars on the racetrack now, Barney, in addition to those, is Sterling Marlin. He has begun to close in on Ricky Rudd. Sterling driving his last race for the Piedmont Underalls, folks, before joining the Sunoco Racing Team next year with that new sponsorship. And he has closed in on Ricky Rudd now just to a couple three-car lane separation there as they battle back into turn number one for third spot. Speaking of closing in, Eli, up front, Davey Allison, once he got around Ricky Rudd, he has really started closing in on the lead that's held by Dale Earnhardt, making about four car lengths now. That's the fastest car on the racetrack, has been all day. Davey is running down Earnhardt, who had literally checked out on the field. They've got a couple of seconds on Rudd as he continues his battle with Marlon. Darrell Waltrip is another couple of seconds behind them. they got plenty of racing left, 200 laps as a matter of fact. They're completing 128, actually 129 as Earnhardt comes across the line. He looks back in the mirror and Davey Allison is there. He's chopped it down now to less than half a car length and that's the battle for the lead over in turn two. Davey sneaks up on him. Earnhardt goes high in the banking almost as if to say, go on, you can have it. Davey does it, drops to the inside and takes the lead. Watch Davey drive away from him now just like Earnhardt did. It's interesting in Atlanta because you'll see a guy come off a yellow flag, have the combination, have the setup, run away from the field. Next yellow, he can't find his way around the racetrack. But Davey's been consistent all day. 2.15 seconds now from second back to third place. But it's interesting, Joe, in what you said, sometimes, as Dave Despain also mentioned at his end of the track, sometimes Earnhardt goes up the banking. Other time, he's able to hang on to the groove he wants. Now, this time in turn number two, you're exactly right. He'll stay right there in the middle of the racetrack, as he has most of the afternoon. That time he came through, the car just pushed up. Or again, it looked like he almost did it intentionally. Went up to let Davey get by on the inside. Well, Davey's dead. Definitely buy on the inside, and the interesting thing to watch here is going to be whether he can pull away from Earnhardt, as Earnhardt did on the rest of the field. Also, want to put a clock on the leaders and compare them with Wallace, who just ran a 32-36. That's not his qualifying speed, but that's a pretty quick lap at this point in the race. At 131 laps complete, Dale Earnhardt leads the True Value Hardware, uh, Hard Charger Awards here this afternoon, points-wise. Sterling Marlin being posted second right now, then Rusty Wallace, and then Alan Kowicki as 131 laps go up on the board. Been a good hard battle going on back there for the third position for the last seven or eight circuits around this racetrack between Sterling Marlin and Ricky Rudd. Sterling had been able to get underneath him, and Sterling seems awful strong in the corners, but when Rudd hits that straightaway, you can certainly see he's got some horsepower in there. Here he comes out of turn number four, battle for third place. Ricky Rudd hangs on to it right now. Sterling rides fourth, back and fifth, watching everything from in that position now is Darrell Waltrip as they work to Joe Moore in turn two. Back that third place battle against Sterling Marlin after having a real good run so far this afternoon. Certainly trying to hang on to his spot up there at the top five. He's right on the rear deck of Ricky Rudd. You don't get a lot of time to use your horsepower at Atlanta. You're turning most of the time here. Straightaways are short. Corners are long. And the handling advantage is keeping Marlin right on the rear deck of Ricky Rudd as he runs high looking for a way around. Lead cars begin to pick their way around some race traffic around Dave Marcus and Rodney Combs. Last lap of 163.59 miles an hour for the race leader, Davey Adelson. The average speed, though, including those five cautions, still sitting at 123.491. We are in Atlanta, Georgia. Live coverage of the Atlanta Journal 500 final race of the 1988 Winston Cup season. 137 laps are complete of 328 here in Atlanta, and at least for the moment, Davey Allison and Dale Earnhardt not letting anybody else play in this game as they have just run off and hit in first and second spot. With a battle for third, Ricky Rudd, Darrell Waltrip, and Sterling Marlin, a good one still in turn one. Look at cars all together. Ricky Rudd leading the pack this time as they come into the corner. Marlin taking a little lower line, trying to get down to the inside of Darrell Waltrip. 
the two of them trying to sneak up on Ricky Rudd, but so far nothing's worked. They're all in single file. The other player in the game is Rusty Wallace, who, though he is seven seconds behind the leader, has moved up to ninth on the racetrack and is Trouble about up in a turn two. Benny Parsons has spun his car and slammed into the outside retaining wall. He brings it back down the banking, tries to get it straightened out, but the car goes sideways. All the traffic coming on is able to go high and get around the car. Parsons with a lot of damage to the right side of the car and the right rear finally rolls down to the inside of the racetrack. A lot of smoke out of Parsons' car. It looks like he's done. Caution is on the speedway. This will be the sixth one of the afternoon as Benny Parsons hits the wall, almost in the identical spot that Richard Petty tagged it a little bit early this afternoon. Let's go back to Joe Moore. He bounced off the wall, looped around in the center of the racetrack, had it straightened out for a few moments, then he turned it sideways, slid down the racetrack to the exit of turn number two, finally rolled back down to the apron, and again, luckily, everyone was able to get by. Benny's in the car moving around a little bit, certainly quite frustrated, I'm sure. An auspicious way for his Winston Cup driving career to wind its way down. Benny moving full-time into the broadcast booth next year as he and Cale Yarbrough hang it up today. And both of those gentlemen will be the subjects of our Inside NASCAR feature coming up on the broadcast a bit later on. Now the attention shifts to the pit crews. First, Dale Earnhardt and Davey Allison are in for stops. Dick Brooks. Well, as Davey Allison comes in, he makes a good stop. The windshield that I talked about earlier is broken in another place now. And it's starting to separate a little bit more. That could be a factor before the day's over. Jeff O'Dyne comes in and taking uh, all four tires off his car. Going to change all four. Dale Earnhardt uh, having a little bit of trouble getting the left rear off of his car, but they've got it off now. They're putting Union 76 gas in it, and they're going to send them on their way. Only about a half a dozen cars stay on the racetrack. Let's go down to Mike Joy. Ricky Rudd and Darrell Waltrip with a third and fourth place cars coming in off the racetrack. Waltrip gets a good jump going back out in the pit lane after his four-tire change. Rudd gets four as well. In the junior contest, Jerry Labonte makes his stop. He gets four tires, gets ready, and goes back out. And no sign of that little puffing of smoke that was reported out in the corner. Nothing coming out in the header pipes and nothing leaking on the ground from the Budweiser car. Most of the teams at this end of pit road are using scuffed tires. Tires that they've run in practice and have five to seven laps of, of practice on them just to get a little heat in the tires, get them cured once. Now, of course, the supply of those is limited to the amount of practice the teams has had. And uh, probably sometime after half way they'll have to start either reusing tires that have been on the car for 25 or 30 laps under green earlier or going to those brand new sticker tires which we'll handle here a little bit differently and speaking of halfway our official motor racing network abacus indicates that 164 laps makes up the halfway mark here this afternoon and bill morrow has joined us the atlanta district manager for gillette the folks from gillette of course with their halfway challenge here today and i understand bill first off good to have you with us in some 14 events next year i'm told for the halfway challenge that's super news yeah that's right eli we got uh, 14 chances for a consumer out there to win ten thousand dollars as well as the driver at the halfway challenge in 1989. I'm curious as to the response on the folks who have uh, entered. They can pick up their entry blanks wherever Gillette or the uh, White Rain hair care products are sold. I'm curious how the response has been across the country. Uh, the response has been really overwhelming. We've had uh, winners from different parts of the southeast in particular, of course, and uh, the consumers have been coming into the stores looking for the entries and uh, uh, getting involved in the contest. It's really created a lot of interest. Well, we've talked to the folks with Gillette time and time again this season throughout all of your numbers of visits, and yours is a company name that's been associated with sports for years, and it's great to have you along in NASCAR Winston Cup Racing. 
Well, I'll tell you, it's good to be here. And uh, just a word to the consumers out there that they can enter it in their uh, uh, participating retailers like Reed Drug here in Atlanta, Winn-Dixie in Atlanta, Drug Emporiums have all sponsored this event for this particular one. So it's, it's good to he- be here, and we're certainly looking forward to more events in 89. Sounds yeah. super. Enjoy your rest of the afternoon. Thanks, Eli. Bill Morrow joining us from the Atlanta district of Gillette. All those pit stops are now complete, and winning the race off pit road a moment ago was Darrell Waltrip. He got out quickest. Right behind him came Rusty Wallace, then Dale Earnhardt, and then Sterling Marlin would be the top five. Uh, Back in sixth position, showing Davey Allison. Seventh looks to be Ricky Rudd. Eighth right now going to Mike Alexander. Bill Elliott continues to just ease on up toward the front. He currently should be running in the tenth position. And his strategy this afternoon certainly is paying off for him. A lot of folks were wondering, fans, us in the broadcast booth and everybody else, we knew the car is capable of getting right up there in the front, but he just elected to kind of linger back, let the race kind of sort itself out, and one by one he's working his way up to the front of the pack. Should be in about tenth position right now. We are working at 142 laps. 164 make up the halfway mark here today. Benny Parsons is bringing out this last caution flag on lap number 139. A quick reminder that again this coming Tuesday evening we'll be with you on NASCAR Live from our regular Daytona Beach studios and a chance for you to join the conversation toll free at 1-800-2-NASCAR. We'll be again opening up the lines to the Winston Cup champion be it Bill Elliott or Rusty Wallace. That driver will be joining us on Tuesday. It's been a tough weekend for Greg Sacks, the Buddy Baker team, they've had to go to a backup car after a practice accident here yesterday. And Mike, now the hood is up on that machine. Working in the engine compartment, I don't know if they're trying to isolate the source of a leak here. We'll check with the crew in a moment. Uh, they're going to try to get the hood back down, get it back out without losing more than a lap or two. But there's a, a plate that bolts to the left side rocker cover here over the spark plug wires. They're working in that area now. A bit of smoke uh, coming from underneath the hood. Um, the Red Baron Pizza Oldsmobile. We'll report back in a minute. 142 laps are being posted on the board. We're talking about Bill Elliott just uh, consistently getting on up toward the front. And Dick Brooks, we hear you guys say as drivers a lot of times, it pays to kind of wait and let the race come to you. And I guess that's what he's doing today. Well, I think in a lot of cases it does that. I, uh, uh, in his particular case, he's not as interested in winning it probably. Well, I know he's not. Not as interested in winning as he's winning a championship. So if he can stay in the championship where he knows he's got it won and then just take his chances on a race, chances are that uh, he'd be better off than he would be running up front. The only thing wrong with that is that I've seen him in three or four different situations today where, the, where he was in an awful, awful good chance to be involved in a wreck. And if that takes him out, then, uh, then there's trouble. So, you know, that's racing. I guess there's a thousand factors that can cause you to win or lose or, or to finish or not finish. And it uh, looks like they've pretty well got it going their way as of now anyway and then uh, and that puts rusty wallace he made the comment on tape there a while ago where he is going to throw everything at him he could throw at him well he's trying to do that and that uh, uh naturally gives him uh, puts him in a position to have more trouble and what have you and, and uh it looks like that elliot's going to work his way in there without uh without being too frustrated about what what uh, wallace does Already back in the Greg Sachs pit. Uh, they had the hood up on that car. They said the engine had suddenly during that last run of green flag racing just gone a bit soft. Uh, Danny shifts out with the pit board. They're going to bring it back in again. This time, I said they had that plate off. They were checking the plug wires on the left side. I uh, said everything seemed to be fine there. They couldn't short anything out. It looked like the engine was firing on all eight cylinders. Uh, so it might be something internal or it might be something a little further along in the electrical system. But uh, John Suggs pointed out, Santa, it's running on about seven and a half cylinders. So figure that. 143 laps are complete here in Atlanta. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. 
In just one more lap, we'll be back to green flag racing here at the Atlanta International Raceway. Jeff Bird stepping into the booth from the R.J. Reynolds folks, who, along with everybody else, keeping track of not only the championship, but we're trying to look back to 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 20th spot. There's so much on the line here today. Well, Bill's strategy appears to be working, Eli. He started that way back in the field, and now I think he's worked his way up to 8th place. And uh, looks like Rusty is in 2nd, so it, it's close, but... Uh, I don't know. There have been people pro and con for Elliott's strategy down here, but it's working, and that's what counts from the, for the boys from Dawsonville. Has to be the most interesting in this year's championship there has been in a long time. Well, you know, a great deal of that's due to the uh, great battle that uh, Rusty and Bill and then Dale up to a certain point put up. You know, Dale and Richard kind of walked away with it in uh, two previous years. So, yeah, there's a lot of interest. The fans seem to be interested in it. And I think you're going to see that more and more in the future, Barney. I I just, uh, with the way the teams are and the financing they have, it's going to be close uh, almost every year. No, I don't think anybody's going to have the advantage maybe that Earnhardt had a year or so ago when he had it locked up with three or four races left to go. But... Either one of them is going to make you a great champion. Yeah, they is. It looks like they're going back to green, so I'll give it back to you guys. We'll see you in New York at the banquet. All right. All right Appreciate Bird. the warning. <laughs> Here they come, down to the line. Harold Kinder waves the green flag. Darrell Waltrip is the leader. Rusty Wallace is second. They take it back into turn number one. And talk about getting away again on those restarts. Waltrip is pulled away by perhaps seven or eight car lengths. He's over in turn two. Waltrip scoots away from him while Rusty Wallace dicks down to the bottom of the racetrack. He gets around Earnhardt and now Wallace is there in the second spot trying to get around Waltrip. And for the first time today, Bill, Bill Elliott is up there in the midst of that pack. He will run eighth as they peel off into turn three. Wallace making the inside move. Boy, when Rusty Wallace goes to the low groove and just shoots right past everybody, that is an eye-opener and a half right there as he takes the lead. Rusty Wallace does from Darrell Waltrip and Dale Earnhardt. Bill Elliott still riding comfortably, sandwiched in race traffic back ninth in line. Rusty Wallace leads the way while the battle shapes up for second. Earnhardt goes down to the inside of Darrell Waltrip, picks up at second spot. Waltrip is third, fourth is Davey Allison, fifth is Ricky Rudd. Darrell doesn't seem to be sticking very well. Let's see if Davey Allison will do the same number on him that first Wallace, then Earnhardt have done. Davey is the fourth man in line as they roar into turn three. Some of the best racing of the day just after this restart as they work out of turn number four to the bottom of the racetrack. Davey Allison now trying to take a position away from Darrell Waltrip. They'll go side by side side at the start-finish line and go off into the corner that way down in turn two. That's a battle for the third spot. Davey Allison's strategy works once again. Down on the inside of the racetrack, he picks up the position. Again, Walter drifts way up the racetrack. Ricky Rudd now challenges Walter for the next spot. Bill Elliott not making any moves through traffic, instead content to sit where he is. Walter backing up as everybody drives underneath him. The next two to try will be Alexander and Rudd. That is a good fifth-place battle with Mike Alexander working the low side of the racetrack. Remember how strong he was earlier in the day? Well, Mike nearly getting himself lapped, then getting back on the lead lap now begins to rumble. He has drawn away from Sterling Marlin, away from Rudd, and now challenges Waltrip for fourth. Waltrip tries to hold his car at the bottom of the racetrack this time, knowing that he can't deal with anybody up on the outside but it doesn't work again. Alexander is able to scoop by. The lane is opened up. Ricky Rudd tries to fill it, too. And Rudd will have to contend with following Waltrip into turn three as Rusty Wallace begins to stretch his lead. Again, Darrell goes high. Here comes Rudd to the bottom. Six-tenths of a second now. The advantage for the leader as he works back to the line, the leader being Rusty Wallace. Earnhardt is second. Third is Davey Allison. Fourth right now, Mike Alexander. The battle is for fifth. It's a good one. Ricky Rudd again tries to get under Darrell down in the corner. Can't do it, and he's going to lose the position. Rudd slips a little bit going into turn number one. Not only Waltrip gets by, but also the Sterling Marlin car able to make a move on the outside of the racetrack, so he picks up the fifth position. Lead quartet are pretty well strung out. Davey Allison now third, setting his sights on Earnhardt. Let's see if he can go back to the front. Meanwhile, Elliott's in there racing with him this time. 
We're also starting to hear from Bud Moore's driver. Brett Bodine makes a move around Bill Elliott to grab a position. Also back in the fifth place now, side-by-side battle, has Sterling Marlin inside of Darrell Waltrip, and if Darrell climbs the banking again, Sterling's got it. Darrell's going to try to pull down in front of Sterling Marlin, but again, it doesn't work. He scoots way up the banking. Here comes Marlin at the bottom of the racetrack. He gets by Brett Bodine, also trying to follow Marlin on the inside. Ricky Rudd is in the middle of that pack. Then comes Bill Elliott, Mark Martin, and back on the tail end is Ernie Irvine, who is a lap down. Waltrip continues to work the high groove. He seems to be adapting to it a little better, and now he's keeping him at bay. That could be the best race of the day. It is for fifth position in the Atlanta Journal 500. Six cars are locked up in it back there. Right now, Sterling Marlin's trying to take it away from Darrell Waltrip, but there's four other cars right behind. If either one of those two slip, they'll move up. This time they both slip, both going up the banking, and it allows Brett Bodine to grab the inside line. He goes by both of them and picks up fifth. Wow, I'll tell you what, when you get three wide in the middle of the corner at Atlanta, it is definitely white knuckle time, and coming out with the advantage is Bodine. Now Marlin will put the slip on Waltrip. This becoming a heck of a show. Brett Bodine, having qualified in the third spot, took that opportunity and jumped away. Rusty Wallace still leads comfortably over Dale Earnhardt, but Bill Elliott still running up in the top ten. So that's where he needs to be as he hopes to try and nail down his first Winston Cup championship. We pause ten seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. Alongside Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. The entire Motor Racing Network crew with you from the Atlanta International Raceway. Live coverage of the Atlanta Journal 500. Let's go downstairs. And we've caught up with Benny Parsons. Benny, this is not the way you wanted to end your career. (laughs) No, it really isn't. But, you know, I guess that everybody keeps saying to me, are you, is this never, are you going to retire and never, ever drive again or all those things? And, you know, it's hard to say never, but... Believe me, when you end this way, it makes it easier to say never. Well, you had an up-and-down day, too, today. Yeah, well, the car I thought was going to be really good, and then I had a short. I wire shorted out early on, and I had to come in. I lost four laps. And after that, it never would run. I don't know I don't know for what reason, but it just wouldn't accelerate. What really happened over there? I don't know. Something happened to the right rear tire. I don't know if I... If I run over a piece of debris, a blister, I don't know. The right rear tire just went in the corner and went away. Benny Parsons out of his last race here in the Atlanta Journal 500 at Atlanta. And as he said, that's not the way he wants to finish it, but that's the way the cards got dealt this afternoon, and that's the way you'll have to play them. 156 laps go up on the scoreboard. Rusty Wallace is still the leader. Dale Earnhardt rides the number two position, a big interval between first and second, and Joe Moore, a pretty big interval, all the way back to third also. Just about the same distance, Barney, about ten car lengths back to the third-place car of Davey Allison, and a pretty good battle going on there. He's trying to hold off Mike Alexander. As Alexander sets his sights on Davey down the backstretch, it's six more spots back to Elliott, the championship contender, who continues to kind of sit there running with Ricky Rudd. He really has things going his way at this juncture, no matter what Rusty Wallace does. Halfway will be 164 laps, 157 now on the board. Remember that Gillette halfway challenge, $10,000 to the leader at halfway, and $10,000 also to some lucky race fan who had submitted the name of that particular driver. So we near halfway here in Atlanta with Rusty Wallace continuing to lead. We're talking about Brett Bonin and how well he's running here this afternoon, and he told us here in the garage area this weekend that the team has improved 100% all year long. They've learned a lot about each other. Definitely feel that. You know, uh, Brett Bodine's improved 200%. You know, these cars and, and drivers are different than what you're used to running in a Bush Grand National. There's no doubt about it. And you just have to learn what it takes to get a Winston Cup car around these racetracks. And it just takes time. That's what you call experience, knowing what you need to run good in the race. And, you know, Bud is has taught me this year a lot, the guys on the crew have, and, you know, I think that now when we 
get ready to race that final practice on Saturday. Brett Bodine knows what he's looking for, knows what he needs to run good. And if we can get it there, we run good. If we can't, we're just that little bit off. But, you know, that's going to just continue to get better with time and experience in the car. He currently has a good fifth-place run going here this afternoon. We look down in turn number one with Rusty Wallace, the leader, and Earnhardt is beginning to reel him in, Joe Moore. He's closing the gap significantly. Looks like Wallace is going a little bit lower in the corner. Earnhardt is really hanging it out at this end of the speedway, taking a little bit higher groove, and it's working for him. He's closing in on the leader. Wallace and Davey Allison apparently running about the same speed because as Earnhardt catches Wallace, so is he pulling away from Davey Allison. Earnhardt is the fast guy for the moment. 159 laps are on the board. 160 this time by four away from the halfway point. Wallace leads Dale Earnhardt. Allison is third. Mike Alexander running fourth. Brett Bodine is fifth and Mark Martin sixth. Marlin seventh. Waltrip eighth. Ninth belongs to Ricky Rudd. Tenth now is Bill Elliott. Eleventh still is Jeff Bodine as the field basically is single file here at the Atlanta International Raceway. Terry Labonte trying to work his way back up into the twelfth spot ahead of Rick Wilson unofficially thirteenth. Alan Kulwicki fourteenth. Then Phil Parsons and the Cale Yarborough car. Rusty Wallace doing what he has to do, and right now, Barney, he just has to wait and see if something doesn't go awry for Bill Elliott. Otherwise, Elliott is doing exactly what he wants and needs to do as well. Well, his strategy is working. Certainly, Elliott's is, and of course, as Rusty said, all he can do is try to lead as many laps, lead them all if he could, and win the race. And so far, he's really given 100%. I can't believe the way he's been driving the last three months of the season. Every place we have been, he's come from behind a couple of laps to win races. He has just driven his heart out all season long, and if he doesn't win the championship this year, as he and all the team say it's not the end of the world. He's got a lot of good years left in this business. 161 go up on the scoreboard here this afternoon. Make it 162 as Wallace crosses the start-finish line, and we get a couple of laps closer to the halfway point. They're over in turn two. Still seeing a couple of cars over this end of the speedway that are going a little bit higher in the banking. One of those is the Mike Waltrip car, his Country Time Lemonade Pontiac. A couple of times has just come close to the wall, just almost brushing it here at this end of the speedway. He's got one of the cars that's not handling quite so well, and it's pushing significantly as he comes off turn number two. Once again, this time, Waltrip tries to hold it down, but again, things aren't going quite his way today. Also midway in the field, Bill Elliott decides to try and pull away from Jeff Bodine if he can. Bodine, in the midst of a pretty good point battle of his own, the three Hendrick cars battling for fifth, sixth, and seventh. Bodine was getting a little bit antsy. Bill Elliott was just ahead of him, and Ricky Rudd was to the side. And Bill said it was time to check on out of there and give everybody a little bit more breathing room. That's exactly what he does. Working our way towards the halfway point, the leader is in turn three. And as Wallace continues to pull away from Earnhardt now, it looked like Dale was going to reel him in, maybe make a run for the 10 grand. No chance of that. It's a good second interval from first to second. So he has a little bit of breathing room here as the halfway point comes up. 164, and they cross the line, and that will mark the halfway mark here at Atlanta this afternoon. If you just joined our broadcast, let's update you quickly on some of the cars that are out of the event. Benny Parsons is through for the day. Rodney Combs, H.B. Bailey, Richard Petty, Lake Speed, Jimmy Means. Uh, Morgan Shepard in the garage area along with Tommy Ellis and Dale Jarrett. Some of the cars that we're indicating are out of the event. One other story we've not talked that much about today, but another of the lasts that we do have in this 1988 racing season. Kyle Petty and the Wood Brothers running their last race together. Neil Bonnet shifting over to the Woods team, and Kyle has separate plans for 1989. It's amazing. It doesn't seem like it was four years ago when the Woods and Kyle first got together. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that long. You know, it's been... It's been four years, but it's been four good years. It's been four, four real good years for me. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, being able to work with Leonard and Lynn and Eddie and Terry and playing the whole crowd. Uh, you know, I think I've learned a lot. Hopefully I've gotten a little bit better. We've won a couple races. So, uh, you know, I, sometimes it's just time to move along. And I think they'll be happy back again with Neil because Neil and them had a, a great relationship. And Kyle, looking at a bit more of a reduced schedule for 1989, are you looking forward to it? 
Yeah, I'm looking real forward to that. I'm looking forward to working with Gary and, uh, you know, with Felix and Ted, my new car owners. You know, Peak's going to be a sponsor next year, and we've kind of brought them along slow from just doing a personal service to a, to a Bush deal now in the Winston Cup. So next year's going to be a, a year just to get everybody to get their feet wet, and we feel like the next year we're going to be strong, we can run competitive, and we look to win some races next year. Good battle now between Bill Elliott and Jeff Bodine. They're in three. Bodine moving to the bottom, evidently not content to let uh, Elliott draw away. Made his move, and Ricky Rudd is also on the attack, so Bill's got company. Those three cars have been running nose-to-tail, door-to-door for the last 10 or 12 laps. Jeff Bodine, Bill Elliott, and Ricky Rudd. Good battle going on right behind them now between Terry Labonte and Kyle Petty as that works over to turn two. Labonte and uh, Kyle Petty have been battling side-by-side. Last couple of laps, looks like Labonte finally has made his move. He's picked up the spot now and already got about four car lanes. Over Meanwhile, Davey Allison is closing in on Dale Earnhardt once again, so the race is shaking down into a series of two and three car battles all around the racetrack. Field works back to the stripe, side by side. Second place battle going into turn number one. Earnhardt and Allison going for the position. Allison wins it again. He takes the low side, but here comes Earnhardt. After Allison goes in deep, has to push out to the outside of the racetrack, so Earnhardt gets the inside line. They'll go door to door down the backstretch. They are definitely sideways. The question becomes who will let off first. Davy runs it in on the outside. And Earnhardt slows dramatically as they come into the corner. Looks like he's headed for the pits. Caution is on the speedway. Derek Cope apparently has just exploded the engine on his pure later car right here in the front straightaway. And Harold Kinder immediately drops the yellow on the field. And this might be a break for Earnhardt and several of the other drivers who are beginning to drop back just a wee bit. It comes out on lap 169, and it will be the seventh caution of the day. As again, Derek Cope loses an engine. We'll see everyone coming on to pit road. We'll cover those stops in a minute. We are working caution flag number seven of the afternoon here in Atlanta, Georgia, after the engine evidently expired on the Derek Cope later Ford. The cleanup crew putting the speedy dry down here on the front straightaway through into the turn one and two corner. It gives us a chance to chat with Leo Cavanaugh. He's the general manager sales for the U.S. division of Eastman Kodak Company. And uh, you've picked yourself a dandy race to join us here for this afternoon. Thank you, Eli. It's uh, beautiful here. Uh, it's a perfect day, and we're proud to be a sponsor and attend this race. Thank you. you. Know, when you talk about long-term sponsorships, obviously everybody in the world has to go a distance to catch up with what STP and has, with, has with Richard Petty. But you guys are building on it. I was happy to see that Kodak is back again with Rick Wilson and the Morgan McClure fellows for next year. Thank you. Uh, we're proud to be with them. Uh, Mr. McClure is a wonderful guy, and this uh, Rick Wilson is outstanding. Uh, last week, or the week before last, he was up in North Carolina addressing uh, 5,000 young uh, high school students uh, in the SAD program, Student Against Direct Driving, and we're just so proud to be associated with a guy like him. That's interesting. A lot of folks don't realize that there's more than just driving and wearing the sponsor's colors and making the occasional race-related appearance. That was something I didn't know about. Well, it's uh, you have to know the young man to appreciate it. He also represents NASCAR in many uh, golf tournaments. He's a super golfer, and uh, when you see that Kodak uh, yellow uh, flag over there, we're proud to put put it next to Rick and uh, put the number on his car. He's quite a guy. Now, Barney is our resident super golfer, and I know you and Rick have gotten out there a few times together. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in the woods together. When you said he was a super <laughs> golfer, I had to smile because we, we don't play all that well, but we have a lot of fun. <laughs> Mr. Kavanaugh, great to see you here today, and again, uh, we welcome you back for a long, long association with NASCAR. Thank you, Eli. Leo Kavanaugh, General Manager Sales for the U.S. Sales Division of Eastman Kodak. I've seen you play some good golf, Barn. You yeah, know, you once. shouldn't let the folks uh, 
get that impression. Uh, that's fun. 172. <laughs> we won't get into that. 172 laps are down. Set the field off pit road first, as we told you a moment ago. Rusty Wallace, the leader. Earnhardt is second. Davey Allison, third. Mike Alexander, fourth. Brett Bodine, fifth. Sixth is Darrell Waltrip. Seventh is Elliott, and that's amazing. He started back there, just cooled it, looked like he was going to ride in 28th and 29th position all day. Currently has worked himself all the way up to seventh spot. The eighth position belongs to Mark Martin. Ninth is Sterling Marling. Rounding out the top ten is Jeff Bodine. From their back, it should be Ricky Rudd, Kyle Petty, A.J. Foyt, Rick Wilson, and Cale Yarborough. And they're still showing, what, some 26 cars on the lead lap. Right behind Cale, who is 15th, Harry Gant is 16th, Adam Kowicki 17th, 18th is Terry Labonte, 19th Bobby Hillen, and 20th is Phil Parsons. Neil Bonnet is 21st, 22nd would be Ken Schrader. All of these still on the lead lap. 23rd is Jim Sauter, 24th Michael Waltrip, Larry Pearson. Haven't talked much about Larry today, but he's getting himself set for an assault on the Winston Cup division for next year on the Champion Sears Rookie of the Year program. He's running in 25th and 26th the last car on the lead lap or actually now 26th spot is uh, Brad Nofsinger and the last car on the lead lap would be Greg Sachs running in the 27th spot at lap 173 getting set for the restart in front of Dave Despain and Rusty Wallace doing what he needs to do today moving himself back to the front but a tough day for Wallace who out qualified the field by a couple of miles an hour got himself a lap down had to scramble back we've seen him do that so many times before the difference now in the championship is from first to seventh on the racetrack. Elliott is continuing to climb the ladder, so no matter what Rusty does, Bill can tie up the title. Tell you what, it's been a long time. Earnhardt is probably the latest driver that really has drove the wheels off a race car that's comparable to what Rusty Wallace has done in 1988. He is a racer's racer. He's going to run anything he can get into and run the first lap just as hard as he does the last one. Earnhardt's going after him, and they like to get with the program. That's the battle for the lead down in turn number one. He tried inside, couldn't do it, drops back. Wallace has the spot now as Earnhardt tries to go to the outside of him. That move won't work either, so they'll go single file off turn two. On Motor Week this week, Rusty Wallace credited Dale Earnhardt with helping to instill in him the aggression, the aggressiveness that it takes to be champion. He says that Dale Earnhardt had a lot to do with making me as tough as I am right now. He's about two car lengths tougher than Dale off turn four. They both have confidence in each other on the racetrack as well. They don't mind getting out there side by side, nose to tail. But Rusty says, the heck with confidence. I'm going to pull away if I can. And he's trying to do that in turn one. Got a five-car length lead. Bill have already over the second-place car of Earnhardt. Then it's Davey Allison is closing in on Earnhardt. Davey sitting in the third spot. Fourth is Alexander. Fifth now is Darrell Walton. Let's give some credit to Raymond Beetle's guys, too, because Wallace has got a heck of a race car here. He's not afraid to drive anything with wheels on it, but that is a mighty good car to drive away from the likes of Dale Earnhardt and Davey Allison the way he is. A lot of activity in the Jeff Bodine pit area. Jeff is slowing on the racetrack now. Jeff slowing on the track. The activity began as Bodine was coming off turn number two, and here he comes down the pit lane. Let's go to his pits for an update. Well, he thought he had a, had a flat tire. Oops. <laughs> Well, I was standing right in front of that when he turned sideways and all the tires lit up with smoke, so I uh, got a little impatient there. But uh, he thought he had a flat tire, and uh, they're going to come in and change right sides, check the left sides, and they're going to send him back out. He did have a tire going down. He is down and away as Wallace comes out of turn number four. The leader heads back to the start-finish line. Bodine moves back into turn number one. Earnhardt still second, third. They're showing Davey Allison in fourth right now. Mike Alexander, good battle going on back there for fifth position. In trouble, Rick Wilson has banged the wall off turn number four and spins all the way down onto pit road. We're watching to see if the yellow comes out, and so far it does not. The car turned around on Wilson, and he's going to go drive right on into his pits. Let's go down to Dick Brooks. Well, he's coming into his pits, and I'm started down that way. I'll be there just in a minute. 
he had already been coming in to make a pitch stop. Tony Glover and the rest of the crew had already jumped across the wall. They were expecting Rick Wilson, who had slowed on the racetrack, but obviously he did not get there without any incident, but now the crew is servicing his car, and here comes Jeff Bodine again. The Levi Garrett Chevrolet continues back on pit road. The battle for the lead still nose to tail. Rusty Wallace and Dale Earnhardt. Let's go back to the Bodine pit. Well, I'm back up at Rick Wilson's now. He, he did have a flat right front tire, and he did, they got it changed and got him back on the racetrack. In fact, it was cut. It was cut almost in two. So he's uh, back on the racetrack as Jeff Bodine changed left side tires, and they sent him back. Well, tighten up your seatbelt. There's four cars up there running for the lead. Wallace has it. Earnhardt wants it. So does Davey Allison, and so does Mike Alexander. Just about two or three car lanes separate those four as they move to turn two. Single file this time by with Wallace enjoying about a three-car length lead now. The real hot spot is for second and third. Earnhardt is there. Down to the inside of him is Davey Allison, and Mike Alexander watches all the action from fourth. And that quartet is followed by a quintet having almost a exciting a battle for fifth spot on back give it to Bodine chased by Sterling Marlin then Mark Martin Daryl Walter and Bill Elliott and the next group of cars no shabby ones there either including Ricky Rudd who I think if he can get free of race traffic would like to sit an assault of his own on the first nine positions but Ricky works behind Labonte and just ahead of Cale Yarborough and Cale having himself a good run here today in his final stop on his Winston Cup career Here in Atlanta, Georgia, we are 180 laps complete, 328 make the distance in the Atlanta Journal 500. The running order here at the Atlanta Journal 500. Rusty Wallace now ahead of Davey Allison, Mike Alexander, and Dale Earnhardt. And the key for Dale Earnhardt, Joe Moore, has been directly in front of you. The car is not behaving well in turn two. Once again, it's pushing up a little bit too high coming off the corner. He's not getting the good bite as everyone else is off turn two. And speaking of cars not behaving, Derek Cope's car is in the garage area. Jim Phillips? Derek, what put you out of it today? Well, we had a, a motor let go. It, uh, it, it hadn't been running uh, for a while. It kind of laying down. We kind of fall back and kept trying to loosen the car, the, the car up. It's trying to accommodate for it. But finally, I think the pure later Ford uh, took a valve out of it. So it's kind of unfortunate. We didn't want to end really well here. But we'll see if those uh, Chevrolet is a little bit better to us. Those Pontiacs are better to us uh, next year. Derek Copes out of here this afternoon in the Atlanta Journal 500. Closest battle on the racetrack will be back about 10th position. Terry Labonte's trying to take it away from Kyle Petty as they work to three. And as they move down the backstretch, it is definitely a side-by-side battle as Labonte looks inside, drives around Kyle, takes over the spot. Alan Kowicki, who was strong early in the race, is right on the tail end of that battle. Jimmy Horton's car on the racetrack slowing. He's putting down some fluid as he goes around the racetrack. NASCAR officials will be checking that over as the leaders continue to circulate here at the Atlanta International Raceway. 187 laps are on the board. 328 make up the total distance here this afternoon. Cale Yarborough having for himself a super run here today as he still runs in and around the top 10 this afternoon. Wouldn't it be something to see Cale come away with a victory in his final race? Oh, it would be very fitting. As we said earlier, he won his first super Speedway race right here at Atlanta. It's always been one of his best tracks. I think he's the winningest driver overall here over the years at Atlanta, and he likes this place. He really hates to quit this business. You could, you, every, as I said earlier, we talked to him in the garage, and big tear run down his cheek every now and then when he really realizes that this is the last time he's going to do it. On pit road, Phil Parsons. Let's go down to Mike Joy. Barney, an unexpected stop for them as everybody was in not too many laps ago. We'll go up and take a look at what's come off his car. They're changing the left side rubber on Phil Parsons' Skoll Oldsmobile, getting ready to send him back onto the speedway. 189 laps are on the board. Jimmy Horton is in and out of the pits again also. Some good cars out there today having a great run. Still in the lead lap, still a chance to win this race we haven't talked about. Harry Gant will close out a long association of eight years with Hal Needham and Travis Carter here this afternoon. He is still very much in the thick of things. It's been a good racetrack for him. And back in that back 
backpack, even though they're a little bit further back than the leaders of the top ten. They're still running good. Cale's still running good, as you pointed out there just a moment ago. A.J. Foyt's having one of his best runs ever here at Atlanta. Of course, he won here some years ago. It's been a long time, but he has been in victory lane. Mike Waltrip's still having a good day, along with Kyle Petty and Kenny Schrader and a half a dozen other cars. Still very much in the thick of things here with a long ways to go in the Journal 500. So, Cale Yarbrough with a good run. Benny Parsons' day has already ended. Those two gentlemen are the subject of today's look inside NASCAR. Have a Tampa Cigars presents Inside NASCAR. Today's running of the Atlanta Journal 500 is more than just another Winston Cup stock car race. Throughout the day, we've been telling you about the battle for the championship, certainly. But today, we also turn a page in the NASCAR history books. As we say so long to two venerable performers, we'll hear from Cale Yarbrough and Benny Parsons next. Have a Tampa presents another close but no cigar racing highlight. With a lap to go, I had the groove, but he was planning a slingshot move in the number four turn. The crowd went faint. We were knocking door handles and trading paint. Yeah, he had the nerve, but I had the car, and it was close. But no cigar. It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you have a Tampa. So relax with a good, fresh Tampa nugget, Tampa sweet, or have a Tampa jewel. The highlight of the race. Let's uh, keep in touch. The old saying is that sometimes you just can't stand in the way of progress. Now, whether progress means that the veterans have to move on to make more spots for the young drivers, well, maybe so. And today, two of the sport's finest, Cale Yarborough and Benny Parsons, decide to hang up their helmets and move on to other ventures. For Cale Yarborough, he becomes a full-time car owner. And for Benny Parsons, he'll climb the steps to the press box and spend time with both Motor Racing Network and ESPN. For Cale Yarborough, the sport has been a good one. He thinks he's been good for the sport as well. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't take anything in the world for, for what the sport's done for me and, and what I've tried to do for it. It's, it has been a two-way street, and, uh, you know, nothing I think that I could have done in life that would have fulfilled my life as much as racing has. Those are the thoughts of driver Cale Yarborough. As for Benny Parsons, with a Winston Cup championship to his credit, what's his highest career moment? Uh, you know, we, if we pick a moment, it was winning the Daytona 500 in 1975. But the main thing that I remember about this sport as being as a driver is concerned is we all have childhood dreams. Uh, mine was not as a childhood, but as a young adult. And dreaming of... Uh, being a part of Winston Cup racing as a driver and being able to realize that dream, just to be a part of this. Now, for others, it's a weekend of mixed emotions. Benny's brother, Phil Parsons, is one of those who has those mixed feelings about Benny's retiring. Well, it really is. I, you know, I have mixed emotions. Uh, number one, you know, he's done all you can do. He's won the Daytona 500. He's won the championship. He's won at just about every racetrack we run on. But on the other hand, ever since I was five years old, he's driven a race car, and I followed him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be really different when we get to Daytona, and he's not going to have a car, even though the last three, four years or five, whatever, we've been racing against each other. It's really going to be a change. Richard Petty is one of those veterans who's still around and has definite thoughts about the retirement of both Benny and Cale. Well, you know, I was here before they got here. That's one thing about it. But the deal is that it's just part of NASCAR racing going away anytime you lose that caliber of people. 
And, uh, and when you do that, it's going to be a big forward left, even though these boys, like myself, had not been winning that much lately, they still feel a big forward because they still had a lot of the fans, a lot of people in full form. So it's going to be a while before they're, they're really, uh, really anybody comes along and takes up that particular gap. But, you know, it's just progress. One of the things going to happen to all of us one of these days. Another one of those young drivers who might come along to fill the void is Larry Pearson running here this weekend. David Pearson, his dad, says it seems kind of funny to see Kale and Benny quit. But then again, it might be tough to hold back the hands of time. Well, it is. You know, of course, I know that uh, a lot of these young guys coming in now, they're glad to see them to get out, you know, because it makes more rides for them and a little bit less competition for them. But, uh, you know, they've been around a long time, and... Uh, they run quite a few races, so I guess they feel like it's best to go ahead and get out, which I haven't really said that I have retired, but I haven't run now in a couple of years, and uh, I guess I have retired, just hadn't told anybody yet, but but this time I guess let the other younger generation come in and run races. So maybe David Pearson sums it up. Maybe it is time for the drivers in some instances to move aside. But the good news to the rest of us in the sport is that sure, Benny and Kale might be hanging up their helmets, but they're not going to be leaving the sport altogether. And that is the silver lining in all of today's activity. For Inside NASCAR, I'm Eli Gold. Inside NASCAR has been brought to you by Have a Tampa and Tampa Nugget Cigars. Listen for the Close But No Cigar Award later in this broadcast. 200 laps have just been flashed up on the scoreboard here in Atlanta. Gives us 128 remaining. A.J. Foyt slowed a moment ago on the racetrack. Now makes that hard left turn to the garage area. And looks like the day is over for A.J. Rusty Wallace still leads. As the 200-lap mark is posted on the scoreboard, we'll pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. you got to give Rusty Wallace all the credit in the world. He has never lifted off that accelerator since they dropped the green this afternoon as he streaks down the back straightaway. And Dave Despain, as he goes through your end of the racetrack, he's hanging it out just as hard right now as he did the first lap. He's in a kind of an admirable uh, or an enviable situation because he really can go out there and just do what's fun, and that's drive the car as hard as he can. You commented on his qualifying run, Barney, and the fact that he just almost didn't lift all the way around the racetrack. It's hard to do that at Atlanta, but with a two-mile-an-hour faster time, really for Wallace, his only shot here today is trying to cover himself with glory on this final day of the season, knowing that there's very little he can do to keep Bill from winning the championship. If they keep that momentum going for 1989, he'll be the toughest cat going on the circuit. There's no question about that. The competition has just gotten so keen, though, as Cale Yarborough and David Pearson who were talking in the garage area here this week. It just seems like back in their days, there was at least five, maybe six cars you had to beat other than that. Nowadays, there's at least 20, legitimately, to 25 cars. We're under caution here in Atlanta for the eighth time. A hard hit into the turn three and four wall for Harry Gant. Dave Despain with the story. The explosion came before hitting the wall. Sounded very much like a tire exploding on Harry Gant's car. It simply took a hard right. And he was about mid-racetrack when the tire let go. And that meant that the angle of attack on the wall was pretty severe. And at the tremendous speed you're running in turn three, he took a very, very hard lick. The car then slid along the wall, pinned up against the wall, and came to a stop at the exit of turn 
four. It has put us under caution at lap 207. Harry Gant still driving with a leg that he broke up in Charlotte Motor Speedway way back in the season. That car rests against the outside wall. The safety crews are there, and the rest of the field is diving onto pit road for to get some service here under the stop. Let's go down to Dick Brooks first. Well, Rusty Wallace went by just uh, as quick as he could, so he could try to get back out and hold the lead. Then uh, Davey Allison came right in behind him, Jeff Bodine. I'm standing in Rick Wilson's pit. They were trying to get him to slow down under caution. He was uh, running a little bit too fast, I think. Uh, I walked down here where Gail uh, Yarbrough is just to kind of watch some of his last stops, I guess, maybe for nostalgia, maybe just because I uh, got tired of sitting on the wall. But uh, uh, they're getting his car out. Larry Pearson's getting his service up. Everybody's getting four tires and back on the track. Go down to Mike Joy. Last caution flag, Rusty Wallace and the Kodiak crew had the quickest pit stop, and again, they get a good pass, four-tire change. And once again, Barney, we go just about 30 laps on this run of green flag racing before the caution comes out, and everybody gets fresh tires on. Bill Parsons had an unscheduled pit stop a while back. As reported, he changed left-side tires. The left rear on that car has been uh, cut down and had a hole in it and was going soft, so that will put him a little further back in the running order. But everyone along here, full tank of Unical gasoline and four fresh tires. Let's, but, go, back. Let's go up to Dave Spain and see what the situation is with Harry Gant. Well, they continue to uh, minister to Harry, who is still in the car. It is stopped against the outside wall at the exit of turn four. And at the time of that incident, Barney, we were just uh, sitting here during the commercial pondering how the racetrack has changed since they've paved it. And the one thing we don't see here in turn three that we used to see was an occasional Richard Petty or, or somebody who likes that high line getting up and running in the third or fourth racing lane and actually sticking the car up close to the wall all the way around. The reason that they don't do that is because when they've laid the pavement here, there's a little bit of a ridge where the two layers of pavement meet, and it's almost like an outside berm. It keeps the cars down. The drivers don't want to go up over that because it upsets the race car. Harry Gant blew the tire right at that seam, which leaves him two racing lanes between him and the wall. So when he took off toward the wall, it was definitely a steep angle of attack, and he hit it pretty hard. He really did. He really gave it a bang up there, and the safety crews continue to work on it. We'll keep you posted on the progress of what's going on up at Harry Gannon as soon as they get him out of the car. Let's go to the pits. Barney, a couple more unscheduled stop. Mark Martin had a lengthy stop in here. Steve Emile's going to call him back in. They had the hood up a momentarily on the uh, Jack Roush throws forward. Now they're going to bring him back in, put four more tires on the car. Greg Sachs is in. They have the air cleaner off the Red Baron Pizza Oldsmobile. Continued problems under the hood for the New York State driver. Working under caution here at the Atlanta International Raceway, Paul Mecca has stepped into the booth to join us from the folks at Sunoco who have announced that they will be staying in the sport of Winston Cup racing again next year. But you folks are shifting from the Brad Nofsinger operation on to Sterling Marlin. It's a good opportunity for both sides, I believe. Oh, we're, we're real excited about it, Eli. And uh, it's, uh, just to go along with uh, Sunoco's real proud racing history, we feel that uh, great opportunity to uh, hook up with a super team with the uh, Billy Hagen-Sterling Marlin operation. Have you folks uh, found the return that you had expected you would from your first major foray into Winston Cup racing? Yes. Uh, two years ago, we had a very small program, a test program with Charlie Rudolph, the Northeastern dirt track driver, and then uh, came in this year with uh, Brad Nofsinger and Mike Kerb, and very happy with uh, the job that Brad did for us as a rookie program. And uh, we decided that we just uh, needed a change in direction in the marketing uh, aspects of the program, and we needed to get up front uh, a lot more quickly than uh, what we wanted to in the past. And when this team became available, we jumped at it. Well, it's good to see that things have worked out, and uh, I understand it'll be car number 94 next year as opposed to the 44 they now run. Right, that's correct, and that goes along with the uh, change in the marketing uh, plans uh, for the 94 uh, octane gasoline that uh, we produce. And uh, 
so that uh, we can tie the whole program together. We put 94 in the race car. Paul Mecca, thanks for coming by. Eli, thank you very much. Paul Mecca from Sunoco. We are working under caution here at the Atlanta International Raceway. Barney, remember earlier in the week, one thing we, we should bring out here is we're about 10 minutes after 3, and this being a later in the year race, and of course it has been over the years, the sun is beginning to be a factor in the driver's eyes as they work down that back straightaway into turn number three. A lot of the fellows are commenting about it in the latter stages of qualifying for the arc of cars on Thursday and for the Winston Cup division on Friday. Maybe not nearly as severe as we saw at Phoenix or, or Rockingham, but it is going to be a factor again here as the drivers really have to work to shield themselves in the sun going up into turn number three. Let's get a word from Dick Brooks on that situation. I, you know, when we sit down in the garage and even they go out and practice and the cars come back in, you can't believe how much stuff is on the windshields. They get pitted from the sand and the dirt that comes up off the racetrack. There's grease and oil on it. There's a little bit of everything. And it's hard just for me to look out of that just as a spectator like I am sometimes to stick my head in there and see through that windshield and to make judgments that are so critical of a matter of inches. I don't see how they do it, Dick. How in the world you just learn to do it over the years? Well, Barney, it's uh, very critical at this racetrack, probably more so than than any other track that I know of because it runs early in the year and it, it, then it runs uh, real late in the season and it, and the sun is way, way down. Uh, this race starts at 1230 or something like that and it's still getting close to being dark when the, when the or sun's way down anyway when it's over and uh, you go right straight into it. You couldn't couldn't plan it any, any more straighter into the sun. And the oil and the, and the pitting and stuff that's on the windshields... Uh, uh, really creates a problem, but by that time, I think uh, you know to, to kind of comment on that in one way or another. By then, you've got kind of a routine. You can—I uh, I don't know—it almost becomes habit of where you turn and and when you slow down and 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 do everything under normal conditions. Where you really have a problem is when you're really really racing with a car or a couple cars, and then you see a flash or something up in front of you, uh, in front of those two or three cars, and you can't see what the flash came from. Uh, then you really realize how much your vision has, has been uh, been taken away. But, uh, you know, the guys get used to it, and they get this and that. One of the things about this racetrack, though, maybe more so over the last two or three years than has ever been before, is that the cars are running in the bottom of the racetrack. The, the corners are extremely long. The, the corners make up uh, two-thirds of the racetrack. And uh, the cars are in the corners a long time. I just talked to Travis Carter, just walked by to see if Harry was okay or if he had talked to him. He said, yeah, and he said, I don't understand this. So we have not had a tire problem of any kind all day. So the tires have been perfect. So all of a sudden the thing pops. You feel very comfortable with it. You're down in the bottom of the racetrack. You're running the best groove you can. And then a tire pops like that, you don't really have time to close your eyes. And you've got to remember these cars, even on this size racetrack, are running 175, 180 miles an hour. When he hits the wall, he's still doing the same speed. And that's an awful hard lick. So I don't know, uh, uh, you know, what they're supposed to do about that. Nothing, I guess. It's, it's all racing. But, but uh, getting the sun and, and, and uh, the impaired vision and then uh, the way the cars are running on the tracks these days as well as they're handling is uh, certainly creating a problem for some of the drivers. And I know that that's in the minds of people like Kale and, and Benny Parsons and a lot of these guys after you've hit hard like that so many times that uh, after a while you think about it, boy, if I hit again, it's going to hurt, you know, so. I know that uh, that happens to a lot of people. Barney, uh, as if in answer to your question, when Bill Elliott was on uh, pit road this last time, uh, our pit runner David Hyde was down there, said that uh, his crew taped a couple of bands of duct tape across the top part of the windshield. 
uh, anticipation of the glare problem going down there into the corner, and it kind of narrows uh, the amount of window he has to look through, but also it'll keep some of that sun from getting right in his eyes. It really is a big problem at several racetracks. Now we're looking up in turn four. They've hooked Harry Gant's car to a wrecker, and they've removed Harry from it, and we'll get word on his condition just as quickly as we can. Barney, we might say one more thing on that. Uh, back years and years ago, when I first came here in 1969, the windshields then were just like sand. They just, uh, just within a few laps, the, the, the windshields were blasted so bad that you couldn't see through them. We used to change a lot of times uh, during practice. We'd change the windshield and we'd change again just before we started the race and then sometimes change during the race. Well, windshields, they started working on those just like all other safety equipment on, on automobiles as the manufacturers did and the vendors and stuff. And they started working on those windshields. And now the windshields these guys are using are tinted a little bit. They're just enough to uh, to cut out the glare, and, and they don't chip. They're a lot harder. They've got a lot harder surface on them than they used to have, and the windshields now are better off than they used to be. Atlanta International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back with you at the Atlanta International Raceway as we continue to work under caution, a chance for us to take a look at some racing results from across the country. It's time for the NASCAR Scoreboard, sponsored by Armor Star Canned Meats, America's number one choice for the great outdoors. Here in Atlanta yesterday, Mickey Gibbs was the winner of the ARCA 500-kilometer event over Tommy Ellis, Tracy Leslie, Bob Keselowski, and Ralph Jones. Tracy Leslie has clinched the ARCA Permatech Supercar Series Championship. By the way, driver Don Marmer was injured during the running of yesterday's event. The doctors here in Atlanta gave out a, multi, a medical alert this afternoon and said that Marmer came through surgery at, uh, earlier this morning. He will require additional surgery for orthopedic injuries later in the week, but according to the doctors, Marmer is responding appropriately to all the commands. There appears to be no neurological involvement. The NASCAR All-American Challenge Series ran a triple header in Florida last weekend, and Butch Miller won all three races. Two events at DeSoto Speedway in Bradenton, one in St. Petersburg. Dave Mater III, however, is the series champion with Lee Falk as the Rookie of the Year. Other champions, of course, Tommy Ellis in the Bush Series, Bush Grand National North going to Jamie Aubie, Mike McGuire Laughlin winning the NASCAR Modified Tour title. The Charlotte Daytona Dash Series to Larry Caudill. The Winston West going to Roy Smith. The Southwest Tour, Roman Kalzinski. The NASCAR Northwest Tour to Ron Eaton. And all of those champions will be inducted to the Gatorade Circle of Champions later in the winter. Butch Miller with his three wins, picking up the NASCAR Armor Can Meets Driver of the Week honors. No surprise there. Alan Kulwicki got the $500 check the week prior after his win in Phoenix. The Van Camp's determination award at Phoenix went to Alan Kulwicki with his first place finish and the $2,000 prize there. And also on the line this afternoon, the Mich- Michigan uh, McCord Engine Builder of the Year Award. Bill Elliott and Rusty Wallace's engine builders battling for that title as the teams are on the racetrack as well. And that brings you up to date on all the racing results from across the country. The Motor Racing Network NASCAR scoreboard has been brought to you by Armor Star Canned Meats, America's number one choice for the great outdoors.
We're back under green, and 19 cars are being shown on the lead lap, and Bill Elliott is back in 19th position. He is the last car on the lead lap. They're over in turn three. And with Rusty Wallace second on the racetrack, I think that means they end up tied for the championship, don't they, Barney? The leader is Mike Alexander. Wallace closing in on him. If they finish that way, they would. They come down to the line. Mike Alexander is the leader. Rusty Wallace rides right behind him. The battle from second on back. It's a dandy in turn one. For the third spot down on the inside of the racetrack, it's a lapped car. Phil Parsons, Jeff Bodine trying to advance. Also the Dale Earnhardt car and Darrell Walter. They're side by side. And also Davey Allison in the thick of that battle for fourth. Allison gets pinched up against the outside wall as Waltrip comes low. Earnhardt tries to hammer his way out of that pack with the lap Bodine right in front of him. Up front, Alexander hangs on. Greg Sachs being hit with a stop-and-go penalty for jumping on that restart as the field streams off turn number four. Everyone chasing Mike Alexander right now. Rusty Wallace right behind him by a car lane. Alexander's trying to get by the lap car. Rick Wilson. Wilson goes up the banking a little bit, opening up the inside line. So Alexander is able to scoot by. Now Wallace, too, will try to pick the inside line and get by. Wallace needs to get back in front. He wants to win the race. Elliott definitely spent more time than he wanted on pit road and is at the tail end of the pack here, running 19th on the racetrack as Wallace goes after the lead. Wallace takes a look down to the inside. He's got running room. Here he comes out of turn number four, going after the lead. Won't be able to get it. He's just about a half a car length back of Alexander. He stands in the throttle, takes it back into turn number one, and he may come up with the lead yet. Pulls it dead even going into turn number one and sweeps around to take the lead. So Wallace is back out in front. Now the battle's for second. Davey Allison goes down to the inside of Mike Alexander. I'll tell you, that cat came to race today. Rusty Wallace hanging it out on the bottom of the racetrack. Makes it stick. Now we'll try to stand off the charge of Davey Allison, who comes around and takes over second spot from Alexander. And let's add another Ford to the equation. Brett Bodine sees an opening on the low side of the racetrack. He had an idea to try and bypass Davey. He couldn't do that, and now Phil Parsons joins Bodine and Mike Alexander in a battle for third. Bodine's on the outside of the racetrack. Phil Parsons down low right behind them. They're also side-by-side. Stacked up there is Jeff Bodine, Dale Earnhardt, and watching all of it go on is Darrell Walter. Well, they're going to keep the drama in this thing right down to the last lap. Wallace leading. Elliott back on the tail end of the pack, and the championship virtually a deadlock at this point up for grabs as the leader Wallace takes it off four. Outstanding racing from about fifth position on back back there as they get door to door. They've been running that way since they put them back under green. Brett Bodine and Dale Earnhardt, Darrell Walker. Terry Labonte all in that battle as they work back to turn two. Back up to the battle for fourth now. Jeff Bodine tries to go to the inside of brother Brett. That move doesn't work. They'll go back into single file off two. And keep in mind that that uh, second pack racing for fourth are now a couple of seconds behind the lead quartet, which has Wallace racing Rick Wilson a lap down on the outside, and Alexander still trying to hold off Davey Allison. 19 cars are still on the lead lap of the 221 lap mark here in Atlanta, Georgia. Rusty Wallace leads. Mike Alexander second and Davey Allison, Jeff Bodine, and here comes a three-wide battle for fifth. Darrell Waltrip takes it way down to the bottom of the racetrack, almost grabs the grass on the inside of the racetrack and trying to get around the Dale Earnhardt car. Earnhardt goes wide to give him some racing room. Now they go back into it side-by-side on the backstretch. And as they do battle down the backstretch, charging along after them are Terry Labonte and Brett Bodine. Down on the inside, Kenny Schrader trying to get a piece of that action. Now Jeff Bodine had that unscheduled pit stop here just before that caution came out, and he lost a couple of laps, so he is two laps off the pace right now, but he's running toward the front of the pack trying to get up there and get one of those laps back at least, as there's still plenty of time to come up with a good finish. 223 are on the board. 328 will make it up here this afternoon of the Atlanta Journal 500. Rusty Wallace just stands in it. Has all day long. He did in qualifying. He's done it in practice. Mike Alexander trying to get his first win in Winston Cup competition as he rides right behind the leader through turns 3 and 4. Davey Allison wanting to finish the season strong this afternoon. He's been at the front of the pack most of the day. Now finds himself 
back there in third position. A little further back comes Earnhardt, then Darrell Walter, then Brett Bodine, and then Terry Labonte. Single file. They're back in two. Single file except for a battle of Jeff Bodine trying to get around the lap car Rick Wilson. Again, Wilson's not on the lead lap, but he's running right there with the front runners and really mixing it up as Bodine's trying to get away from Dale Earnhardt. Elliott continues to stick to his guns. He's not making any charges toward the front. This looked like a possibility when Bill might, in fact, open up the tap and show us what he's got, or perhaps that's all he's got. I mean, the car hadn't been fast all week, has it? Really getting closer, coming through turn number four, but things didn't get quite as close as they could have as Jeff Bodine wants one of those two laps back, and Earnhardt not ready to yield a spot. 17th place on the racetrack is Bill Elliott. The race is still being led by Rusty Wallace. If things ended right now, Elliott would have enough points for the championship, but we are still 103 laps shy of the... We are in Atlanta, Georgia, where Rusty Wallace is leading the Atlanta Journal 500. Greg Sachs has just retired his car, and there are problems on Brett Bodine's machine to his pit. Well, I was just happened to be standing in the pits when they said he was slowing down. I asked Bud Moore what was wrong. He said, I don't know. They came on in, and uh, they've got one or two cylinders gone on the car. It's uh, missing real bad, so they're going to take it behind the wall. Brett Bodine will go to the garage, and right now we'll try and get a word with him here in just a moment. He's also heard. problems with Davey Allison. He's well off the pace. Everyone's getting by Allison. The attrition rate's building in a hurry here in the latter stages of the Journal 500. We'll get the word from some of those drivers here in just a moment. We're about to say that Brett Bodine had one of the best runs they've had this season. He was up in third position on this restart just a moment ago, and then began to drop back a little bit. And he's been running up in front all day. Currently was running sixth when he fell out and came to pit road. We'll find out the complete story there in a moment. 231 laps are on the scoreboard. Rusty Wallace has done exactly what he said. Put his foot in it and never take it out until the checkered flag came down this afternoon. Bill Elliott started all the way back there at about midway in the pack, about 30th position, and just let the race kind of come to him. Got himself up to about 7th or 8th spot, I believe is the best he has run here today. And now just continues to pace himself, try to not get too close to anybody as he crosses the start-finish line. He has about a quarter of a straightaway from traffic behind him and in front of him. He's not taking any chances at all as he works over now to Joe Moore. Car seems to be handling this smoothly, but again, he's not pushing it at all, so there's no problems for Elliott now as he just seems to be kind of blind this time. He's in a great spot right now. He's about 100 yards behind K.O. Yarborough and 50 in front of the next uh, bunch of traffic, so he's got the racetrack all to himself, and that's exactly where he wants to be today. By my count, he's 13th, so he's in good shape. There are 14 cars in the garage area. Davey Allison, whatever the little bobble was, obviously it's not a major problem. He's quickly back up to full racing song in turn two. He lost about five spots here as he came off turn number two. It didn't look as though he lost any kind of control of the car. Just kind of got out of the throttle for a moment, and everybody was able to sweep by. That's a good battle that he is involved in. Earnhardt is third, Walter fourth, Abani fifth, and the lap car of Rick Wilson. They're all running close together. Leader Rusty Wallace across the stripe. We put the clock on him, and it's 2.7 seconds, the separation between first and second. It's about another two seconds on back to Dale Earnhardt, who rides in third. Bill Elliott is indeed posted in 13th position, just confirmed by NASCAR scoring. So he's doing exactly what he needs to do here this afternoon. Field begins to string out just a little bit in this final 100 laps here as the leader takes it over into turn number three. He's found a groove he can live with, and he's the only driver that we saw in qualifying here and I believe came through three and four. And if he lifted, boy, he was off it for a thousandth of a second and just put his foot right back in it. He's found a groove he can live with. Exactly right. He never lifted at all. You wouldn't have thought. Let's see if Jim Phillips has caught up with any of the recent retirees. Yes, we caught up with Greg Sachs. Greg, what put you out of the race today? Well, something that go in the engine, um, you know, something can't be happening. It seemed like in a valve drain, you know, it's faulty parts, I'm sure, because Bob Burns doing just an excellent job in this race team building our engines. And the whole team, the bigger shift team, has done a great job repairing this car today. You know, we had trouble in yesterday's practice, had to bring out a backup car. 
Hadn't made a lap on a track, and it's probably one of the fastest cars out there until we lost the cylinder early. Now later on, it just lost, uh, started to seize up. But I know the Crisco people are looking at us, and we're looking forward to a real big 1989. With the back in the Crisco oil and AC Spark Plus, we're looking for big things in 89. Greg Sachs is out of it this afternoon as the garage area continues to fill up, and we're going to try to chase down Brett Bodine. Problems with Brad Nofsinger's car. A lot of smoke from behind the Sunoco Buick. Everybody looking towards the racetrack. And the NASCAR officials are doing the same as the engine seemed to let go here on the front straightaway. If indeed that was a problem, a plume of smoke. Now the question is, does Nofsinger have enough speed left to make it all the way around the racetrack? He has slowed dramatically, obviously, out of power on the backstretch. But there is no caution displayed so far. 237 laps are on the board. Rusty Wallace continues to lead. He doesn't really want to see a caution flag necessarily. He's got things going his way right now. Well, he'd like to just stay out there and keep his foot in it like he has all day long. And no caution is forthcoming on the speedway, so apparently Nofsinger didn't put down too much on the racetrack. Again, we'll run you up through the attrition rate. Brett Bonine just falls out in the last few laps. So did Greg Sachs. Harry Gant crashed and hit the wall up in three and four and has been taken to the infield care center, but apparently is all right, as Jim Phillips reported. He came out and has gone to the truck to change clothes, and we may still be able to get a word with him. A.J. Foyt is out. Derek Cope, Benny Parsons, Rodney Combs, H.B. Bailey, Richard Petty cut a tire down and hit the wall over in turn two earlier this afternoon. He is out of it, along with Blake Speed and Jimmy Means, Tommy Ellis, and Dale Jarrett, and Morgan Shepard, the cars we're showing behind the wall. Let's go to the garage area. And we've caught up with Brett Bodine. Brett, you have a great run today. What put you out? Well, something happened to the motor, uh, Jim. It just very unfortunate thing. The car was running so darn good. You know, we finally worked our way back up there. Maybe we could give them a run up front. And uh, it just started missing. And uh, I was starting to smell some oil back in the car. Maybe it you know, might have started to burn a piston or, you know, a tore ring up or something. But uh, it's a real shame. I mean, uh, I was trying to hang on to 20th and points, you know, and that pays some money at the banquet. And it just it's just typical of the season. But, you know, we're... We've been running too good to get down, and, you know, we'll get the motor problems figured out, and we're going to win us some races in 89. Any pick on who the strongest car is left? Well, I think Davey's awful strong. Uh, you know, and Rusty looks awful good. Mike Alexander, it'll, it'll be between those three. Brett Bodine's out of here this afternoon at the Atlanta Journal 500. Been a pretty good race going on for the last seven or eight circuits around the speedway for third place between Dale Earnhardt and Darrell Waltrip. Currently, Earnhardt has it. Waltrip had it a moment ago. Earnhardt comes right back and moves into the spot as 240 laps come up on the scoreboard. Darrell's car at times today has really been tough, and at times also the handle has gone away on it in both ends of this racetrack, and he's drifted very high. That's probably cost him more distance and more positions on the speedway than anything else as they work back over in turn two. You're right, Belt Carney has been mighty inconsistent here on Waltrip's car. Sometimes we've seen it pushing up here at this end of the speedway. Other times he puts it right at the bottom of the racetrack and is able to stay there and, and hold off any kind of contention for the spot. Last couple of times by, maybe he cooled the tires down a little bit by laying back somewhat, but he has been able to deal with Earnhardt, and it's an ongoing battle there for third. At this end of the racetrack, it seems to be in its drift high mode. He's having trouble keeping the car low, but Earnhardt's handle has gone away too, so Dale has basically backed up to race with Daryl, and now they're side-by-side side going off into one. It's 3.19 seconds from first place, Rusty Wallace. Back to the second-place runner, Mike Alexander. Back in the 13th spot is where you'll find Bill Elliott. 18 cars remain on the lead lap. We'll be right back. It's still Rusty Wallace leading the Atlanta Journal 500 here at the Atlanta International Raceway. Let's give you a complete rundown of those on the lead lap behind Rusty. Mike Alexander is second, Dale Earnhardt. 
was running third moments ago. Then Darrell Waltrip fourth. Labonte fifth. And Davey Allison sixth. Seventh is Alan Kowicki. Eighth belongs to Michael Waltrip. Ricky Rudd is ninth. And tenth, Kenny Schrader. Eleventh spot is Kale Yarborough. And here's Dale Earnhardt on pit road. Let's go to his stop. Well, he comes in just, uh, I guess, to make a routine stop. I don't know. They, this is a little bit early, but uh, they didn't do anything other than just step out there with a the board. It doesn't look like he's got a bad tire. They are changing right side tires. They drop him down in a good quick pit stop, and away he goes. This has been the longest, Mike Joy pointed out just a moment ago, it's been the longest segment that we've had under green without pit stops because just about all of them have been made under caution here this afternoon. Let's pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. Mark Martin has gone down a lap, and also Dale Earnhardt, after making that stop, is now a lap down to the lead car, Rusty Wallace. 248 are up on the scoreboard. Let's go to the garage and Jim Phillips. And we've caught up with Brad Nossinger, who had to park the Sunoco Buick. Brad, what put you out of it? Well, we had a little bit of a, a miss in the motor, and we tried running it a little bit extra, and it just didn't make it. How about your race today? You were in that Rookie of the Year challenge. Well, we weren't really in the challenge, kind of between Kenny and Ernie. But we were, you know, we were running third, and, we, you know, we wanted all the extra points we could get, so it didn't look like we got beat so bad. But we had a good run going today. We were a couple laps ahead of Ernie, and we were running right in the lead group until just later on in that race. And, you know, the motor lost the cylinder, and we just kept trying, and sooner or later, you know, it just went. So Brad Nofsinger's out of it here this afternoon. It was 39 laps between One car the wall. Kowicki's before. Alan Kowicki's in the wall. He just it looked like he just lost the right front as he come off of turn four. Hit the wall, went scooting down it, and he's been able to keep it straight down the front straightaway. That will put the yellow flag on the field. Caution is on the racetrack. Kulwicki with severe damage to the right side of the car. You can tell he hit the wall pretty good, but he apparently hit it flush sideways. The car continues to limp around the racetrack with smoke pouring out of it. He's down on the apron of the track in turn number one, but it has brought out the caution flag, and this is going to be a break for a lot of the drivers, especially the way Rusty Wallace has been getting around this racetrack. Out front all by himself, he is literally flying and leaving everybody with a chance to win, putting more and more daylight on the field. Here they come on the pit road. Darrell Walter for pit, so will Terry Labonte. Now, right now, Mike Alexander is in the pits. Let's go down to Mike Joy. Well, lately, first in has been first out. The Kodiak Pontiac team again. They'll put four tires on that automobile and give him gas and get Rusty Wallace gone. Uh, also, Daryl Walter making a quick early stop. He has beaten the field on pit road on one occasion today. Terry Labonte's car comes down off the jack on the right side. They go quickly around to the left, and these will be quick stops down at this end. Dick Brooks. Right down by Kenny uh, Schrader's pits. And uh, what we were talking about while ago about the windshield, actually looking at his car, his windshield cleaned up when they cleaned it up. When he first came in, you couldn't even see him sitting in there, just like he's in the dark. Then when they cleaned it up, the windshield cleaned up. So what we were talking about earlier about the uh, don't chip or pit like they used to is really holding true. Cale Yarbrough just comes in. He's going to make uh, possibly his last stop of, the, of his career. I may have one more. Uh, Rick Wilson's right in front of him. are changing four tires on his car. They're going to let him go. So we are under caution again for the ninth time this afternoon. It came out on lap 250 as Alan Kowicki caught the wall in turn number four, very much like he did in Dover, Delaware earlier this year. We had a good run going and found the wall in the corner. Well, he scrubbed it off pretty good, but Alan Kowicki may be able to continue. He also needs to get some more laps here if he can this afternoon, but he hit it a pretty good lick. Well, one of the, one of the things that helped him a little bit uh, over what uh, Gant did and Petty did is that he was almost off the turn. He hit it up what and what. what right in front of the Ford grandstand, and uh, he hit a whole lot different angle than the rest of them did. 
Looks like uh, Larry Pearson's having trouble getting going up in turn number four. Now the car fires. It almost completely stalled right in the middle of the corner. Now he gets it to come to life again as he is moving down the front straightaway. And it will be quite a lap or two here before we get back to green. And he had slowed before Dave Despain. Had he not just prior to that caution flag? Yeah, he came by just uh, before the caution flag. Looked like he was dropping off the pace and then kind of sped back up the following lap. And uh, we almost commented on it and then thought, well, no, he must have it back under control. But apparently it was something else wrong. Barney, it's a long time waiting for Bill Elliott to make his pit stop. Ernie has been out with the pit board for the last two laps, but it looks like the Elliots uh, wanted to get a completely clear pit lane before they put the man who would be would, uh, Winston Cup champion. Elliott's got, got a left front tire that is completely shredded. He's running on the inner liner, so you talk about luck, huh? And here he is under the caution flag. None of the sheet metal on that left front corner has been uh, bent away. So the Coors Ford on pit road. They do get those left side bolts undone as the right side tire change is affected. Jack comes around to the left side of the car. See if they have any problems removing the left front. As the car is up and they do not. It comes off cleanly and they get a new left front tire up on there. Now the question is, is that car running right down, not quite but nearly on the rim? Did they do any damage under the car? And two crew men are looking underneath as the car is jacked way up in the air on the left side to see if uh, uh, any of the braided lines that run back toward the car. There is a bit of smoke coming out and I believe that is uh, exhaust system which runs and exits out the left side of the car. Uh, you'll be able to tell that when he comes by if there's some popping air getting into that system uh, before the exhaust all exits. We'll check with the crew when they have a minute after they've completed their duties and uh, and uh, make sure that there was no further damage underneath the car. How about a Joe Moore in front of you? Not seeing any smoke over here. The car seems like it sounds pretty good. So Bill Elliott is back on the racetrack as we are working caution here on lap 253. Doug Chittister has joined us here in the booth for a moment, the sales promotions manager for the folks from Legs, associate sponsor with Piedmont Airlines, of course, on the Sterling Marlin racing entry. That's been a good association for you. Of course, a change is in store for 1989, but I know the folks from Legs have been very much pleased, very pleased with what's gone on here this year. That, that's right, Eli. It's, it's been a great year for us. We've got this last race here. Sterling's been running well. And we're looking uh, for some more exciting things next year. And, of course, you just look around this racetrack today. How many women are in attendance at Winston Cup races? That number continues to grow and grow and grow. That's right. That's why we're involved and, and Underalls is involved because uh, we're a favorite of the uh, female fan here that uh, follows motorsports. Well, it's great to see you. And I know the folks... Uh, all involved with uh, Legs, the division of Sarah Lee Corporation. Happy to be part. Underall's been a major part of the uh, Sterling Marlin operation. Good to see you. Thank you, Eli. Let's go back to Pit Road. Well, they've had Bill Elliott back in and had the Coors uh, hood up on the Coors Ford here for a moment, wiping off the windshield and checking. There is a bit of uh, smoke coming out from underneath the car. It looked as if it would be exhaust and not a line, but they sent him back without putting the car uh, back up in the air. They sent Elliott back out, and uh, now the team is in huddle. Uh, again, just trying to figure out if there is a problem, and if so, uh, of what magnitude. 254 laps are on the board. It'll all be over here very shortly in the Atlanta Journal 500. Rusty Wallace, his game plan has come together just about perfect for him. He's led a great deal of this race, been right up there in the thick of things. That's what he needed to do is win it. And you've got to give Elliott a lot of credit. It's got to be hard, as competitive as that driver is and the kind of equipment he has, to do what he needed to do. He's a thinking race driver. A lot of folks, as we said, I've said it a couple of times a day, that you, you almost feel like, you know, it's not the Bill Elliott that we're used to seeing that, to charge to the front when mm-hmm. the car is there. But he's doing what he has to do. Exactly. He's biding his time. I'd asked him the other day whether the pressure on him running for the championship was anything like what he endured going for the Winston Million and all those great wins of his back in 1985. Any pressure comparison? There's no comparison. 85 was much worse. You know, I was new to this. Still, I was 
I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to expect. You know, so many things were being thrown at me that it was... 85 was a tough year for me personally, trying to deal with everything going on. You know, and even if I had won a championship in 85, you know, it wouldn't have meant what it would mean now because of all that pressure and all that, you know, you were being pulled in so many different directions. All you wanted was out. You know, and it was just a, a total different deal. But once you had a couple of years to reflect on what went through 85, you, you could sit down and realize and, and kind of put things in perspective. So Bill Elliott and pressure, that's probably a word he'll be happy not to have to hear again after this day is over. That pressure has been unbearable, I'm sure. 255 laps on the board. The running order at the moment has Rusty Wallace on the leaderboard ahead of Ricky Rudd. Michael Waltrip was showing up there, but of course this is in the midst of uh, the pit stops that are ongoing. So we'll get the complete rundown and get back to green flag racing shortly from Atlanta, Georgia. There are a lot of jokes about plain water. And one of them is cooling power, if that's all your radiator has in it. Hi, this is Kyle Petty with a hot tip about keeping cool this summer. Don't trust water alone to do it, because when you really need maximum cooling power, water can boil. That's why peak cooling always goes in my car before I do, because peak beats the heat. Peak gives you boil-over protection to over 260 degrees. Plain water is for goldfish, but peak beats the heat. cuts through thirst like Gatorade Thirst Quencher. It speeds in fluids and minerals and supplies energy to working muscle. I'm thirsty, thirsty, thirsty for that Gatorade. Gatorade is thirsty for that Talk with the stars of NASCAR racing. It's NASCAR Live with Eli Gold, Tuesday night at 7 Eastern on many of these motor racing network stations. It'll be either Bill Elliott or Rusty Wallace joining us Tuesday. Hope you can be along for the conversation. Let's go to the garage area, Jim Phillips. And Alan Kowecki has parked his Ford Thunderbird. Alan, it's the right side is really smashed in. Well, we blew a tire coming off the fourth turn there and hit the wall. And that's really too bad because the Xerox Amico Ford Thunderbird was running really good. Uh, we ran real well early in the race, and a bolt came out of the hood hinge, and we had to replace that and got behind. Car got a little bit loose, but we were coming back real strong there at the end. And... Uh, Everything was looking good, and we just blew that tire. It's really an up-and-down business. Yeah, it sure is. You know, uh, last time we won, and you know, we were heroes, and today it, it didn't go so good. But it's been a good year for us. We won a race. We're over the hill, and we're going to come back stronger next year. Alan Kowicki's out over here this afternoon in the Atlanta Journal 500. From the Atlanta International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. <laughs> We are here in Atlanta, Georgia, getting set to go back to green in just a moment. Let's, however, check in on yet another Bill Elliott pit stop. Being a little tight-lipped down here in the uh, in the Melling pits, uh, there is nothing leaking uh, from the Coors Ford. But when the car drove around the racetrack on that left front rim, and uh, they credited that Goodyear inner safety liner and keeping that car uh, from out of the wall and allowing Bill to get back into the race. But there is a little bit of smoke coming from behind that left front wheel. Dan, have you got anything leaking there? No, we just wanted to make sure we're at the rear of the field anyway, so we just we had plenty of time. We wanted to make sure nothing was wrong, and... Let's go racing. 
Okay, there was a little bit of smoke from the car, and they took a long time cleaning off the something off the windshield here on this last stop. So they're set to go. They cross the finish line here with a yellow flag still out. At least one more lap and possibly two before we'll go back to green. 258 are on the scoreboard. The laps are winding down, and tension is beginning to build a little bit in this thing as the fans were jumping up on their feet every time Elliott came onto pit road to see what was going on down there. But apparently, as Dan Elliott said, everything's all right. Let's update a couple of other items, Barney, while we have an opportunity here. The P. Cool Move of the Race Award that MRN's broadcast crew we've been voting on all season long. Right now, Rusty Wallace has 35 points on the season-long point total system ahead of Davey Allison, who has 32 points. So those gentlemen battling for the $10,000 season-ending award from Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant. Of course, uh, Rusty holding that slim lead over Davey. Davey's won four times this season and leads in overall wins, but Rusty has gotten more nominations on the overall. So we'll update that for you a bit later on uh, today. At this point, they're showing 13 cars on the lead lap here as we get set to wrap up this caution. Rusty Wallace will be the leader when they put him back under green. Ricky Rudd has now moved up into the number two position. And Mike Waltrip's had a good run. We pointed out a little bit earlier this afternoon that they were very consistent. He is third. Fourth is Bobby Hillen. Fifth is Neil Bonnet. Sixth right now is Jim Sauter. Seventh is Cale Yarborough. As Cale continues to work his way back to the front also, Elliott is being posted eighth at this rundown. Now he's going to drop back a little bit further because he made that pit stop just a moment ago. That will move Davey Allison up into eighth position. And Darrell Waltrip should move up into ninth. And then Mike Alexander, Terry Labonte, and Kenny Schrader would be the running order as they get ready to go back to green. One to go will be the indication from Harold Kinder this time as he waves the field by. Jim Graham will turn the lights off atop the safety car. Earlier in the broadcast, you might have heard a commercial message that talked about some heartbeat of America sportswear. Compliments are available through, we should say, the folks at uh, Chevrolet and Motor Racing Network. If you didn't get a chance to pick up that phone number earlier, it is toll-free, one 800 If you'd like more information or to order the Heartbeat of America Sportswear. Field forming up for a double file restart over in turn number two, and it's getting down toward the end of this thing as the sun sinks a little bit lower in the western part of the sky here this afternoon. I think, will they have to make another pit stop, Nick? Nick Brooks? Well, I think so. I think... uh... Uh, they can run about 85 or 90 miles unless somebody's added some tanks just for the last race, just for a good reason in case they had to. I think they're going to have to stop with about 15, 20 laps to go. <laughs> We're going to have 68 laps to go when they cut them loose here. That's exactly what's left to run. There's 259 on the board and 328 will make up the distance. So as they drop the green, there will be 68 laps remaining. They're over in front of Dave Despain. And Dale Earnhardt is lined up in front of Rusty Wallace as they turn back around for the restart. Bill Elliott out back on the field and all the attention will be focused on Elliott's Ford and whether or not it is indeed in top shape for those remaining 68 laps. It will lead to a million-dollar championship. Dale Earnhardt is on the tail end of the lead lap, hence his position directly ahead of Rusty Wallace there. So Rusty will try and put Earnhardt a lap down here in a hurry. The green flag waving from Harold Kinder. Here they come. Mark Martin has the middle occupied. Drivers go to the right and to the left of him, and they'll square it off back into the corner. So Earnhardt is ahead of the parade, although on the tail end of the lead lap. The leader is still Rusty Wallace as they come off the corner. Wallace quickly gets some distance between he and third-place car, Ricky Rudd. Third place is going to be a battle between Rudd and Mike Waltrip. Waltrip looks up the outside, nothing there. Looks down to the inside, finds Jeff Bodine occupying that spot and has to follow Rudd through the corner. Elliott comes right back up to speed in turn three. 
The leader, meanwhile, breaks free of traffic. He's out there all by himself. Rusty Wallace ahead of him, of course, is Dale Earnhardt. He's on the tail end of the lead lap. The battle's back there for second, but make that third spot as they work back into turn number one. It's a good one. Good run for Mike Waltram. He holds the third spot and just drove away from Jeff Bodine. Bodine was trying to get by him on the inside, but it didn't work. Now Bodine's having to deal with Phil Parsons here on the backstretch. Those two lap cars side-by-side side blocking the path of Rick Wilson, who'd like to get around them and come up and challenge Mike Waltram. Waltram, meanwhile, has his sights set on Ricky Rudd. Rick I, think Wilson. Jeff, I think Jeff Bodine's got a window net problem. They're going to bring him in and try to fix it. The, the, there's something blowing from into the windshield of the window net. We'll keep an eye on that situation as the lead cars are back in turn two. Further back in the field, we're watching Bill Elliott's car. We don't see any smoke or any kind of problems with his machine. Once again, as earlier this afternoon, Elliott just kind of pacing himself here for the time being. Bill sitting back there taking it easy with the reduced number of cars left in the race. Everybody who drops out, of course, works to his advantage, but he is sticking to his conservative guns here today. Car appears to be healthy. No signs of problems here in three and four. If things stay the way they are, again, if you're just joining us along the way, it would be enough for Bill Elliott to grab the Winston Cup championship. The man really making some noise now is Michael Waltrip. He's running a strong third. He just dove to the inside of Ricky Rudd and picked up the spot. Some tire smoke off of Waltrip's car coming off turn number two, but he certainly has gone around and picked up the second position. Mike has one of the few cars on this end of the racetrack that will work on the bottom. He's had the option of running down low when he wants to, and now he's using a lane lower line to keep Rudd at bay and, in fact, pick up a car like He's 1.6 seconds behind the leader, Rusty Wallace, and he'd like to pull out a victory here this afternoon also. Ricky Rudd still rides third as they work back into turns one and two. The best battle on the racetracks back there for about seventh and eighth position. Darrell Waltrip and all those guys that got caught back toward the tail end of the field. They're over in front of Joe Moore. Waltrip's trying to hold it at the bottom of the racetrack, and once again, he's not able to do it. Bobby Hillen goes around on the outside, makes a move there. Also, Davey Allison gets by Waltrip. Jim Sauter has dropped out of that pack, slowed down dramatically, and pulled to the inside. Sauter was having perhaps his best run ever here today. Michael Waltrip, who had the victory in the Bush Series race in his brother Darrell's car at Dover Downs, and of course a strong second-place finish in Pocono, Pennsylvania, behind the race winner Jeff Bodine. Wouldn't this be a way to cap the season for Michael Waltrip? He's still got time and the opportunity, but Rusty Wallace is awfully strong. He has not for the moment, Dave, made the effort to put Dale Earnhardt a lap away, but at least keeping him directly in front of him. Well, he's leading the race, so he's where he needs to be, and uh, I don't think he perceives Earnhardt as the guy he's got to beat at this moment. The old look to the inside as they come up the front shoot. Wallace is a racer. I think these guys are mostly out there just finishing up the season with a lot of fun. Wallace took a look under Earnhardt to put him a lap down as they came off the corner up there. Thought better of it as they worked back to turn number two. Now when these two get to racing, or for that matter anybody, really starts pressuring Rusty Wallace for a position on the racetrack, he says the adrenaline really gets to flowing. He likes it. Possibly, you know, I get real defensive and I get real uh, I mean, I think my eyes probably turn into size of silver dollars and I really start eating on the steering wheel. Uh, kind of like Daryl Waltrip was. Uh, like when Waltrip was riding my rear end at Charlotte, I got driving pretty doggone hard. He's driving pretty doggone hard right now behind Dale Earnhardt. And you wouldn't think he'd do that because he doesn't have anything to prove particularly. All he needs to do is just hold on to what he has. But he wants to put Earnhardt a lap down in turn two, and he's er- going for it. Earnhardt's almost got it sideways here in turn two. The car really slipped on him. And, of course, Wallace able to take advantage of that. He slips by and gets around to put Earnhardt down a lap. As they come into three, let's see if Wallace can make it stick. Earnhardt has to turn under and 
and settle for falling a full lap behind now as Wallace continues to exert himself here. It was exactly as Joe Moore called it as soon as Dale Earnhardt's car got somewhat sideways. That was the opening Rusty Wallace wanted. And then as he has earlier in the afternoon, Rusty went into turn number three and stayed on the low side of the racetrack. Smoke from Kyle Petty's machine, the Sitco Ford Thunderbird, and the final appearance for Kyle and the Wood Brothers now begins to smoke steadily around the racetrack as we are at lap 268, 328 make up the total distance this afternoon. Only three cars remain on the track at lap 272 here in Atlanta, Georgia, closing in on the waning laps of the Atlanta Journal 500. The lead still held by Rusty Wallace over Michael Waltrip. A good battle between Ricky Rudd and Davey Allison for third and fourth, and then Daryl Waltrip in fifth. Jim Sauter is out of the race. He's in the garage. Jim Sauter, you parked your Oldsmobile. What put you out of the race? Uh, we broke a flywheel, believe it or not, and uh, I had a vibration ever since we've been here, and and I couldn't attribute that to the flywheel. We had two or three different motors in here. But uh, it was bad today. It would come and go, and we had a new drive shaft in it. You know, we tried everything we could, and this is just the way it works. Basic run despite all the vibration. I think so. I didn't get many laps on the car. The old Slender U uh, Oldsmobile really ran good. I'm proud of the guys. They did as good as we could for what we, the time we had, along with everything else this weekend. So Jim Sauter is another driver in the garage area this afternoon. The interval between first and second is now 3.8 seconds, so Rusty Wallace continues to put nothing but daylight on the whole field here this afternoon. He's never looked over his shoulder all day long. Boy, he has kept her down and kept it in the wind this afternoon. 275 are on the scoreboard. 328 will make it up. It'll all be over very shortly, and either Bill Elliott or Rusty Wallace will be the Winston Cup champion for 1988. Wallace out of turn number two down the back straightaway. There should be one more round of pit stops coming up, according to all our pit reports. That might be critical on what happens here this afternoon. But for the moment, the field, after they put them under green some 15 laps ago, is strung out all the way around this racetrack again. Not a real close battle anywhere on the track at this time. Mike Joy had been standing by down on pit road. Let's see if we get an update from him. Michael? Well, a bunch of happy folks in yellow suits here in the Country Time Eliminate pits. That's the car that, uh, that Mike Walker drives. And Mike Beam, I mean, this looks like a replay of Pocono here. He's giving that car quite a ride. I tell you, Mike, we beat on that we beat on that sun gun all day. We, we thought we was pretty close yesterday evening. We changed everything this morning. You know, Mikey is, is close. And then we tore up the tires, so we had to change everything. And we've just beat on it all day. Mike's doing a good job. Mahari, country time team, you know. We're just going to do the best we can. Hold on. Well, they got a second place up at Pocono earlier this season, and Mike, one of those drivers that came here today looking for his first win, and right now he's in good position in second place. Some changes up there. They'll have their own internal engine program next season and trying to move up and run a little better, but they're running pretty super right now. He does have his hands full, though, with Davey Allison in turn three. Davey looks underneath, finds room there, drives around Mike Waltrip. Davey not to content to let Rusty Wallace run away, but I'm not sure at this point that he can catch Rusty. Rusty is five seconds ahead now of the Davey Allison and Michael Waltrip battle for second and third spot, then Ricky Rudd and Mike Alexander. Motor Racing Network bringing you coverage of the Atlanta Journal 500. And again, we suggest that you might want to write or call the radio station you're listening to and thank them for airing MRN broadcast because it is the listener response that the station uses to determine what they will carry for the next racing season. And again, to let you know exactly what station you're listening to, we'll pause 10 seconds on Motor Racing Network for station identification. Alongside Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold, the entire MRN crew on hand here for the season 
finale on the Winston Cup Tour, the Atlanta Journal 500. The attrition list continues to grow now as the Stroll Light Ford being pushed back up pit road towards the garage area. Let's check in in the garage with Jim Phillips. And we've caught up with Kyle Petty making his last run in the Wood Brothers Ford. Kyle, what puts you out? I guess we dropped the valve. We dropped it about 70 laps ago, 100 laps ago or something. I've been running around on seven cylinders that long. But we've been running under green. You didn't notice it because the tires were hot. I could run wide open around the racetrack, and it didn't slow us down that much. So just one of those deals. Not the way you want to end it with the Wood Brothers. No, that's probably not the way you want to end it, but, you know, everybody can't end it like they want to. If you wanted to, end it every, if everybody could end it like they wanted to, Benny and Kale would be win- the winners here, not us, man. Those are the thoughts of Kyle Petty. Eddie Wood said yesterday that Kyle learned a lot from the Wood Brothers, but the Woods also learned a lot from Kyle over four years. Yeah, I think we kind of helped each other. He come along at a, at a good time for us, and, and I think we did for him too. And, uh, you know, we were together for four years. We ran some good races and, and won a couple. And, uh, you know, all in all, we had a good relationship. Rusty Wallace continues to lead here at Atlanta, 281 laps on the board. Larry Pearson made the left turn to the garage area a moment ago. He is out of it, and Mark Martin's car also has been pushed into the garage. And that's going to leave us uh, somewhere between 20 or 21 cars still out there running. So the attrition rate has eat up more than half the field here at Atlanta this afternoon. 282 laps are on that scoreboard. 328 will make up the distance. The situation, Rusty Wallace has just had a field day here this afternoon in the Atlanta Journal 500. He's gotten behind as he has in recent races, been able to come right back up through the field and is the cream of the crop and has been all day long as he works his way out of turn number four and comes back down to the start-finish line. He has a very healthy lead on Davey Allison right now a full straightaway here at Atlanta. That's just about a quarter of a mile. Dropping back to third position now is Michael Waltrip as the laps wind down. Mike Joy, any indication as to when they'll make that final pit stop or will they just kind of play it by ear? I'd look forward to about 15 laps to go. Uh, as Dick pointed out earlier, they can go about 90 miles here on a tank of fuel, but nobody has run much more than 30 laps either in practice or during the race on a single set of tires. I think that's why we saw Dale Earnhardt come in after putting about 45 to 50 laps on his tires to make a change. So uh, probably about 50 laps from that last series of pit stops under caution. We'll see everybody in here. Certainly everyone will have to make that one final pit stop. We're talking about Mike Waltrip having a good run. He was up in second position. He finished second up at Pocono in one of the races up there in midsummer. And he told us recently, some weeks ago, we were doing a piece with him for the Motor Racing Network deal here on what we call the drop-ins, the tape part of the interviews that we do. And he said he has a lot more confidence in himself than he ever has, and that's one reason that he's running so much better. Yeah, uh, you know, driving driving those bush cars really helped. You know, that that was neat, driving and running up front and stuff and winning the race at Dover. But uh, just in the Winston Cup car itself, every race we go to, it seems like Mike Beam is able to get a car under me that I'm able to race with, you know, and you tear off from the beginning with a car you're comfortable with, and you can really do some racing. So uh, I think that's helped more than anything. He's got a lot of confidence, and he's another one of the young drivers that's going to be in victory lane one of these days. 285 on the board. We'll be back. 290 laps are on the board here in Atlanta. Rusty Wallace doing what he needs to do. He needs to try and win this Winston Cup race. Bill Elliott also trying to do what he needs to do, and that is finish somewhere in the top 18 to assure himself the Winston Cup championship. We'll continue to monitor those numbers for you, but one man whose afternoon has ended early is in the garage with Jim Phillips. And we've caught up with Mark Martin, who's parked his Thunderbird. Mark, what puts you in the garage area? Well, uh, we, we broke a rocker arm. Quite a while back when a car was running, but, you know, in the top five, top ten all the time. And Strollite Thunderbird was running good. We hadn't turned it all loose yet at that point. 
Uh, feel like we might have had a chance to win this one and feel for sure we had a top five run going. No tire trouble. The car was just beautiful, but that's an awful long way to run with a broken uh, rocker arm, and I think it, it took its toll on the piston, and we had to park it. So Your team's already geared up for next year, though. Everything's looking good. We're, uh, I think today was just uh, a preview of what this team's going to do next year, every race. We've, uh, you know, we, we've come a long way together, and I think we know now a lot more of what we need and what we don't need. And we're real optimistic about 1989 and the 89 Thunderbird and having Strolight with us again. You know, Jack Roush and, and uh, Steve Mill and everybody's done a, a fabulous job and, and uh, they deserve a tremendous amount of credit. Let's go back up to the tower for the championship race. Dale Earnhardt was just on pit road. Let's go down to Dick Brooks. Well, Richard Childers said that they were having a problem about every 30 to 35 laps, and they were coming in just so they didn't have a tire problem, and uh, they did that. He said they could run about 60 laps on a tank of gas, but there was no need to stretch it, so uh, that was just that was a planned stop. This should be the final stop of the day for Dale Earnhardt. Rusty Wallace still leads Davey Allison and Mike Waltrip, 294 on the board. It's hard to believe that our whole season is going to be over here very shortly, too. It really seems that way. It's, it's amazing the way things have unfolded here in 1988. It's been a good season, but a quick season. You know, the last time, just looking back over the record books here, the last time a Ford won the Winston Cup title, uh, David Pearson, back in 1969. It's been a while since a Ford has had the overall honors. Going to be some happy folks here today if Bill Elliott pulls it out, and apparently it looks like unless he has some totally something unforeseen happen to the car right now, he's got a real good shot at doing it. It is a partisan crowd here this afternoon. As we pointed out a little earlier, every time he's been on pit road, just about everybody in the house jumps up because they want to see what's happening to his car. Don't forget at the conclusion of today's Atlanta Journal 500 broadcast, Barney and I will be selecting the Have a Tampa Close But No Cigar Award, the winning driver being awarded $200 from Havitampa Cigars. The members of the media in attendance today also voting the Goodies Headache Award to the driver who suffers the hardest luck during the running of the event. $750 there, plus a $250 donation from Goodies Manufacturing to the Brenner Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Spirited battle between 5th place Ricky Rudd and 6th place Daryl Waltrip. They've been going door to door almost getting back and forth, swapping that position for the last 4 or 5 laps around. Rudd holds on to it this time. Daryl trails him off into turn one. What's interesting this time is that Waltrip's the one able to hold his car at the bottom of the racetrack. It's Rudd, if anyone, who's skittering up the banking a little bit. That's giving Waltrip the advantage. Rudd's got to be wondering if the car will make it to the finish line this time. They've had a terrible, terrible run of luck with engines in that machine. Everything else with the team's been squared away, but they've had a lot of niggling engine problems. Meanwhile, Elliott continues to circulate, and can you imagine how closely he's listening for all the little sounds that a car can make? Bill still being shown in 11th place, so if things don't change, that would be more than enough to clinch the title. Let's go back downstairs. Eli, one thing the two teams are going to have to make a decision on, and I couldn't get an answer out of them, uh, is what they're going to do when they come in and get fuel. If they're going to uh, take tires, been, there's been a little bit of a tire problem here today. They're going to have to decide whether they're going to take the right side tires and take a chance on uh, you know, messing up, cutting a lug or uh, busting a lug off or uh, dropping a jack or, or anything that can happen during a pit stop or just take the fuel and go ahead and run one of the tires the way they are. So it's going to be a pretty good decision here in about uh, 10 laps. 
I'm sure they've got that all sorted out. At least they should have by this time. That battle again between Daryl Waltrip and Ricky Rudd is a door-to-door confrontation now in the middle of the backstretch. And let's see if Daryl can keep that car on the bottom. He better be able to because he's under Ricky Rudd, and if it drifts up high, they're both in trouble. It does drift a little high, and Rudd has to cut back underneath him and make an evasive move. He'll try to repass out of four. As they come back off the corner, Ricky Rudd trying to make that return move. He and Daryl Waltrip are side-by-side. Waltrip winning the drag race to the stripe. Further back, you've also got Labonte and Trey battling for position here on the racetrack and for a position on the overall Winston Cup point standings. We're in turn two. And the body has some problems. We've been seeing smoke from his car for the last 10 or 15 laps. It doesn't seem to affect the handling or the running of the car. He's staying right there with Kenny Schrader. But again, the smoke continues to pour out of the Budweiser Chevrolet. He has been dropping back a little bit uh, during the course of the last 50 laps as the smoke comes out of that Chevy, the last Junior Johnson Chevy. That'll be a Ford team next year. Bill Elliott's going to have to make another decision here in a little bit. Rusty Wallace is closing in to lap Bill Elliott. And the question is, should I race him or should I let him go? Only 28 laps remain in the Atlanta Journal 500. And the 1988 Winston Cup season will ring down here at Atlanta this afternoon. We'll see one more round of pit stops. About the only top car that has been in to take that final stop has been Dale Earnhardt. We're not seeing a whole lot of pit activity. Just about everybody propped up on the wall watching these cars twirl around here. And as yet... We see no sign of activity down toward Mike Joy or anywhere else, but they've got to come in in the next few laps. Where there is activity right now is some of the fans here in the grandstands beginning to unfurl the signs to gentlemen carrying a congratulations Bill Elliott Winston Cup champion sign. This obviously very much of a partisan crowd here in Georgia, and they'd like to see Bill take it all home this afternoon. We are just 27 laps from the conclusion. Now 26 remain. Rusty Wallace is leading the race, but Bill Elliott is in the position to grab his Winston Cup championship. From the Atlanta International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 24 laps remain here in Atlanta, Georgia at the Winston Cup season finale, the Atlanta Journal 500. Mike Joy is standing by in the Bill Elliott pit area, still a handful or so laps away from that final pit stop, right, Mike? Well, they're not moving too quickly, but up here in the Rusty Wallace pit, uh, things have moved along. Uh, Barry Dodson has tested that lightweight aluminum jack. Harold Elliott is standing, holding the pit board. They're keeping track of laps and times and, and uh, laps around these tires on computer and also up on the clipboard. And now they're starting to clear people away. So it should be just a lap or two before the race leader uh, comes in to make his final stop of the day. 305 go up on the scoreboard here at Atlanta. The fans getting a little bit restless. They want this one to be over with, and they want to see a new champion here at Atlanta this afternoon. Activity already going on down in Victory Lane as everyone is getting set up down there to congratulate whoever wins this race, and it looks like Rusty Wallace is going to do it if he keeps running like he has. And here he comes off turn number four now making his final pit stop of the afternoon. If nothing changed the way it sits right now, Elliott would have the championship by 24 points, but it's not over, as Yogi Berra said, to the Wallace pit. Well, right on schedule at about lap 305, 46 laps on this set of tires, and they will put right sides on, fill it up, two cans of gasoline to get every drop in. Jack is down, away goes Jimmy Maycar, and in 12.17 seconds, Rusty Wallace is back in it. So a good bit of pit work there by Rusty Wallace's crew. The way things are shaping up right now, there are 11 cars on the lead lap. The final car on that lead lap is Bill Elliott. Others still running. There are 20 cars on the speedway right now, including Eddie Beerswall, who is well in excess of 60 or so laps in arrears. Otherwise, the attrition rate has been somewhat high. 307 laps are complete of the total 328. I'll bet, I'll bet you one thing. If Elliott will talk about it when he comes, if 
goes to the press box, and obviously he's apparently going to win the championship here this afternoon. This has been the hardest and longest race that that man has ever run in his career to have to do and run like he has today. There's no question about that. And one of the funnier things, too, is although the Elliott family in general swears that they really weren't feeling the pressure in comparison to 1985 or at all, they said they thought they were able to handle it. We were all, you commented yesterday, you could hear the pressure in their voices, whether they wanted to admit it or not. Well, Ernie Elliott it finally admitted now he doesn't talk a whole lot, as, as a lot of you know at times. Sometimes you can get him to open up and really let things go a little bit. But he admitted down there yesterday that winning the Winston Cup championship is what it's all about. There's no question about that. You know, it's, um, you know I think our attitude about the championship is, you know, is, you know, we're a good race team, and we feel like we've got a lot of years left. And, you know, even if we don't win it this year, you know, we've got next year to come back. You know, it. You know, basically what we say is it's not the end of the world if we don't. But, you know, that's not saying that it doesn't mean a lot because it does mean a lot. And, uh, you know, I've had people compare this year to 85, and I can't compare the years because they're totally different years. In 85, even though we didn't win the championship, it was a very special year. You know, the same as this is a very special year. You know, and if we don't win it this year, we still had a good year. So, uh, but the championship is important. And it looks like they're going to lock it up here this afternoon. Elliott, who has had just phenomenal success in the last five years on the Winston Cup Tour, as he works down the back straightaway over in front of Dave Despain. He certainly looks comfortable out there. I'm sure that, uh, as you pointed out, Barney, this has not been the most fun day of his career. But I don't think Bill Elliott has ever lost the focus through this last half dozen races and through the criticism that he was just out there stroking around. He knew what he had to do. He piled up his points early in the year. He had to protect that lead. He had to bring home that championship, and he never lost the focus, and I think you've got to give the guy a lot of credit for that. Tough break for Mike Walter here. His country time Pontiac ran out of gas. They had to chase it down the pit lane, and that squirt a little ether down the throat to get him fired up and running again. So he had a fine run going today, up as high as second place. He'll drop back a bit with his lengthy pit stop, but he is now back on the speedway. And Phil Parsons had a good run, and still does have a good run going. Made his pit stop a moment ago and almost overshot his pits coming in a little hot as excitement is really building up here in the final laps of the Atlanta Journal 500. We'll see the other drivers coming on pit road. Here's Davey Allison. Let's go down to the pits. Well, Davey comes in. He's going to do the same thing, make it good as quick stop as possible. They are changing a little bit of wedge in the car, putting a little bit of fuel in it and sending him off. There was nobody reached under there and checked the tires, so that's a pretty risky, pretty, pretty risky stop. Dick, I'm standing with George Elliott as his son's about to come in for his final stop of what should be this championship season. Can you believe so many years ago when Ernie and Bill were out running cars around the back lot out in the dirt there that someday you'd be standing here and about to go to victory lane, perhaps as the Winston Cup champion? I couldn't even visualize it, Mike. <laughs> it's been a long road, hasn't it, George? It's, it sure has. You funded these boys through their racing in their early years, got them going to the point where Harry Melling came in here and took over. You've got to be awfully proud of what your sons have accomplished. All I could do was point them in the right direction, and they went. It was a good direction, and Ernie now stands out with a pit board, Dan with one foot up on the wall, and the man with a sign ready to bring Bill Elliott in for his final pit stop of this season. It'll be about a lap away, half a lap away now. Elliott is down pit road. Here he comes, heading his pit is all the way down toward turn number one. Let's go back to Mike Joy. There is a crowd around here as the Coors Melling Ford comes in. The whole front of this car sandblasted with sand and grit debris from this race today. Gas only. One can, maybe not quite a whole can, but it should be enough to send Elliott home. Just 14 laps remain in this event. 
Neil Bonnet also made his stop during just those last couple of laps. He will be in for the final time along with Mike Alexander and Jeff Bodine makes his stop and they too just dump in a little splash of fuel. Here's Cale Yarbrough and as Dick Brooks pointed out, this will be his last stop. I well, sure will. That's the last stop that we'll probably probably ever see him race or ever stop and uh, it's certainly been a good long career for him so uh, uh, whether it was a quick stop or not, it was a long, long career. Here's Darrell Walter to make his final stop. Let's go back down to Mike Joy. Carney, they've had good stops all day. On one of the caution flags, he was the quickest guy in and out. Waltrip's car never comes to a stop. It's, uh, it's kind of like a running handoff with the gas can, and they get it into Waltrip's car and away. Here's Terry Labonte in. The last time a junior Johnson Chevrolet will stop on pit road for some time. They switch to Ford next year. He does come to a halt and perhaps gets half a can of gas to send him off with. So we are working the final laps here. 13 remain. Cale Yarborough, the way it's stacking up right now, will add one more top 10 finish as we have it at the moment to his illustrious career in his final race. But with 316 laps on the board, it's going to be all Bill Elliott's big celebration when this day is over. He's going to be a happy man. There's no question about that. Let's take you back through the running order. It's changed just a little bit after this round of pit stops. We had this at lap 305. Rusty Wallace was the leader. Davey Allison was second. Michael Waltrip third. That's changed a little bit. Fourth would have been Mike Alexander. Fifth, Darrell Waltrip. Sixth to Ricky Rudd. Seventh to Kenny Schrader. Terry Labonte would have been in eighth position. Bobby Hillen with a ninth place run at that juncture. Cale Yarborough, tenth, and the last car on the lead lap would have been Bill Elliott back in 11th spot. Neil Bonnet was being posted 12th. Dale Earnhardt, 13th, 14th to Jeff Bodine, and 15th to Sterling Marlin. Back in 16th position would have been Phil Parsons, Ernie Irvin, 17th, Rick Wilson, 18th, Dave Marcus, 19th, and the only car still out there running out of the, t- the uh, top 20, or the 20 cars that are running, would be Eddie Beerswall. Everybody else is in the garage area. As we're watching a little bit of history here this afternoon, it's hard for me to realize that it's the last time we're ever going to see Cale Yarborough climb in and out of a race car after watching him. Some, Well, I've been doing it 28 years. He's been doing it 31. And to see Benny Parsons close out a career and to see Junior Johnson probably run his last Chevrolet, because I doubt it, I won't say he won't ever go back to Chevrolet, but Junior, too, may hang it up one of these days. And it's just a lot of history is coming down here in Atlanta this afternoon. Really is a very special afternoon, a very special weekend here at the Atlanta International Raceway. Kenny Schrader being shown as the race leader at this moment, according to our last calculation, although they were still in the midst of that green flag pitch stop sequence, so we'll continue to update things. Michael Waltrip, who was the first man to stop, might well now have reassumed the lead. And let's pass along that uh, Mike Beam of the Mike Waltrip team has been named the TRW mechanic of the race. Uh, we're keeping that car up in contention and getting Mike to the front and a good showing for them in this last race of the season. 319 laps on the board. And, Dave Despain, you've got to be impressed with Michael Waltrip's performance, especially in front of you where some guys have had a handful today. He's been very smooth. He's been good all day. He's been good all year. That uh, that kid and that team have definitely, I think, uh, grown out of the uh, the image of Daryl's little brother. And uh, that kid's a, a, a candidate to, uh, to win races and perhaps someday to win a championship. He's run very well here today. You've got to be dedicated to this business. Uh, Mike Alexander said, you know, other than his family, if this doesn't come first, then you'll never be a really consistent winner. And I guess that's the truth because these guys eat, sleep, and breathe racing like you hear folks say about different things that they get interested in. And he's one of those guys that uh, has really took an interest. He was kind of a kid for two or three years. He thought it was all fun and games. And all of a sudden, he's like Kyle Petty said a few years ago, you wake up and say, hey, man, this is a serious business, and if you're going to win races, you better approach it that way. 
The way the running order is stacking up now with all these green flag pitch stops having concluded now, Rusty Wallace is back at the top of the class ahead of Kenny Schrader, then Davey Allison along with Mike Alexander and Daryl Waltrip at lap number 321. Benny Parsons has been voted the winner of the Goodies Headache Award by the members of the press in attendance. He takes home an additional $750 today from Goodies Manufacturing and, of course, that $250 donation to the Brenner Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Rusty Wallace across the line, goes back into turn number one. He has had an absolutely flawless day as he works over to Joe Moore in turn two. Wallace puts it right there at the bottom of the racetrack, the car handling well as it has all day. You know, everyone's been watching Bill Elliott so closely today to try to find some kind of problem to see if maybe there was a puff of smoke or something. For a few times, our spotters up here in uh, turn number two were glancing over as the car went into turn one, and we saw a little bit of smoke coming out of the back. Upon a closer examination, we found out that was the barbecue grills in the infield. And it looked like it was coming from Bill's car, but there's no problems for Bill. He's on his way. The leader is Rusty Wallace, ahead of Schrader, then Davey Allison. We told you Mike Alexander fourth, Daryl Waltrip fifth, Ricky Rudd is being shown in sixth, then Michael Waltrip in seventh, Bobby Hillen Jr. We've not talked much about him today, but he's showing up now with a strong eighth place run, and he's looking forward to 1989. Well, he really is with Harry Hyde. The, the deal that Harry told us yesterday that it was all but 99% signed and ready to go that he would be over there working with Bobby Hillen and the Stavola brothers next year. So that may turn everything around at that operation also. Let's go to pit road. They were going to let Kenny Schrader run as long as he could till the thing fluttered or whatever, and it just fluttered. They just uh, jumped down with a gas can. They're going to catch him right now. They thought maybe they, they were going to give it a try, see if it would run all the rest of the race, but it didn't make it. Schrader is on pit road. He's been posted in second position. That's going to drop him back in the running order. They just dump in a splash of gasoline. Car barely comes to life. It's moving down pit road. Now it catches, and he'll go back onto the speedway, but that's going to cost him some five or six positions. Wallace looks at the board, 324 on it. Four laps to go for Rusty Wallace to win this afternoon. Four laps to go for Bill Elliott to get the congratulations of winning the Winston Cup Championship, something he's wanted for a long, long time, even though he's downplayed it. Yeah, it's all right. I'd like to do it. But it's going to mean an awful lot to him, and I guess it'll take a while to sink in here this afternoon. The impact of Bill Elliott's championship will be felt, I'm sure, up in Jackson, Michigan. The folks up in that area who first helped sponsor Bill Elliott when he came on the scene. The city of Jackson Special, as it used to be known at times. Of course, Harry Melling from up in the area of Jackson, Michigan, becoming the uh, financial benefactor of the operation. I'm sure he has been uh, watching this team with pride over the years. So not only are there people here in Georgia who are rooting Bill Elliott on, but he has a good bit of a rooting interest up in Michigan today, I'm sure. The separation now between first and second position, Rusty Wallace and Davey Allison is showing up as 3.3 seconds, and Allison is smoking the tires as he's just passed Joe Moore trying to chase him down in these remaining two laps, but he's got a long ways to go over in three. Well, he's going to go for it. Some of that smoke you're seeing is probably from Terry Labonte's car, which has been smoking uh, pretty seriously here for the last 50 laps. Davey wants to get around Terry before that thing blows up. Down to the line, white flag as they flash across the line, take it back into turn number one. Rusty Wallace right there at the bottom of the racetrack. Again, his car certainly cranked up this afternoon doing the thing he's done the last half of the season, and he's on his way to a win. It's not going to be a bad way to close out the racing year for Wallace. The one thing that's different about this race, from my view, is not very many people are leaving here. It's a walkover for Rusty Wallace, but everybody wants to stick around for the championship celebration. For Rusty, he'll tie Bill Elliott for the most wins this year. It will be six apiece as across the stripe comes the Wallace car, the checkered flag from Harold Kinder, and here comes Bill Elliott as he'll pick up the Winston Cup championship that he has worked so very hard for. Mike Joy has been with the Elliott clan all afternoon. 
Well, it's been tense all day, but now, you know, it's a big celebration. I think about 15 laps ago, they started to breathe a little easier, counting the cars left on the racetrack and the ones many laps down. But it's never over until Harold throws that flag. And now, finally, after a tremendous season in 85 and everything but the Winston Cup championship, Bill Elliott and his crew now truly have cause, along with all of North Georgia, to celebrate. Unofficially, this is the way they'll finish real quick before we take a break away and then go down and get the thoughts of the winning drivers here this afternoon. Rusty Wallace will win. Davey Allison will finish second. Mike Alexander third. Fourth to Ricky Rudd and fifth to Darrell Waltrip. And we'll be back in a minute. NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. It is all over here in Atlanta, Georgia. A couple of big winners today. Bill Elliott with the championship, but in victory lane right now, it is Rusty Wallace with the win in the Atlanta Journal 500. Jim Phillips is there. Rusty, you did everything you could do today. I threw everything I had at him, you know. Uh, set on a pole, let all the laps, led to most laps, killed them all day long, and he just got out there and just rode around again all day long and won a championship. And uh, I like and congratulate him. I told everybody I'd be the first one to congratulate, and I am. Uh, it's too bad I didn't win it because we got the team to do it, and we honestly think we could have had it. But uh, i like to congratulate Bill Elliott, the whole score Milling Thunderbird team, for all the great job they did all year long, and uh, maybe next year. Huh? I'll try it again. But you had a great team this year. Well, we pretty well run the field the rest uh, the, uh, the whole last half, you know, and I just had a problem at Richmond that got me behind, and uh, uh, that's it. But uh, that's racing, and I'm, I'm proud to win this race. I'd like to thank Barry Dotson, Harold Elliott, uh, Kodiak, Pontiac, Mobile One, AC Sparkplugs, everybody involved with our team that gave us this great success this year. And I know Lee, you're looking forward for next year. Yeah, I sure am. You know, like I say, if I couldn't get it this year, uh, I'll try it next year. You know, Bill's won lost it a couple times. He deserved to win it. I just thought maybe I could do it. Rusty Wallace, he wins the Atlanta Journal 500 this afternoon, but Bill Elliott wins the championship. And how nice it was also to see as Bill Elliott brought his car down the pit lane, the very first people to jump over towards the car and congratulate him, one of the members of the Kodiak Pontiac crew, so the sportsmanship continues to shine here in the Winston Cup division. In a moment, we'll get a word from Bill Elliott. From the Atlanta International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back with you in Atlanta while the Rusty Wallace celebration continues in victory lane at the head end of the pit road. That's where the Winston Cup championship celebration is underway. Let's go to Mike Joy. A lot of well-wishers crowded around here. Uh, we're sitting up uh, on top of the convertible boot of this Ford Mustang. Harry Melling has climbed in. Bill Elliott's aboard. And Ernie Elliott, who's helped guide this team to victory. Ernie, boy, was this the longest day of your life here today? Yeah, it was pretty long. <laughs> Especially when we had tire trouble, man. i tell you what, I didn't think it was going to end. <laughs> what did happen there? Well, we cut a tire down, and because Rusty was so close to us, we, couldn't, we didn't get a chance to stop. So we just had, you know, we had to keep checking, catching up, and it just, you know, it just tore a bunch of stuff up on the car. And what a season it's been. You folks, you've won a lot of races, run strong, and today you, you stuck to your game plan. You said earlier in the weekend you wouldn't change things. You'd do what got, what got you here, got you to the party, and you came home the champions. Yeah, well, we knew coming in, you know, where we had to finish. And, you know, and basically we didn't race anybody all day long. We just did exactly what we had to do and just not worried about it. Because, you know, tires looked like they could have been a factor. But, you know, they weren't. So uh, we just stuck to our game plan. We'll speak next with Harry Melling, who's on this team. Harry, back when uh, this young fellow from Georgia first came up to Brooklyn and Jackson, Michigan, run a few races, you and a bunch of local businessmen sponsored him. Did you ever dream that you'd be sitting here with these guys as, as the Winston Cup champions? Did you dream that far back? Well, I tell you what, after the first time uh, Bill and I and Ernie talked, uh, they had more potential than I think anybody saw. And uh, I, I'm lucky that uh, I was able to see it. And... Uh, 
I'd tell you what, they did a hell of a job. That's Harry Melling, and it seems they've cut us off. We're trying to get uh, get Bill Elliott on here. Uh, Barney, let's just check back upstairs, make sure you're still receiving us. We yeah, are. Okay. okay, sorry. We lost the cue down here. And uh, we'll get to be the first let a nationwide audience hear it from the winner. Boy, Bill Elliott, what a long time coming. Congratulations. Well, the thing about it is we brought it back to Georgie, you know, for all the guys back at the shop, for Harry Melling, you know, for Coors, Motorcraft, Ford, for the people at Austinville, and for the, all the state of Georgie. Here we are. When was your first inkling, when you first started asking your dad about running around in the field, you know, back behind the shop and the dealership and all, and when you first thought, well, maybe, maybe this is something I can do someday and be Winston Cup champion? Well, you know, the way things went all day long, you kind of wondered, but that's all, that's all it took. You know, we just had to do what we had to do today. Rusty did what he had to do, but we just run good enough to be there, and that's all that counted. You know, the thing of it is, I still don't believe it. You know, here I am sitting in the car riding around. It'll probably take a day or two to sink in, but I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. You've talked about today's race, but this is just one day in an incredible season. And even just to get to this point and the races you've won, are there a couple of memories of this year that sort of stand out? Well, you know, everything stands out. And the thing about it is, Rusty put us a hard run on and did everything he could do. And I think looking back on everything, we just stayed consistent. And that's what we failed to do in 1985. And that's what brought it home to us this year. You came into this place and stuck to your game plan. Bill getting a few handshakes here as we're kind of held up a little coming down pit road, and we're going to take him all the way around the racetrack. He waves to the photographers over at Victory Lane, and all 60 or 80,000 here at Atlanta will get a chance to wave to him. You stuck to your game plan. You guys could have gone and, and done a few wild things and done some different things to this race and really gone out of your ballpark, but you said you had a plan and you stuck to it. Well, we did what we had to do, and that, you know, even at the start of the race, you know, we started back in 30th place. You know, there it wasn't long. was running in the top 10. You know, we had a tire problem there that got us a little farther back than we wanted to be, but still we did what we had to do, and that's that's all that counts. We did what this team had to do, and the car ran all day, and it finished. You've won the Daytona 500. You've won the Winston Million. Now the Winston Cup Championship. How's this all stack up? Well, it brings chill bumps up my back. You know, I still can't believe that I'm here. I can't believe that it happened, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Well, Barney, we're at the head end of Pit Road, and we're about to make the left turn down the front straightaway where all of North Georgia and the race fans everywhere will get to salute a couple of very, very talented, very happy, and very deserving fellas. Bill Elliott, Ernie Elliott, Harry Melling, and here they come. You can, you can hear the crowd in the background as we get toward the front grandstand. Bill Elliott is the Winston Cup champion. What they're going to do is take him around the racetrack and give all the fans in the infield and up in the stands a chance to look at the new Winston Cup champion. Right now, let's go down to Dick Brooks. Well, we got a, a good, strong second-place runner here today. Anyway, after all that glory, when everybody out on the front page, well, uh, we're standing here in a truck. But uh, talking to Davey Allison, Davey, you've had an awful good season, and you've a short career that's been very, very good for you, and it looks like it's going to be good things. Well, thank you, Dick. Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate Rusty Wallace for a, a great race today. He went out there and he did what he had to do, led the most laps and won the race, and uh, I want to congratulate Bill Elliott on the championship. He, he did what he had to do also and stayed out of trouble and, and got up there far enough to clinch the championship. So I want to congratulate those two guys first and tell them both congratulations on a super year. And uh, we're looking forward to going into 1989 now with Robert Yates racing and Havlin and, and me and the new Ford Thunderbirds and try to get up there and deal those guys a fit next year. Well, you got a while to do it. Uh, give us a prediction when you're going to be in, uh, in the uh, – when you're going to win the Winston Cup. Well, we're going to be right up there in the thick of it next year. Okay, thank you. 
Good run for Davey Allison here today. He'll come up with a second-place finish. And again, Mike Alexander third, fourth to Ricky Rudd, and unofficially Darrell Waltrip fifth. And we'll take you a little further back in the running order in a moment. We'll be back at Atlanta in just a minute. Well, the cap has been put on a super Winston Cup season here in 1988 with Rusty Wallace winning his sixth race of the year and the victory celebration for him is continuing in victory lane. Jim Phillips? And we have Barry Dodson who put together a super team this year. Six wins, but that big one just got away from you. Yeah, you know, every lap today was like third and 30. We came here, we did everything we had to do, and it's just uh, I see some of the guys having a hard time smiling, and it really shouldn't be that way. We had a good year, very good year. Uh, Rusty's my champion, and uh, he proved that today. He's proved it all year. We had a very good year, and it should give us momentum going into next year, Jim. What really puts you, this team together like this this year? Well, we got uh, the car handled perfect like we knew it would if we got it right, and the, the engines have run great all year, and, and the main thing is teamwork from from uh, Harold all the way down to the kid that sweeps the floor. They want to win. They're all young. They're hungry. We, d- we don't have a bunch of superstars, and, and uh, Raymond gives us a free hand to run the operation, and we each feel like we have a very important part of it. Good luck to you, 1989. Thank you very much. The party's on. Let's go down the garage and Dick Brooks. Well, we caught up with Ricky Rudd. He's sitting here in the truck. Ricky, you've had a kind of a frustrating season until the last four or five races, and uh, you really got the car working well, and uh, you had some engine problems and whatever, and today you ran all day, so you've got to be looking up. Well, we really are. You know, our engine builder, Ron Armstrong, it's, you know, he's built us some awful fast engines all year. We've had some dependability problems, but, you know, he was sort of new to the sport. But I'm really tickled the way this Quaker State Buick team's coming together. You know, we, we weren't where we needed to be today, and uh, I guess it, it kind of figures we finished fourth and we, we didn't have a thing go wrong with the car. seems like it always hits us when we're out front. But, you know, I'm definitely pleased with the, the pit crew got us in and out of the pits right there in the late stages, and uh, it was just a good, hard-fought battle all day. It takes time to put it together, and it looks like it's coming together for you. Thank you, Dick. Okay. Well, time for the Motor Racing Network crew now to vote on the Peak Cool Move of the Race Award. $500 on the line for this afternoon's event. Let's open it up out in turns one and two with Joe Moore. Eli, I'm going to vote for the guy I voted for a lot this year because I've seen a lot of cool moves from this fellow. That's Rusty Wallace. He knew exactly what he had to do today. He had to win the race. Then the other, the rest of it was just left to chance, whatever would happen to Bill Elliott. He did exactly what he knew he had to do. And once again, pretty cool move as far as I'm concerned. I'll vote for Rusty Wallace. Dave Despain, your nomination? No spectacular individual moves out in my end of the racetrack. The one I like best was Cale Yarborough taking the extra lap after the checkered flag. That's my nomination, getting that last $500 check. Sounds fair enough. Mike Joy, what do you think? I've got to split my vote. Uh, two fellows came in here, each with a chance to win this championship. They each had a game plan, knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they each did. Rusty Wallace and Bill Elliott, they each had exactly the kind of day they wanted, they needed, they knew they had to have, and both will go home with their heads held high. I, I'll split my vote between the two of them. Dick Brooks, your thought? Well, I got my thought spoiled there. Uh, Dave Despain uh, messed up my glory. I was going to give uh, Keo Yarbrough a uh, uh, my vote because of uh, maybe not just today, but the fact that he finished the race today and uh, and all the cool moves that he's done in the past. I've enjoyed some of it uh, from watching him from inside the car, from outside the car, and everybody else has too. And uh, and I swear, if he didn't come up in the corner over there and and uh, and give him the same point, so I can't stand alone. But I'm going with Kale. And Jim Phillips. I have to go along with Rusty Wallace. He did the thing that he had to do was win the race to have a chance at winning the championship. He made uh, several cool moves on the racetrack just to stay in that hunt. So I'm going to go with Rusty Wallace. 
I'm going to nominate Mike Alexander. Barney, for a couple of moves today, he made a nice save of his car in turn number two, and he saved it twice in turns three and four when he had those tire problems we had been talking about, and that was a good bit of heads-up driving when, by all rights, a car should have come around on him. So I'll nominate Mike Alexander. Well, I'm tempted to do exactly what Mike did and split the vote between Rusty Wallace and Bill Elliott, but I think I'll cast a vote strictly for Bill Elliott because it had to be the hardest race that he has run all year long to, to kind of temper himself not to get up there, not to take any chances a dozen times today and he did what he had to do i think i'll have to go with elliot but two and a half votes for rusty wallace will win the peak cool move of the race award for him today five hundred dollars going in rusty wallace's direction barney you know what I, you and i had talked about the have a tampa close but no cigar award i was uh, tempted to go in, in michael waltrip's direction he had a, a fine run very quietly hung around the lead and he and mike beam and the whole crew got that car in a position what do you think it's a good nomination. There's no question. Mike Alexander did the same thing. Yeah. And then when you stop and think about Rusty Wallace getting so close to winning the championship, too, there's three good candidates there. But I well, think Mike Waltrip probably will come away with it. Let's do it in the direction of Michael Waltrip and our congratulations to him with the $200 award from the folks at Hava Tampa. Well, it's turned out to be quite an afternoon of racing here. The Hard Charger Award going as the race did to Rusty Wallace ahead of Dale Earnhardt. Davy Allison, Mike Alexander, and Terry Labonte on the season-long battles. We'll update you on Tuesday night as to exactly how the final numbers stacked up in all of these individual contests and contingency plans. But as far as the uh, overall standings, let's take a look at the final rundown. We'll take you a little ways back through the field before we leave the air. Of course, Rusty wins it, finishing second. Davy Allison, Mike Alexander finishes third. Ricky Rudd fourth. Darrell Waltrip fifth. Sixth to Kenny Schrader. Seventh to Mike Waltrip. Eighth position will go to Terry Labonte. Ninth to Bobby Hill and Jr. Bill Elliott clinches the championship with a 10th place finish here this afternoon. Cale Yarbrough in his final ride as a driver will come home in 11th position. Neil Bonnet will finish 12th. 13th position goes to Dale Earnhardt. 14th to Jeff Bonine. 15th to Sterling Marlin. 16th to Phil Parsons. Finishing 17th is Rick Wilson. 18th spot goes to Ernie Irvin. 19th to Dave Marcus and rounding out the top 20, Mark Martin. Taking you further back, 21st belongs to Larry Pearson. 22nd, Kyle Petty. 23rd will be Jim Sauter and Eddie Beerswall will finish 24th. 25th belongs to Alan Kulwicki. 26th, Brad Nofsinger. In the 27th spot, Brett Bodine. 28th will be Greg Sachs. Finishing in 29th this afternoon is Rodney Combs. And 30th is Harry Gant. 31st place will be A.J. Foyt, who had a good run going. 32nd, Jimmy Horton. 33rd will be Derek Cope. And 34th, Benny Parsons. 35th belongs to H.B. Bailey. Richard Petty will finish 36th today, ahead of Lake Speed, 37th. 38th belongs to Jimmy Means. Brad Teague will be 39th. The 40th finisher was Morgan Shepard. 41st was Dale Jarrett. And the very first car out of the race finishing in 42nd is Tommy Ellis of Richmond, Virginia. Oh, Leonard Wood asked us to say hello to his mother up in Stewart, Virginia, who is in the hospital up there. She is 92 years old today and was really? listening to a broadcast, and we'd like to wish her well and hope she gets to go home very soon. And, Barney, I know you uh, want to do as I here and thank all of the uh, radio stations across the country who have carried our broadcast throughout this year and certainly all of our sponsors on Motor Racing Network. Without them, we would not be along here every weekend. Well, they've done a great job for us this year, and I hope we'll be back. Most of them will be back with us next year. And we'd also like to take a quick minute to thank all 
the drivers and the crew chiefs and the people we talk to when we do what we call the drop-ins, the tape pieces with them. They've been very patient with us, and I know they get tired of us coming around every week, but we'd personally like to thank them each one-on-one, and I guess we will in New York and different places, but we'd like to do it before we leave the air also. And certainly all the racing fans who have supported the MRN broadcast throughout this year. Now, don't let the sound as though we're leaving you for a long while because we're not. We'll, of course, be on the air Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have NASCAR Live with you on Tuesday nights and a chance for us to share thoughts and conversation throughout the coverage of the offseason. We will be on the air, as Barney said, from the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York with coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Awards Banquet. Many of these MRN stations will also be along with us as we branch out just a bit into the world of college football with our coverage of the Florida Citrus Bowl on January the 2nd, the Clemson Tigers and the Oklahoma Sooners. So we'll be joining you many a time during the offseason, and before you know it, Speed Weeks 1989 will be upon us. All season long, Martha Oliver and Louise Frazier have been behind the scenes handling the scoring loop and helping make Barney and I sound as though we know exactly who's running in what position because without those ladies' assistance, we couldn't get the job done. Our pit runners today, Winston Kelly and David Hyatt. You heard throughout the broadcast from Joe Moore and Dave Despain, Jim Phillips, Mike Joy and Dick Brooks, and for Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. Our congratulations to Bill Elliott, the Winston Cup champion, and Rusty Wallace, the winner of today's Atlanta Journal 500. Bill Elliott joins us Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Time on NASCAR Live. We'll talk to you then. So long, everyone. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from the Atlanta International Raceway has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated. Don't just reach for a beer. Head for the mountains and the smooth taste of Bush beer. By Piedmont Airlines, the only airline in America that flies everywhere these cars fly. Piedmont, the official airline of NASCAR. By Pontiac, we build excitement, so get on your Pontiac and ride. By True Value Hardware Stores, for quality selection and personal attention, make True Value Hardware your store of first choice. By Unical, the winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. By Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant. On the track, on the road, Peak meets the heat. By the STP Corporation. STP products help your car run right longer. By Armor Star Canned Meats, America's number one choice for the great outdoors. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By Van Cam's Pork and Beans. Plump tender beans and a rich tomato sauce make Van Cam's America's favorite. And by Ford Trucks. America's truck built Ford Tough. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen. Engineers Harry Howard and Clay Stalka. Director of Affiliates Pat Hensley. Assistant Cheryl Parkman and Greg Robertson. This is Rick Lewis speaking. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.